the squirrel suit in one way and out the other and open the doors basically so that we can start pulling stuff. Like long story short, D we're, we're going to basically the, the entire show, the entire CanonCon is going to fall off the back of a truck, all the lights, you name it. Yeah. So I heard that, that, uh, let's say JJ from top dog. Some of the bigger light companies are releasing new stuff this yeah. year. Some, some crazy those new, new lights that Potent was showing. I, I know that there's going to be an entire truckload of those. We're going to basically take them in the the uh, intake door. We're just going to say thank you very much. We're going to roll them on crates. We're going to take them out the back. We're just going to take them to our house. It's going to be amazing. All the yeah, seeds, all up. the dude. It's the easiest heist ever. They're not going to dive it out. It's the Friday morning. It's incredible. Yeah, I dive in. By the time I get in there, I'll have our passes ready so you guys can show up at the door. And That's the best good. part. We basically turn around, we change our clothes, we go right back to the show. And I'm like, oh, I don't know why the lights are missing, man. I don't, I don't know why the seeds are missing. We're all laughing deviously. We got them all back at home. I happen to know that there's going to be a donut shop there too. We're going to take fresh donuts with us. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit sad for everybody else that doesn't have fresh donuts. We're going to be sitting on a pile of fresh donuts at home. But what do you want? I want I to sit there like a dragon. Piece. I want to sit there. Seriously, I want to sit on that pile. Of, I guess it would squash the pile of donuts. But I want to sit next to the pile of donuts like a dragon <laughs> and just, just uh, hoard them. My donuts. My my precious. I guess they're supposed to be releasing some new stuff, some new technologies for our industries and stuff. Stuff that Yeah, like, that no plasma stuff, about. we're taking it. We're taking it. We're going to take it. It's going to be in your garden. It's going to be in Dee's garden. It's going to be amazing. I just realized that uh, we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about, we're talking about my favorite show. Uh, my favorite movie, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the one, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're definitely not talking about uh, Canada. Can Canada what? Canada? I don't know what you guys are talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to, uh, what is this show called again? The Chronic Tape. That's what the show is called again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's change to live chat so that we can tell who's first. Samuel Olson is first. Congrats, my friend. Welcome. Uh, hopefully he's expecting a package one of these days, but uh, you never know. The post office has been late lately. Cheers, Samuel Olson, for being first. Uh, welcome, Sandwich B. Claude Gosson already in the house. Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show, folks. Uh, if you guys are over the age 21, some of you know the drill. Uh, sit back, relax, you know, kind of chill out for a little bit. Hang with, uh, we're going to have a great interview here with uh, Third Coast Herbal Collective here in a second. So if you guys are over the age of 21, you know, uh, get ready for some garlicky herbinists, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's going to be awesome. But on the other hand, if you are under the age of 21, Smash, what do we like to tell the under 21 crowd that might be? She's, I love the pantomime. It's great. ABC, one, two, three, Chef Boyardee. I love you it. You can't stay here. Now go away. My, I don't know. I lost it. You know what? Somehow that's better, honestly, because it's like interpretive <laughs> rhyme or whatever. But they can already tell. You know, just get the fuck. You gotta out, go. Basically, just get the fuck. Yeah. If you're under the age of 21, yeah. this show's not for you. Go watch Casey Neistat reruns because he hasn't been releasing anything new. But then go watch reruns. He's got I don't know, ten years of YouTube or something. Uh, go watch Peter McKinnon. He's on there doing Peter McKinnon things with like trucks and water skis and whatever else. All that kind of weird shit that they okay. do. Go watch something else, ladies and gentlemen. Go watch chess or whatever. But do not watch this show. Uh, in the meantime, welcome, Hippie Spinach. Uh, why is there a big green tongue next to Smashed? Oh, that's that pretty funny. It's a big green tongue filled with cannabis trichomes. I like it. That's like that's like the Rolling Stone tongue, but with weed on it. I like it. That's exactly oh, what God, it is. I like this picture. I like um, it. Weird. I didn't get a notification. Usually when we go live, I'll reset my YouTube and I'll get a notification. There'll be like one new notification. I didn't get it. I didn't I'm get worried it. that we're a little bit uh, shadow banned. Yeah. The, the thought has occurred to me because I don't get uh, like announcements either. Usually I get announcements of my own show because I have the bell freaking struck, but you too. whatever. 
ladies and gentlemen, just in case, uh, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, uh, honestly, tell your uh, uh, weed friends about this show. It's really one of the only ways that the show can grow, frankly. Uh, YouTube is always pulling some kind of weird shenanigans, even even though, you know, we're, where we're doing the show, where D and Smash and I and Gracie, where we all are, the weed is perfectly legal. It's, there's nothing illegal about it. But for some reason, uh, uh, Google, where Google is, it's legal too, but for some reason, they're always messing with us. Anyway, uh, what are you going to do? We're not going to complain. Cheers, Anthony. Nice to see you. Cheers, uh, uh, CTC Organic Soul Garden already in the house. That's so funny. That like Google, where actually Google is, it's legal, and they yeah. still fucking. It's been legal forever too. It's absolutely bizarre. I don't get it. <laughs> I have no idea what Gracie's doing, but it's going to be really cool. She's she's pouring herbal. That's awesome. It was a teapot. I love it. That's that actually is a one of the sickest All right, we're gonna have a we're ever. gonna have a fun intersectionality, my friends. That's what we're gonna have. We're gonna talk about overlap and intersectionality. It's like birds, right? But. Yeah, my friend Abby from Divine Pine Studios, like ten minutes up the road, she made it. It was her first ever teapot, and I had like a bunch of matching mugs or whatever stackable mugs with for it. So yeah, Good she's. Year. I love tea. So cheers. I am. We a can candy. talk about tea too. Uh, uh, that's one of the T2. That sounds like a Terminator. Yeah, I'll, I'll be it. back. We can talk about T2. Richard D. What's going on, my friend? Welcome. Uh, all the way from uh, having dinner with T2. Actually, he, he was uh, having tea and crumpets with the Terminator himself. Little known fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a big fan of tea, tea and crumpets. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, let's do maybe quick intros, and then we'll get to the infomercial part of the show where I basically, uh, our guest is on East Coast time, so I don't want to take too much of her time so she can go and do other things. Uh, but uh, I would like to have a, a delightful interview with her. So, folks, let's uh, uh, do a quick intro, and then I'll go to my Fumidoro uh, uh, infomercial super quick, and then we'll get to the in, uh, uh, interview. Uh, D, what's going on, my friend? Uh, what's the good word? Brains? Are they fresh? Uh, uh, there we go. Nice. Right. Well, anyways, he just got the notification saying we're live. So, nice, everybody, we're live. Woo! Yay. Yay. Does um, that mean, oh, wait, when it comes from a zombie, does that mean we are alive or that we are live? Alive. It could be, be different things. Right. Uh, well, I got good to hear it. ice cream cake. I got some other stuff. Green, uh, gas, gorilla gas, same old, same old. Garden's doing good. Don't want to take up too much time because of our awesome guest we have here tonight but i do want to say join me on my instagram at d underscore zombie underscore i am giving away there's a giveaway going on right now uh click up to there to find out how to get on to it and it's the uh, contest is on st patty's day so good luck everybody luck the irish Randy. cheers smash what's good buddy uh we're just hanging out here uh drying drying trimming Getting stuff in the five by five, but cleaned out the whole five by five. The apple fritters down there, transplanted and stuff. So we're good. Um, pop some auto flowers to play with because the apple fritter looked lonely. So I figured we'll play with a couple auto flowers. But yeah, that's about it over here. We smoking good like always. Oh yeah, man! Uh, before we get to the guest, ladies and gentlemen, quickly join me at uh, fumidoro.com. If uh, for whatever reason you'd like to type other addresses, I bought a bunch of them. Fumador, I got that freaking cough still, so pardon me for that freaking uh, uh, my uh, uh, throat. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Fumador.com, Fumadorseedco.com. You can also type chronictable.com. Super easy to remember. If you're listening to the show, if you watch the uh, uh, YouTube show, or if you listen to the podcast, chronictable.com will take you right to Fumadoro. 
gmail.com. Uh, there's a couple others and I don't remember honestly at the moment. Uh, let's see here. What was I going to say? Take a look, ladies and gentlemen, for all your genetic preservation kit needs. Some package deals right here. If you'd like to save a little bit of cash, the West Engine Swindle Bundle right there. West Engine is, uh, wrapping up from his, uh, uh extended tour, uh, saying hello to the family. As it were, ladies and gentlemen, there's no Morgana in that special right there. There's a lot of Morgana in that one and a little Morgana in that one. What am I talking about? Morgana? That right there, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I can tell you that's one of my favorites. Uh, if you'd like to know, oh, what should I get? That's the one right there, ladies and gentlemen. Cherries, berries, and wine. Lime River Rose is the other one you should get. Boom, get that one too. And then if you're like, oh, you know what, uh, Fumador, I still think that I should get something. Well, uh, there's three of them that you should get, honestly. You should get Morgana, you should get Black Prince Ruby, and you should get Lime River Rose. Black Prince Ruby is the most pure uh, distillation probably of where... Where was that sentence supposed to finish? Uh, what I'm trying to bring to some of the strains. Okay, that was a super long-winded way of saying that. I'm like opening up Pandora's box. Okay, never mind. We're going to back up on that. We're going to pretend I didn't say that because that's opening a freaking whole box. It's going to say, if you want to know what Fumador's idea of weed is, there we go. That's a faster way to say it. If you want to know what Fumador's idea of weed is, Black Prince Ruby is about the closest that you can get uh, because... Uh, Nobody else pretty much has touched that except for me. Uh, and I threw a couple things together. And so if you want to know, Thousand One Nights, Black Prince Ruby, that's basically the Fumador way of weed or something. I don't know. That was a really weird way of describing that, I realize. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the photo contest wrapped up yesterday, at least the Portland Cannabis Tasting Society uh, a photo contest wrapped up actually a couple days ago. Uh, join us in the next one over at Portland Cannabis Tasting Society on Instagram. If you ever need to reach me for whatever reason, questions, comments, concerns, if you'd like to join uh, us on the show as a guest or if you have a guest idea or... Uh, uh, some kind of an interesting pitch or whatever else, Fumador at chronictable.com. Be happy to talk to you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, don't forget to use the coupon code BRAINS for 14% off. R-A-I-N-Z. What else? Uh, what's the other coupon code? Oh, shit. We're doing... Uh, okay, I, I realize this is... I female guests here. Okay, it was a whole ironic thing. This is not that kind of weird show, but ladies and gentlemen, bikinis for Kiev, that's 15% off. It was a whole thing, Gracie. Like I had this brand that was supposed to be like this ironic swimwear joke that I came up with on the show. It was called Bikinis for Siberia, but now that Russia's kind of, you know, Russia is asshole. So I'm like, all right, that's right out the window. I can't do bikinis for Siberia. So people on the show are like, oh, you got to do bikinis for Kiev. So Exactly, Dean. That's exactly right. It is. Uh, Southern VT Grower, welcome. Nice to see you, my friend. T.O. in the house. Uh, a, a fellow uh, winner of the photo contest. Nice to see you, buddy. Coffee pots in the house. Captain Calmag. Everybody needs more Calmag, as they know. Uh, as we all know here on this show, we're always saying, right, that we always uh, need more Calmag. By the way, folks, uh, if you're not on the panel yet and you would like to join us, if you've been on the panel before, uh, guest rules apply because we have a guest here. Uh, if you've been on the panel before, you're welcome to hop back on. If you have not been on the panel, please wait until after the guest uh, is uh, gone, after she uh, goes uh, to sleep or goes and tucks her kids in or whatever it is that she's planning on doing. Uh, and then, uh, ladies and gentlemen, then afterwards, you guys are welcome to hop on. But again, if you've been on the panel before, you're more than welcome to hop on and ask some questions. Gracie, uh, great to see you again. Uh, I met you at the uh, Michigan Regenerative Cannabis Conference. Uh, super fun conference, honestly, by the way. Uh, you were, I think, one of the volunteers, organizers. A lot of folks here know uh, Born Seasoned that works really hard with the uh, uh, Humboldt uh, Conference. And you were there behind the scenes at the tables and everything else, helping with uh, uh, entries and everything else. It was super fun to meet you. Uh, how do I say this? Uh, 
first of all, what brought you to the Regen Conference? I guess uh, before we even get into your delightful herbs uh, or herbal business, what got what brought you to the uh, Regen Conference? Um, well, I went to the 2019 conference um, with my partner, and um, that was really what brought me back. I mean, I was really looking forward to it in 2020, and then Michigan's didn't happen in 2020. Um, well, I think none of them happened in 2020, and then Michigan's didn't happen in 2021. So uh, it felt good to finally uh, get back at it. Um, yeah, Josh, I was working merch and helping with check-in a little bit, kind of brewing tea for folks, as I like to do. Um, and I had some of my uh, wares there as well. So. And speaking of your wares, uh, they're from Third Coast Herbal Collective. I'm showing the Instagram right now. Uh, tell us about it. Tell us about how this started. Uh, as How do I say this? Uh, uh, you know quite a bit about uh, uh, natural farming, closed loops, and uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, really a lot of the kind of behind-the-scenes herbalism that a lot of weed growers uh, talk about, but they a lot of times don't have time to do it because, for example, they might be growing weed. How did you get started in uh, this business? Uh, growing weed, actually, funny enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to grow um, cannabis. I I was at Ohio State University studying cultural anthropology and uh, minoring in integrated medicines. Uh, my mom's like a pediatric anesthesiologist and my sister's, you know, private practice derm, brother's a corporate lawyer. And then I'm the natural farmer in the family. So definitely the black sheep. Um, I dropped out of Ohio State to grow cannabis in Michigan circa 2011. It was February 2011. Um, moved up here uh, with my then, uh, the father of my child, my then partner. And he's been growing since 96. So we had a leg up. No one in Michigan really. I mean, it was a free cool. for all. Definitely a right. green run um, in Michigan uh, from 2011, 2017. That was pretty much what I did was primarily grow cannabis um, large outdoors, just kind of mom and pop farm, but it was all NPK style growing, um, just, you know, following a chart and, uh, it was organic, but it wasn't sustainable whatsoever. Um, around 2012, I went to naturopathic school of the healing arts in Ann Arbor. I went to a three-year program there. Uh, we don't have medically trained naturopaths in Michigan. Uh, that's a state-to-state -state law and a state-to-state -state term, naturopath. Um, and so I was a traditionally trained nat naturopath. Um, and that's when I went down the herbalism rabbit hole. I was like, holy shit, there's all these other plants that can heal you. I had such a deep relationship with cannabis, right. um, probably even a gluttonous relationship with cannabis, to be quite honest. Um, it's interesting. I've never heard anybody say that. But the, the truth of the matter is I think a lot of us that grow it uh, uh, do have a sort of yeah, gluttonous path. Like, first of all, we consume so much of it that it could almost like choke a dead horse. But uh, Josh was telling me about how he had the reason why Josh started the Regen Conference, actually, now that you say gluttonous path, was that he felt uh, somehow guilty about it. And I said, What do you mean? What do you mean guilty? Just, and he said, sort of, you know, this kind of rapacious path of just extracting money out of a plant and blow. It was an interesting perspective, right? Anyway, I, I didn't mean to take it away from you, but that, that's maybe the second time in recent past that I've heard someone talk about that. Yeah, you know, it's a sentiment that um, she had helped me. She, as in cannabis, had helped me so much in my life, starting from a very young age, dealing with menstrual cramps and, you know, debilitating issues that would keep me home from high school. I mean, I would smoke ganja and it would be 
A-OK. I mean, everything from an appetite um, regulator to, um, I mean, pain relief. It was my my cure-all until, you know, it wasn't my cure-all and I needed other things. Um, herbalism and my naturopathic school, I mean, it was a gift. Um, it was a combination of three other plants uh, that really changed my life uh, with in addition to cannabis. And so, um, I love cannabis, but I feel like since I've had other plants in the mix, um, my relationship with her has become more balanced and, um, you know, just, I, like I said, I, I grew, I mean, 150 pound outdoors with two different houses. Um, you know, Michigan, you could have 12 plants, five or 12 plants per person, five, with a caregiver, so you could have, I don't know, 50 or 70 plants per house. And, um, if, uh, and, um, you know, we grew it to the max and it was great. It was a super well oiled machine, but it wasn't sustainable. And, um, the regenerative conference really like blew my mind in terms of being like, wow, I can use plants to heal plants, not just use plants to heal people. It was this connection of these parallels between, wow, we use comfrey for people the same way we use comfrey for cannabis, which making you know, our plants more robust. Uh, comfrey is a cell proliferator. So it literally helps promote cell growth. And um, we use it, I use it in my salve for cuts because it can, um, it closes up cuts really quickly. It also has um, PAs in it that people get concerned about because it has hepatic toxicity. So if you consume comfrey, it can damage your liver is what, you know, major pharmaceutical companies want you to believe. But uh, some really independent studies have shown that, you know, comfrey on a human liver has the same negative effects as a beer. So like eight ounces of comfrey tea is as negatively effective as uh, eight ounces of beer. So it's really not, I mean, in the, in the healing properties of it um, outweigh the negative effects. Um, you know, people drink beer just to have a good time. So um, plants get portrayed just the same that cannabis does in a really negative light, especially when they work. So um, you see that a lot with St. John's wort as well. Um, St. John's wort works really well and it interacts with pharmaceutical drugs a lot. So that's one plant that, um, you know, they have done a lot of um, studies on to show, to explain why. Um, and uh, that's one plant that I work a lot with, the St. John's for topically more so than internally. Um, but that can be another one that's really great for like seasonal affective disorder. You know, um, I heard someone at the Gen Conference this week, uh, week at our past weekend, they, um, you know, talking about anxiety and smoking for anxiety. Um, they're like, you know, maybe you just haven't found the right strain yet. And in my mind, we just all have anxiety to some effect. And to put, you know, your anxiety on the fact that you're smoking the wrong strain is, I think, putting, you know, cannabis in a negative light. You know, you might just be having a bad day. You might just need a little extra tincture. You might need another, you know, plant to to help, um, you know, synergistically. Uh, uh, heighten the effects even of cannabis. You know, they, they can work together to produce uh, a greater outcome. 
So, I mean, that's one thing that we for sure know, but somehow we don't talk about enough. Like uh, we talk about welcome, uh, welcome Charlie's farm. Uh, we talk about at least as uh, uh, cannabis growers, especially on this kind of show, uh, we talk a lot about sort of organic growing. I guess until recently, we haven't really focused on the sort of regenerative uh, aspect of cannabis. But whatever, we talk about organics and flavor and terpenes and all this different different kind of stuff. I have a tasting society, so that's one of the reasons we're always talking about like you know how uh, cannabis tastes and how it affects you. How do I say and you this? Do- Right. That's correct. You do living soil. That's correct. I do living soil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do indoors, but it's uh, living soil. So pretty much, I try to be as. uh, I don't specifically focus on regenerative because I just feel like it's kind of like a joke. Like you know, how am I giving back to the basement? You know, but uh, in a sense, basically, I try not to have any negative impacts. So, for example, as a person, I'm always trying to recycle, and I'm you know, I have a a very sort of uh, earth centric approach. I I don't litter and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, the same thing with the grow. I'm always trying to use natural inputs that, if I did have to throw them outdoors, would make the world better as opposed to worse. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, if I were to say, oh, you know, I'm tired of this pot of soil. If I took it outside, that place would grow better as opposed to grow worse, basically. I don't know. That's probably a meaningless way to put it. But where was I going with that? Uh, that's completely and totally off the subject now. I mean, I'm not even high. I was going to say that uh, uh, the, the terpenes and stuff, basically, as we're growing these things, one of the reasons why we grow organics, a lot of us were, are talking about it, even if you didn't care about the earth at all, is because your cannabis is going to be better. Uh, it's going to be more... Uh, heavy hitting. It's going to be more enjoyable. You're going to get a longer lasting experience from those more complex terpenes. And what that means is you're getting these interplays between the orange terpenes and the lemon terpenes and the freaking the earthy ones. And Potemponics has been talking about transneridol lately, which is like this earthy basil or whatever. I can't quite remember right now. All these different terpenes, they interact and the interactivity of it makes you far higher and is far more medicinal than any like mono, you know, just, oh my God, it's 36% THC, but you know, tiny little bit of lime or whatever else. So how do I put this? I guess I'm babbling a little bit, but I'm trying to say like, we already know that there's a huge interplay with all these different plants and plant chemicals. But for some reason we kind of forget that, yeah, you could have cannabis with, again, I'm not an herbalist, so I don't, I guess I would be babbling, but how do I say this? All the different things that you mentioned, not only that, but actual herbs, lavender, basil, on and on and on, they all have the same compounds right and those compounds basically are all interacting with us no yeah yeah similar similar i feel like um i mean this is just how i think so and i like metaphors but i feel like cannabis for me is like grateful dead and that's like all you really need (laughs) you can just get down i mean there's so many layers and just it's we've had such a close relationship with it uh i'll play back and say they're considered the source yeah 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 so i and i feel like so like you can get really, for me, I guess I just gone down like, you know, 10 years where all I did was listen to Grateful Dead because there's literally that much music that they put out there. So cannabis, there's so many genetics and so many different flavor profiles, effects. I mean, just within that one plant that like, it's easy to get kind of caught up in just, wow, this plant does everything for me. Um, but you're really missing out on like a whole, literally a whole kingdom of other plants that are like within the plant kingdom that like are growing right outside your door. So not even if you're, you know, trying to use them to get high, but if you get high and have the munchies, you can like walk outside and, you know, eat shit right off the bush. So it's, it's very empowering for me to look out my window. And instead of seeing like weeds that, 
my parents would spray, you know, Lord knows what on to kill. I'm like, oh, you can eat that. Oh, dandelions, those are cardiac tonic, you know, um, becoming more connected with the plants. Um, and similar, similarly, just applying the naturopathic, you know, um, idea of using these plants to heal people in the same way that we use them, we use them to heal plants. So when I was talking to Josh and Kelly um, of Dempure at uh, the 2019 Regen Conference, um, Kelly is a naturopath too. And Kelly was talking to me about, I'm like trying to wrap my head around homemade inputs and like not going to the store. It's like wrapping your head around, like not going to the hospital to get better. You know, you're just making your own remedies. You know, you don't go to the doctor to get better. You don't go to the grocery store to get shit for your plants. You you're using what's in your backyard. Right. Um, I'm like, Kelly, so is this like, is the plant, the patient and I'm treating them as a patient. And she's like, kind of, but really the soil is the patient and the plant is the symptoms. And so by what the plant is showing, then you know how to treat the soil. And then when you treat the soil, then your patient or the plant would get better. So the symptoms would be, you know, alleviated. So that really clicked for me, um, you know, because like I said, I use, it's, it just, you know, you'll use comfrey for your plants. You use comfrey for your patients. Um, and they're really one of the same. I mean, we're very similar to plants and, um, it was so just empowering. I mean, talk about, you know, not having to go and buy from, from a living soil aspect, which, uh, my boyfriend on, on Instagram, he's green morpho, like blue morpho butterfly, but green morpho. And he's been doing living soil for about seven, seven years. He's got some of his pots and it's like 30th rotation. I mean, really, really dialed in. He was on the forms and stuff before, you know, shit like this was happening. So, um, he was the first, um, this is him, right? He was, um, he was, he really, I heard about regenerative growing and regenerative agriculture through, uh, a gathering I went to in 2017, but it wasn't until I met him in 2019. And, um, yeah, he'll have like morning glories growing in his mm-hmm. indoors. That was some Please. plant revegging from outdoors. Um, I got a, just I got a question. like really cool applications. Um, his peach pound cake is insane. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, oh, does, just, he does a really I got a question. I'm um, really obviously biased but um his gear no, I, I mean at least uh well i'm biased too you guys are cool people but uh yeah. go for smash so it like the herbalist like seed i guess we'll i'll call it seed so i find it like i get disappointed a lot because i'll be like talking with people and talking like i'll get into the organic talk and people like are so i don't want to say ignorant but they just don't know Cause they'll be like, Oh, you can, I've never heard that for cannabis before you have organic cannabis. I'm like, yeah, like that's all I do. And yeah. have you seen it? Like, like the world kind of like come become way more convenience based. Like they're like, Oh, I, I don't even really care what the inputs are. 
Not who I hang out with as much. No, I mean, I make it a priority for myself. So um, I think it's, I mean, when people just try to show me pictures of their buds and stuff, I kind of get turned off. I'm, I'd rather see pictures of their pots at this point, because if you've got some, some nice, healthy cover crop going in your, in your pots and, and maybe some, you know, some avocado uh, peels and you lift them up and the earthworms are going crazy. Like Uh I asked Jonathan's number, Green Morpho's number, because he's like, I got worms in my pot. And I'm like, what you got going on here? It was over a a tangy doobie. And I I, I started growing a lemon G and Death Star. Those were the two strains that I grew um, coming up from Ohio, good old Ohio girl. And uh, like uh, our whole conversation just sparked off a lemon G and tangy. And it was just from that point, you know, uh, like, he it and and he's an amazing grower beyond cannabis. He really grows uh incredibly uh you know he overwinters African trumpets and does some pretty exotic um plants too, just right in with his grow room, like stuff that like when I was growing indoors, like we wouldn't I wasn't even allowed to have fucking house plants in my previous relationship because it was like bugs, man, everything's gotta be so sterile. And it was just such a you know intense lifestyle in so many ways constantly buying these bags of like hp plastic wrap soil i mean it was just um and and nutrients are expensive so yeah even if you don't give a fuck about the earth you're like oh i'm gonna die like and it's just about you and you don't care about what the planet's gonna be like for future generations like you spend so much money on nutrients. It's insane. It's literally insane. And you can just make them yourself. You don't, you, know? you don't understand the argument I get all the time with that statement. I will say this. I'll be like, dude, organic is the easiest. It might be like a little bit of an upfront cost to put into stuff like my outdoor garden. I've been working on for like, we moved here I don't know, six years now. I've been working on that plot. But like, it's funny. I don't know. I, I don't know. Where, what state are you in? I'm in Mass. I'm on the East Coast. Okay, cool. Cool. So nice. our, I have over, over in Massachusetts. So we're weird. They kind of gave us, all right, legally, recreational, you're allowed to have six per person. If there's over, if, if you're just one person, it's six. If there's two people over 21 that smoke, it's 12. So medical, same fucking thing, pretty much. You're allowed one patient. So you get six plants for yourself, six plants for them. That's it. Yep. That's not much. Yeah. And you just allow well, I do. I do pretty well. Like, I just blew out my five by five. Everyone here fucking could. But still, she was talking about 150 pounds, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no. Well, yeah, I'm doing a little. That that's a little indoor. Plants, right? Yeah. I wish I yeah, could do an outdoor all year. The first grow that I ever, or the first weed I ever trimmed was some corn weed out of the cornfields of Ohio. It was like some 30 pound pull down and just, I mean, that's how folks back, you know, 13 some years ago, 15 and plus years ago. I mean, that was like tradition's been handed down in Ohio. People go out and just gorilla plant in the corn water once in July and then harvest and, uh, yeah, it's that's like, how we did it. Yeah, it's crazy to think about how far, how much shit has changed in the past 13 years. And I, you know, we can do our 12 plants now. I don't, it's, 
And I, my relationship has completely, like I said, changed going from massive, just, you know, um, three, three indoors a year plus two outdoor grows, um, that lifestyle to like 12 outdoors in a year. Like it's just different, you know, and I'm grateful for both. Um, it was fun when I was 19, but when you have kids, a lot of shit changes. So, uh, early twenties, I suppose more so, but like, yeah. Um, now with my daughter and having kids, like my shift really changed, uh, you know, and going to naturopathic school. Um, when I split with her father and I came back to the farm, he was one of the 16 growers for the state of Ohio. Um, so he moved down to Ohio and left the farm open here in Michigan. So I moved back with my daughter in 2018 and I didn't even know how I was going to like mow the lawn, let alone like do anything with a, with a toddler in tow and 20 acres. But, you know, I made a goal to move back, plant some garlic and, um, kind of like put my eggs in the other basket, like not be so dependent on cannabis for just everything in my life <laughs> like from healing to paying the bills like I depended on her for everything right um to take that step back it was a big privilege to have too and uh yeah uh now it's like I've kind of from the regenerative aspect and from the regenerative community um and from a soil-based perspective, have revisited growing, and it's been a game changer. It really has for me personally. I mean, everybody grows for their own reasons and everything, but uh, yeah, having that community too. Um, Third Coast Herbal Collective, our slogan is building soil and community. So uh, I like to say that you can't have a healthy community without healthy soil, and you can't have a healthy soil without healthy communities. So it's all that synergistic, uh, cultivating biodiversity above and below the soil. So, yeah. You have a great yeah. sticker, by the way. Uh, hey. what was I going to say? Um, I was actually going to ask you, uh, has your, uh, has your perspective of cannabis matured? Do you think, uh, and you actually, you mentioned a really good point. You had a, a kid and the kid basically changed your whole calculus. You kind of, you, you can't be an outlaw when you have a kid to take care of. Right. Uh, that's something I, I hear people like when they get a dog, even they're like, well, you know, I don't want my dog to be alone, you know? So then I had to basically like, I heard, I've heard that a bunch, honestly. So they changed their whole lifestyle because of like a kid or a dog or a parrot. One time I heard, uh, how do I say it? Yeah. Cause they don't want their parrot to live alone. Right. Anyway, uh, I, I dig it. Right. How do I say it? Uh, did your perspective of cannabis mature, do you think over the last uh, a few years, or is that the wrong way to, to describe it? I mean, I would hope that I matured over the past few years. So then I would hope that all my perspectives within my life have matured. But, you know, I'm sure there's a few people out there that would argue that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm far from perfect. I I have, you know, I've had deep levels of like eco anxiety where like I have, you know, I just don't. It just is crippling to me to think about the plastic or, you know, just like all the overuse of, of personal protective, like everything with the masks and and I just have to really, you know, it gives me more peace of mind to know that like, um, there's gentler ways of doing things. And it, it's also, it's a privilege to do things. It's a privilege to choose how you do things. You know, it's a privilege to choose how you eat from being vegan to being a carnivore. I mean, it's a lot of people don't have a choice, you know, they just have to do what they have to do. And so I do recognize that I have a, a big privilege and, and, uh, 
just want to set the precedent for my daughter too, as well, so that she can, you know, have that opportunity to not have to go to the store to buy things. Like I barely, I mean, let alone go to the grocery store. I try not to go to the grocery store. Like it's not just the grocery store that I'm avoiding. It's like, mm. it's everything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just mm. trying to, like, I'm buying another okay. floor here just for vegetables. Um, Cause the food at the fucking store sucks. And it does. Yeah. You know, I canned about a hundred cans of hot sauce this year, uh, bloody Mary mix, um, tomatoes, salsa, and, uh, still have, you know, I mean, I made about six gallons of fire cider this year. Um, I'm just, just an abundance of, of medicine, but I'm starting to really dial in not having too much left over. Like, of that six gallons of fire cider, I have four jars left now. And that won't be back until fall. So it's it's kind of having our, or my, my tinctures, you know, I used to have like gallons of tinctures, like the apocalypse was coming and I was going to need all this fucking tincture. And now it's like just figuring out, you know, because some stuff does have a heavy shelf life and other stuff, it is better to have it, um, you know, if you can replenish it yearly, then, then that's better. But, uh yeah, it's it's funny that you say that about uh, food. I mean, how do I say it? It's not it's not funny. It's kind of sad and stupid and stuff. <laughs> food at the grocery store does suck, but I mean, it really does. And I was just thinking to myself, uh, you know, I was talking about intersectionality or whatever, right? Like just kind of the crossover in life about stuff. And uh, a friend of mine was asking me. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember how the context was, but it was like, oh, I'm super excited. My, my new, uh, my, my weed is going to be done basically. Like, you know, my new crop is going to be done in a few weeks. And I was like, oh, I'm so freaking excited. Cause it's been a while. I've, I've had, you know, old weed, like a lot of this stuff, you know, it's, it's a lot of my strains, but it's like older weed now. And, and I was testing it at the time. So some of this weed that I'm smoking is a few months old and it's just, oh my God, it's, it's, it's not up to my standards. So I'm super excited. Right. And so my friend was like, so, you know, uh, is it going to be like better than dispenser or something? I think the context was like. Oh, that's what it was. It was like, oh, how often do you shop at a dispensary? And I was like, literally never. And I was like, I literally am waiting for my next crop. Like I'm, I'm smoking my booth basically because that's better than the shit that I could buy at the dispensary. Uh, and uh, the, the the stuff that's going to be ready, I'm so freaking excited. My mouth is like dripping, like drooling basically, ready for this stuff. And so my friend was like, uh, what makes it so good? And I was like, you know, I mean, how do I put this? Like a lot of the people that grow for the dispensaries are good growers. You know, like I know that there's, I could name a couple of different, actually even organic places and stuff that grow for some of the dispensaries. But the fact of the matter is they never pick the tomato or the weed or the cucumber or the anything really, or the fruit, you know, the orange, they never pick it for the customer. They always pick it for the truck that takes it from the one place to the other. So basically they pick it for distribution. So the bananas that you get are green as fuck. Until they yeah. take them to the grocery store and then they flip a trigger with the ethylene gas or whatever. And then it turns yellow in a couple of days. And Coot was telling us the other day, or not the other day, but he was telling us a few weeks ago about how every single fruit or vegetable at the grocery store, the grocery store makes a decision for what stage of ripeness they want delivered to that grocery store. So, for example, Costco will have, I don't know what the levels are, but we're going to make one up. We're going to say uh, 8B bananas. So every banana has to show up 8B. And so basically that's the stage of ripeness that they're going to show up. And this other store, Trader Joe's, nah, we like 8D. And so it's you know, a little bit riper or whatever. And that's just such a maddening, like that's the opposite of any kind of quality for a customer. A customer wants it picked when it's ripe and then brought to them when it's still fresh. And so that's the biggest difference between my weed and all of the weed that I could buy in all of the state of Oregon is that when I yes. pick my weed, it's a ripe red tomato that's just about to fall off. And I just got in the way before it fell off on the ground and I pick it off 
and then dry it, and then I smoke that shit. Uh, yeah. The so there's, there's nothing like that, right? Yeah, unless it's a farm, like a farmer stand grower or something of the sorts, you know, you're not going to get that true picked, like red, when it's truly ready. Because the everywhere, like you said, has deadlines or or they have SOP saying this plant goes 65, 70 days down at 70, no matter what. Right. And that I man like or God will let it go later. Yeah. yeah you get I fired like if you take it longer. Like, Why isn't it down already? So you have to take it down. It's not oh, right we're yet. behind it's on trimming now. Yeah. That's no, that's exactly that's what... really interesting. Uh Gracie, um, how do I say this? Uh, uh, I enjoy doing interviews like this because a lot of times, I mean, this is kind of a weed show, a bunch of weed, you know, stoner growers and stuff. A lot of times we have, you know, breeders and so on. But honestly, I thought it was going to be a really fun interview. And actually, I think people are enjoying this. I'm certainly enjoying this because there is uh, very clear crossovers. First of all, you've grown more weed probably than half the people in the chat, let's be honest. But uh, at the same time, uh, there's a really interesting crossover. Like, I didn't even think about this until you brought it up about how you, let me see if I can remember the context of how I thought about it. So you were talking about uh you were talking with dem this was this was like 10 minutes ago we were talking about this or 15 minutes ago you were talking with dragonfly earth medicine they call themselves uh about uh i'm paraphrasing you but but basically feel free to correct me if i get this fucked up uh you were talking about how everything on this uh, everything on your property can become a plant medicine for the things that you're trying to raise and so anything that you see is having a symptom or problem or whatever you'll find something on your property to uh to make that thing better using kind of plant medicine. Is that, is that about right? Kind of what you said? Yeah. And specifically the fact that, um, I was asking her is the plant, the patient. And she said, uh, that the soil is the patient and the plant is the symptoms. So the yellow leaves and everything that would somebody's cough, that would be, you know, they show their symptoms and, and deficiency ways. And we show ours in like, you know, a fever or cough. So you give them, you know, magnesium or, you know, you say, I always need more CalMag or whatever you give that <laughs> and, uh, and it takes care of it. You give somebody, you know, a tea and it takes care of it. I mean, I make teas for people and I make compost teas for, you know, literally with comfrey for both humans and for plants. Like sometimes the, um, it's synonymous. And so it's, that was really, um, the kicker for me. Yeah. The, the, and that's, I, uh, after the 2019, uh, regenerative cannabis, conference or I suppose at at that conference is when I heard Chris Trump speak for the first time and Chris I then went out to his 2019 us uh, uh training for um he does like a soil a soil training a KNF intensive it was a 5 day intensive in Boise in August of 2019 and then I just went again for the soil smith training so I'm repping Chris's little soil smith here um yeah, great. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but he's a great pool yeah. pool player. Yeah, if he tries to like hustle you a pool, don't don't take the bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good at everything from soil to from so, shooting pool to soil for sure. Yeah, I mean that's what. Smash! Before you jump into that, let me just kind of finish my thought here. Yeah. So Gracie, uh, I like the way that you describe that, and I think that that basically. Uh, so what I'm trying to say right now is I'm trying to verbalize it still until you said that I had never quite thought of the, 
the, maybe arguably, let's say the reason why I kind of bounce up against KNF and I'm just like, Oh, I don't know if I really quite want to do that. And so to this day, I kind of, I appreciate KNF and Jadam and everything from a distance. And I, you know, I, Chris is cool. And I, I watched his, his uh, talks with great relish. I thought they were one of the, some of the best talks, the whole show, but I still am not ready to jump in. And I couldn't figure out why. And I was always kind of just like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe another time or for another place. And I realized when you were saying that, that I have a little bit different approach to the whole feeding process of cannabis, even the whole idea of cannabis itself. So mm-hmm. even though it is a medicine for me, so even though like it helps me sleep and, and how I say this it helps me with back pain and everything, I just, you know, relax and everything else. I still, I think, think of cannabis as something like, and the whole process of cannabis as something like fresh fruit farm to table. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking of like everything on the, and so even in that sense, like when I, how do I say this? I only use natural, uh, um, natural substances to feed my plants. So I have this living soil and I only really ever feed it with barley. Uh, uh, what else? The endemic leaves. So I basically mulch with the leaves. What else? Some kelp, uh, compost when I want to some aloe. How do I say this? Only ever any natural stuff or even maybe some fish bone or something. I never use hydrogen sulfide, or I don't even know, like some potassium ascorbate, or I don't even know that's like a freaking food flavoring. But long story short, I don't use <laughs> bottle feeds or pesticides or anything else. And my whole approach, and again, I'm just kind of saying that I like the fact that we can have this kind of intersectionality sometimes, is that my approach, and I hadn't thought of it really until now, was that it's like restaurant, farm to table, bringing a ripe plate of tomatoes to your table. And the same yeah. thing, even with the feeding, like I'm bringing basically a ripe basket of tomatoes to the plants who are hungry for some reason, right. yeah. whereas like you are bringing a medicine to a sick patient and the, the results can be the same, but the approach right. is different. Right. And I just, I, I think that that's really interesting. That's why I yeah. like to do these kind of different interviews where it's not a cannabis breeder or a, I don't know, like a cannabis person, like you're doing something else right now. And we can think about that and realize, oh shit, that's different than what we're doing, but also the same. Like people have been asking, hey, could you talk about, and we'd love to hear about how you treat your vegetables. Cause I know you said you're, you're incredibly, um, you're super nerdy. I think you said about how you harvest your vegetables and you try to maintain all the, the nutrient density and everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so from, I mean, like, I guess my garlic crop's a good example um, of how I've incorporated KNF. And um, I mean, garlic's a great medicine as an antimicrobial and antibacterial, obviously. And um, one thing that I love about KNF is that um, it, it helped me make my herbalism more zero waste. So when I uh, need to make like an FPJ. I use, usually we'll do it with, um, like the tops of a plant, like a root harvest. So I'm going to harvest yellow dock root. I don't use the greens of yellow dock root, but when they're super robust and awesome, if you go out and you do your root harvest at, you know, right before sunrise, or you chop the greens right before sunrise, and then you make your FPJ and you just come back and harvest your roots later in the day. Um, that makes your, I guess, and if you're composting and everything, you always kind of have a zero waste harvest because it just goes back in the compost. But um, for my garlic aspect, uh, so even the the tops, the greens of the garlic that grow, I'll use those to make an FPJ. So it's um, more of a zero waste harvest. And then uh, everything with the garlics hand planted, I do about a solid eighth acre, like 90 pounds of garlic, harvesting about 300 plus pounds of garlic a year. 
And, um, I, yeah, so garlic, when I first grew it, nope, nobody really knew I was growing it. And I grew like 75 pounds right out of the, right out of the gate. I just like to go hard on things. <laughs> and so, um, I had a, some leftover come February and it was starting, I didn't know the best way to store it. So it was starting to soften a bit come February. I started making garlic powder and I just could not make enough of it. It was going like hotcakes. Um, and with herbalism, I know that if you dehydrate, um, plants above 120, for the most part, you start to damage the, um, medicinal properties of them. So I have a Excalibur dehydrator and I dehydrate my garlic uh, below 120. Uh, it takes about 12 hours in dehydrator. And then, um, and then I powder it with a Vitamix dry container. So it is a true garlic powder. It's not like a granulated garlic. Um, the Vitamix dry container. No, you're not kidding. Um, like when, when you, like when I try to tap it on my food, I actually just tap it on my dinner uh, or before the show. It kind of, some of it kind of blows away because it's literally a powder. Like it literally just, it just blows it, away. <laughs> I've never had that before. It's, it's definitely a, a high quality powder. Uh, when I go to shows, I'm like best powder on lot. <laughs> I literally slang like, uh, you know, ounces of garlic powder. That could be, that could be the best. I, okay. Here's a new idea for you. It could be the best like prank April fool's, uh, uh, nose candy alternative. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fine. I don't know. I don't want to say this, but you could prank some of your friends who are into it with garlic yeah. powder. Dead show in, in Detroit. I was at the Dead Show in Detroit walking around with like, you know, a little tray of stuff, you know. I like to make my ticket money back and stuff. And this person's like, is it really garlic powder? And I'm like, fuck yeah, it's really garlic powder. Like, what the hell do you think I'm doing over here? Like, uh, you can tune it and find out, but I guarantee you, you're not going to like that. So, right. no, you can literally open the jar and you're like, no, that's garlic powder for sure. Oh, it's really, it's, it's really potent, but yeah, it kind of looks like, I don't know, talcum powder or whatever else. Uh, so yeah. what are your favorite products to, to recommend to folks from your, uh, 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 product line? It's the garlic powder, I think is number one, but you have a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. Um, I, um, I do a CSH actually. So, um, similar to, uh, how Josh, Josh, he paid for his tractor with a CSH. I paid for my tractor with a CSH, uh, with, a well, at least I'm paying for it. So it's, uh, it's been an awesome. Yeah, I need a track, dude. <laughs> for what? To impress the I was, chicks? I was, just, I was just messing around. I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> I do want a tractor someday soon. I need to figure out. <laughs> That's a goal of mine. been a lifesaver. I mean, like, it's unreal. My payment's less than, like, 200 bucks a month, and you just can't fuck with that. Like, I couldn't pay someone 200 bucks a month to do what this thing does. How much land do you have and like how has have you like given back to your land since you've been there? Yeah, I have a 20 acre property. It's about 13 acres of open uh like land and then uh with the pool barn like a for an animal like a dirt floor pool, floor pool barn and um uh, about 6 acres of woods and then my neighbors uh, to the east of me, they have 98 acres that I do primarily most of my foraging on R2 properties, which I'm very blessed for. Um, and uh, I also put a yurt on my property. My friends, um, shout out to Great Lakes Yurt Company uh, in Grass Lake, Michigan. 
Uh, I have a locally made Michigan 24 foot yurt, a uh, circular canvas. Sometimes people don't know what yurts are, but you guys are from the West Coast, so you probably <laughs> know more so. Um, but yeah, so that's a community, an off grid community healing arts center that we host. Uh, I'm a licensed massage therapist as well, and um, also a yoga teacher. But um, so I, yeah, Yellow Moon Yurt, um, I'm a big dad. Yellow Moon is a Robert Hunter reference. Um, yeah, that's my backyard. Yep, that's me and my daughter in the yurt. Um, oh, yeah, we have some great times that's out so there. Cool. Yeah, we're really grateful. I like I like everything local from my weed to my yurts. You know, it's got to be. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, so Do you yeah. um? That's have cool. you ever thought like, do you bring people onto the farm at like Airbnb yeah. or anything cool? Yeah, like uh, I had a year opening and a bluegrass band came out and played. Last year, I did a gathering called Oddly Specific. People, yeah, that's from a solstice morning. We, we get crazy fog here because I'm kind of up on a hill and then it drops down to a valley. My neighbors have like a five-acre fishing pond that I can go out on and I get to fish with my daughter. You know, it's great bass. We got really, got like pound crappie in there. It's, it's a good time. That's my medicine wheel there right at the mm-hmm. end. So yeah, that's my greenhouse. It's like a little hoop house there. Um, and then if if you were to continue turning, that's just my house right over yonder. So those are that's my peach tree. I put in a five. Uh, I put in eight fruit trees, two two cherries, um, a pear, a peach, a plum, and three apples last year. Um, so yeah, we try to do things. Everything I do on the on the farm is all sliding scale. All you know. No one's turned away for lack of funds. We try to make everything like as accessible as possible. Um, I also do a, a little kids meetup once a month for my for my daughter. That's I'm looking the microscope there. Um, it's called Little Pickers, and uh, Little Pickers is a uh, uh, we pick you 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 learn how to pick everything from the garden to the guitar, but not your nose. And <laughs> So we, I mean, we went out and even like collected IMO boxes with a bunch of five-year-olds, you know, just so they could kind of see what, you know, what it even looks like to, you know, collect IMOs and just talk. I don't think it's too early to ever, um, you know, IMO in my opinion. I don't think it's ever too early to talk about IMOs. So I love you know, I was 30 the first time I heard, or 29 or something, the first time I heard indigenous microorganism. And, uh, you know, it's those type of things that um, I just want, I do homeschooling with my daughter too. So I homeschool as well with her. And uh, we do a lot of just like, you know, learning through life experience kind of play. So she can identify more plants than most adults can. <laughs> and uh, that's awesome. She, He's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you guys can find the garlic powder on my shop online and I'm doing a little flash sale in my story right now. Um, we also do uh seed and song swaps, which I'm taking on tour this year, um, to different regenerative farms in Michigan. So the seed and song swaps are just how they sound. You can bring your instruments or bring your own seed and, uh, um, just swap and just kind of a co-creative everything like everything we do on the phone farm is real co-creative. I might be hosting, but everyone there is playing uh, an equal role. So that's cool. 
Yeah. See, I didn't even know all that stuff. I, I just got to talk to her about, uh, honestly, I didn't get to talk to her uh, too much, but I don't know why I'm talking to her uh, in third person now, <laughs> but I'm looking at the website, but I didn't get to talk to Gracie too much, but uh, I was impressed by uh, uh, the, the honestly, you know, because I guess I'm into freaking taste and stuff. That's what I just realized a little bit ago. I'm into the freaking food elements of it more than anything else. So I was more fascinated with the shred, the gar and the phenom. And that's actually what I bought. Uh, yeah. But how do I say it? I was impressed by the way she talked about uh, uh, weed and uh, not uh, weed, but uh, garlic and growing and stuff. Uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm a big fan of garlic too. I don't know. I didn't even know that she grew weed. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? Like, how do I say this? Go ahead. Uh, you're also kind of a food snob. You mean, you can't lie. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, like, um, like you were yeah. saying with like your kids and stuff, like uh, Charlie, it has farms. Well, they're not really, they're indoor, big indoor grows and stuff. And he, him and his daughter, he, that's his life. You know what I mean? Mm. My, my dad was a organic farmer. He did his own tomatoes and stuff. Like I've been in like growing stuff from when I was little. And I think that's the way it should be. I think that's the reason why we're losing a lot of the like society to like games and stuff. Yeah. Like cell phones and shit, you know, we're not teaching them to go back to use their hands and, and pop. I bet you that I remember going to school and they taught us how to pop seeds. I mean, it was regardless, it was the wrong way, but (laughs) <laughs> they still taught us. They still tried to teach us. Um, yeah. Now they don't probably don't even do anything like that. No, they don't even teach cursive anymore. It's just straight to the screens and that's about it. You know, cursive and it, was so hard, but I had so much fun with it. I had to stay in the my teeth and recess a couple of times, but it was okay. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's, it's hard. It's, it's school. So weird now. I mean, I was, I was starting to send my, kid to um like two days of school and then everything got shut down and I kind of just took it as a sign I was on the fence of what to do and um you know we do a lot of play co-ops I'm really blessed with like an awesome homeschool community so um we have group meetups weekly and everything like that and it creates more of a community because one of the big things and one of the things I talked to me about was uh being closed loop without being closed off and that concept of truly building the community while you're building soil. So I see a lot of farms that, you know, they'll start doing stuff and they're like, Oh, I'm doing everything myself. Like, Oh, like my grows as big as my ego. Like, Oh, cool, buddy. Like, you know, you're never doing everything yourself. Like I'm just, nobody on the fucking planet is doing everything themselves. So I'm unimpressed by farms that try to, um, you know, either hide their knowledge or say, well, I took, it's taken me so long to learn this. I'm like, hmm. well, you know, share it with everybody. I like so what no you just said, honestly, you just said, cause I thought you were going to go in a completely different direction. Then you, you included something really super interesting. Uh, that's something that potent and I have talked about quite a bit about. There's some people who kind of, man, they use their organic practices as like a club to beat other people with. You know, like, well, you're not as good as me, man, because you don't blah, 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 blah. And that's a way of being closed off. I thought you were just going to say uh, this complete, well, not just, but I thought you were going to say basically, you know, uh, uh, we try to integrate, you know, the entire natural world, the butterflies that fly in, they poop on our fucking leaves or whatever. But no, you actually took it in a very, very interesting way. You said that even being kind of psychologically closed off is something that you're not into. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah, I find it. Yeah, I mean, you catch more 
bees with honey than you do vinegar. So if you think that you do something better than someone, um, you know, my, my, one of my exes would always say, you know, grow a better bag of weed for me. I'll buy it off of you. You know, like, it's like, why do you even want to be the best? You should want everyone around you. There's space enough for everybody to thrive. And so when we're sharing knowledge and we're sharing life experience for me, life experience speaks volumes, you know, and, um, uh, it's, it's interesting too. One thing I see a lot of people coveting old strains. And I really think that, um, like the medicine is evolving with us and it's what we need now, you know, and we're always going to kind of, um, long for nostalgic old strains. But, um, I think that, you know, they say, especially with foraging that, uh, what grows in your yard is the medicine that you need. Um, and even just like in 2020, a lot of lung medicine was in abundance in, in the wild, like wild lettuce, mullion, um, even self-heal, which they found a constitute within self-heal and chaga specifically. I can't remember the constitute off the top of my head, but um, that was specifically um, effective in fighting off COVID. And so it's just really interesting that, um, you know, I feel like the plant's really know what we need, you know, and we, as a human species, try to be so innovative, um, you know, and, uh, we can get really protective too, you know, and I think that, uh, we get protective of things that are special to us. Um, but if we can find a way that to keep things special and protected, but still share it for, you know, the greater of, of everyone, I mean, you that's one thing I love about growing with, with living soil. When you take care of the soil, everything thrives, you know, ourselves included. The plants thrive, vegetables thrive, cannabis thrives, the wildlife thrives, like, and, and we get to thrive. Um, so I just, for me, everything really comes back to just taking care of the soil, I suppose. <laughs> I dig it. It's a very holistic uh, approach to it. Uh, that's, I think, the vibe that kind of comes off. Uh, I think both you and your partners is a very kind of happy, cheerful, gentle vibe, and you're not really trying to monopolize any conversations. I know you, you kind of see it when you, uh, you notice it when you see it a little bit. I don't know. I guess maybe this is me puffing them up, but you know, it's an interview. What do you do? Like you see that kind of, sometimes people, they, they want you to know who they are, you know, or, or, or maybe they don't want you to know who you are. You guys are just pretty chill to just kind of be there, you know, like whether we talk to you or we don't talk to you, it's fine. It's, it's all cool. You know, we're just, we're here, we're here enjoying our time on earth. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's a very different perspective. I think very, I think a lot of people could be reminded about a different, happier path to life. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it's definitely not all yurts and rainbows. Like, like, oh, like, sure. yeah. like you know, um, but yeah, I think that having, an, having that connectedness and knowing that it's all connectedness helps a lot, you know, for sure. So, yeah. We've kept <laughs> we've kept you for quite a long time. Uh, how do I say? You're welcome to hang out, but I know it's late for you. That's the, what I'm saying. I have no for time, but I'm definitely uh, I'm you know pushing pushing after ten is already uh, uh, like closer to bedtime than I'd like to. I dig bed, it. So. No, I dig it. So uh, let me ask you. D had a question here. Uh, since you are in Michigan, do you know what the MCMA is? And D was wondering if you have an opinion on that. Uh, D, go ahead and ask it because uh, uh, you're a little bit more familiar with th with it than me. It's a new law in Michigan, a new potential new law. Okay. I'm not. I don't know too much about it, but I know it's old. 
Yeah, I know what's going on. So, all right, in Michigan, I don't know if you've heard of this. They're trying to take your caregiver's rights away and minimize their plant count again, back down to something like I have over at Mass to 12 plants and that's it. So like one patient or whatever, like the max for a caregiver right now is like, I think 72 plants with the right amount of patients and they're trying to minimize that. And there's a, a certain amount, there's a certain bunch of companies that are paying to lobby against this um, in Michigan. Uh, if you know who the Michigan Bros show, Spartan Grown, he's literally been in the Senate reading all the uh, papers and the laws that are being put out because he's fighting for their rights to be caregivers and shit. Yep, yep. I do know about the Michigan. I'm not like extremely well subject, but it's definitely something that people in Michigan are fighting against. You know, it's uh, it's something that it's frustrating because when it comes down to it, we'd like to think that we have a say in the situation. But if there's enough money thrown at it, it's, you know, I mean. That's what happened in Ohio, at least. So I'm just speaking from Ohio experience where we voted out responsible Ohio. You know, like everyone had it. It took a long time to get everyone. Like, no, don't vote for it to be legal. This is a shit law. We don't want it. Don't let them fool you. And then it wasn't even like January, like two months later that they were like, oh, sorry. I don't know. Nick Lachey or whoever threw enough money at it. We're going to now do responsible Ohio. We know that you voted and everything, but it's actually not a democracy. Sorry. Um, you know, I, the caregivers in Michigan, once the law is established, I feel like it's a lot harder to change. So they have that going for them, but it's definitely, um, it's an up, upward battle. I would, it would be a disservice to the patients, in my opinion, to monopolize um, it's already a disservice that the caregivers can't sell to dispensaries anymore. I mean, we used to be able to sell our overages to the dispensaries. It's been like a downward um, pattern, unfortunately, because, you know, powers so, are, 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 are um, definitely trying uh, to monopolize and, and have right. a plant, which just keeps happening to it, unfortunately. Right on, Smash. I think that's there's supposedly a, all the companies that are involved with uh, who's fighting against you guys' caregiver rights. Oh, no shit. Yeah, both that somehow doesn't both. surprise me at all. Sherbinsky's and all those guys are big money. Well, good to know. DNA oh. on there. Gee, yeah. yeah was a, Something with DNA is funky. Um, they've talked about it on a couple of sites. Well, if they're, you I mean, want they're, to they're, they're it. big money, so they're probably basically perfectly happy to. Uh, eliminate home. That's actually bizarre. You wouldn't think DNA would want well, to eliminate home growth. They said right that's the thing. They said that they're on. They're they're they have contracts with some of the bigger people, and that's why they're getting involved. Right, that's the thing. They probably make more money from supplying the uh, greenhouses than they do us lonely peons, right? Because we we buy seeds like ten at a time, and the greenhouse buys them two hundred million at a time, or whatever stupid number. Anyway, regardless. Uh, uh, an Instagram at Michigan caregivers too, that kind of um, shares a lot about that subject as well. So if you are interested or local to Michigan and you're wanting to know more about it, um, it that's another one as well. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not a caregiver anymore. Not that I, um, my, my, my partner is, and I would, would, it would be, uh, like I said, a shame to have those laws changed. I know that they were trying to change it too, so that you couldn't live, um, 
in like a residential area, you had to be zoned agricultural in order to be a caregiver even. So they've been trying to sneak in and modify uh, for some time now. And it hasn't happened. And I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I definitely think Michigan had some of the best laws. That's why I moved to Michigan. All my friends were moving out to Colorado or Northern California or Southern Oregon, like circa 2010. And I went up to Michigan. We're like, why are you going to Michigan? <laughs> and I'm like, well, price per pound. And- I almost did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then, and then Oklahoma opened up and my buddy's been there forever. He's like, get, get here, come, come. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with tornadoes and hailstorms. But right. Yeah. And there's no, I was thinking about that today. There's no insurance. They don't have, uh, 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 like, uh, what the ACA or whatever it's called in, in Oklahoma. So for example, Poten talks about how it's very difficult to get insurance there. I don't know, different States, different rules. Gracie, we don't have to talk about the 50 States and all the different, uh, this and that, the other thing. I'll let you uh, go with one last question. Uh, it's been a wonderful interview with you and then let's uh, uh, show your website free to talk about that. I hope this is a, a, a T-ball question for you. Tell us about the synergistic effects of cannabis and uh, herbs, specifically your delightful herbs that I'm about to show here on your yeah, website. Yeah, uh, um, like a complimenting Mary Jane series that I want to go off of. So specifically within smoke blends, um, having uh, some synergistic effects, uh, you can pair cannabis with uh, expectorants like mullion or um, uh, different uh smokable herbs, right? Clover is another one. Um, and just have, uh, not an expectorant, but another smokable herb. Um, I recently made a smoke blend with, uh, uh, corn silks and, and, uh, basically having those, those herbs, you're, you're able to almost heighten the effects of cannabis or, um, help alleviate some of what could be negative effects of smoking, you know, long-term whatever it is for an extended period of time. So expectorants, what they do is they excite the lungs in a healthy way that actually stimulates um, the cilii in your lungs and helps to clear out and expel or um, uh, different mucus. So you can, some of these smoke blends or even herbs, you don't have to smoke them, only you could drink and it would actually incite a cough um, that helps to restore and strengthen the respiratory system. So just taking herbs like um, to counteract the act of smoking or um, a lot lot with anxiety. Uh, That was probably the number one conversation I had with people at the regenerative conference. I was like, oh, I have tinctures for anxiety. And people were like, what? You've got tinctures for anxiety? And um, I just think I make a Tincture here with uh, elecampane uh, that's uh, an expectorant that's really high in um, a prebiotic. The way elecampane works for me is that it it just lets me take a really deep breath. So even though it's not necessarily um, something that's used for anxiety uh, because it helps you take a really nice deep breath, um, it's really soothing. And then the wild nettles in this blend, the earth will see you on through this time. Um, it is, uh, a nutritive and then passion flower is more of a sedative. So passion flower is really great for circular thinking. If you get caught in your head a lot. Um, so those three things, those, those things that work together, um, all my formulas for the most part, 
um, our, our triplets or in, in sets of five. If you have too many cooks in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you can't really tell what's working and you can't tell what's not working. So having one complicated, um, but still our synergistic uh, would usually come in like threes or fives. And so, yeah, just pairing indicas with sedatives to heighten their effects or pairing stimulants with sativas to um, help with that. Like if you were wanting more, um, if your adrenals are burnt out, nettle seed, tea, nettle seed tea or tincture is amazing for burnt out adrenals. And you could pair that with a sativa. And that would be, again, um, complimenting Mary Jane because you're heightening the effects. Um, heightening the effect. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's something to sneeze at. That was supposed to be a pun because you're supposed to sneeze at the garlic. But anyway, whatever. It wasn't that funny. Uh, how do I say? Yeah, no, she's scrunching her face. She's like, that's not that funny. All right. It's, it's been a long interview. It hasn't been a long interview. We're just gonna we're just gonna move on. It wasn't that funny. Uh, Gracie, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for hopping by uh, Third Coast Herbal Collective. I hope you stop by uh, another time. Maybe you're the in-house herbalist now, uh, so we can ask you herbalism questions or something. Maybe we're gonna go with it. We're gonna pretend. Uh, thank you very much though for coming. I appreciate it. Uh, last things last. Uh, thanks very much. And uh, how can people find you at uh, Third Coast? What is it again? Third Coast Herbal Collective on Instagram. Is that right? That's probably the easiest way. Or dot com. And yeah, uh-huh. give me an email or uh, send me a DM, and I'm pretty responsive to to all that. So yeah, awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thank Cheers, you, Grace. Have a good Thank one. You. Cheers. Have a good day. Talk about tea or anything. Let's talk about tea next time. I was saying that I was like, Charlie, I, I don't think you were, you might've been in the other room or something. I was like, Charlie's actually like the, his whole life's gardens pretty much. So his daughter's learning like what a garden right. is, what this is, what that is. And Charlie's actually moving to an organic system and one of, in his personal self. So it's like, she'll be able to learn what the soil web is and, and, and the, the benefits of like actual healthy soil and stuff for the earth young yeah i'm actually going to do a demonstration at school like in the spring when the weather gets a little That's better fun. i'm bringing seeds yeah, to my friend wait. Wait. um he's got a bunch of land in his backyard and uh i was like well, do you want to can i come hang out because they call me uncle smash like I, he's my best friend like i have like one left so i'll go there and i want to like show him like how to grow like tomatoes and stuff and he said like yeah that'd be cool if you want to come we can all hang out and do a garden that'd be cool that'd be really cool yeah i mean i even the homeschooling we we talked about that for years um but just financially we just couldn't stay home well it sucks because both of his parents just kind of got both of their parents just got sober so like They've been, I don't know, they they're, they don't really know what was going on. They're still young, but they're starting to realize. That's good. Self-awareness is the first step. So I'm trying to help him stay clean. So I, I know gardening helped me stay clean. So I'm hoping in turn, maybe giving him the gift of gardening will help him meditate and hang out with his kids. and. Sure. Nothing better. We have an outdoor garden that we've had. Uh, we haven't been to it last year. But we, the 
going to do it again this year. Uh, Charlie's your your mic is maybe quiet or down or something. It's very hard yeah, to hear. You know what it is? I have my I have my really bad headphones. My other one's charging. Is, right is on. it better when I go like this? It is better. Yeah, a little better. Yes, much right better. Now. Thank you. I don't like my voice. When I do move to the other place, I'm going to get a boom, and I'm going to get a good mic so that my voice isn't nice. so raspy. Because it comes across real raspy on this video. I on the stream. I I can't stand it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'll switch over to the other ones as soon as I can. That's why it comes of off as the announcer to uh, the Twilight Zone. What, what was that yeah. guy's name? Uh, <laughs> Rob something. Yeah, uh, Rod Serling. Rod Serling. It did. Yeah. You are now entering the Twilight Zone. That's it. Good to see you, my friend. It was fantastic. Yeah, it she was. was whittling, giving me goosebumps. She's the, she's the type of people that make this place, this planet a better place. Plus, she's crazy. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. Uh, chill vibe. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, her daughter could be my daughter's twin. Huh. I was really looking at just those pictures. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah. Funny. Not such blonde hair. My, my daughter's more a strawberry blonde because my wife's a redhead. But, you know, I was a toehead growing up, too. So, so she got the best of both, kind of. Yeah, just being in the hair and everything. Yeah, cool. I mean, I think that her daughter's a little younger when she was playing. You know, she, when we started homeschooling or in school for the last couple of years, so my daughter's 10 now. So, But still, what a beautiful piece of land, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was nice. I see. Well, uh, Michigan is, is evidently gorgeous. Too. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying, I see Captain sneaking down there. Yeah, man, what's going on, Captain? We're 20. Oh, we were just actually complimenting your uh, neck of the woods, basically. I got to see the frozen version of it, but it's pretty clear that there's some lush uh, land out there. When you look at the you know Google Maps or whatever, there's fucking lakes everywhere. There's water everywhere. Uh, a bunch of people told me, like, pretty much everybody has a boat of some kind, uh, even if it's just an inflatable kayak, because, I mean, there's a lake, literally, like, throw a stone. There's a lake there, basically. Uh, how do I say it? And that's not even in Wisconsin or whatever, the land of lakes or whatever it's called. Uh, what was I going to say? Minnesota. I always forget which one it is. Um, how do I, how do I, uh, was I going to say like 20 acres out there must be just lusciousness. It is. Uh, you do have to realize that a lot of, uh, Michigan was like a, a swamp or a bog and they built these Big canals, almost rivers. Uh, the uh, government uh, came in and built these. They drained out the property to make a lot of the uh, farming land. But as the farther you go north, the lakes don't dwindle down and the country starts to become more hilly and more rolly and very beautiful up there. But you're right, you know, you can't go anywhere without a boat there. Huh. And it was the first time I ever seen people like racing snowmobiles across water. That's funny. <laughs> Open water. <laughs> and a bunch of people were, talk were talking about uh, ice fishing, uh, which, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like the fish are still alive, basically, but they're basically, they're not even dormant, I guess, a lot of them, like... Uh, I don't think, to my to my knowledge, I don't think I've more ever been ice fishing, frankly. Winter. Pardon? They're more active in the winter. They're more active, more active in the winter. Yeah, there's rocks through the water. 
That makes and, sense, um, actually. I have a big contest. I, I'm surrounded by lakes. I have um, three big ones, literally, in my backyard. And they had, uh, we just finished a nice fishing contest a couple weeks ago where we had to be freeze and set it off. They hadn't really frozen solid enough. But yeah, they were out there with their augers. A couple of them had their shacks, these little wood stoves in it and stuff. So it's kind of cool. Definitely kind of cool. I've only done it once. You know, I'm a warm weather guy. I was born in the summer, so I like the warm weather. Even though I'm too old to ski anymore, I used to say I love the winter when I could ski. And never was a snowboarder. That was a little bit you know, catching on just at the end of my ski my ski career. But um, yeah, yeah, I love fishing. I love being outdoors. I mean, people was somebody was saying it the other day was last night on the show. Somebody I think was on, you know. Uh, Told the show that um, they like to be active when they get high. You know what I mean? They like to love things. And that was always me. Always. I don't like to sit down. I mean, listen, the other day, that's one thing. But, you know, during the day, I get baked. Yeah, I, I used to love going. My, my favorite thing growing up was, and I still lived at my house, my folks' house, <clears throat> was uh, walking out on a snowstorm night, uh, a snowy night, like a real, real nice six, eight inches of foot or whatever it was. And uh, I was in the burbs right outside of Boston. Dead silent. You know, the snow absorbing all the, all the sound and the cars, any random car that went by. And we'd smoke a joint and skid hop, you know. You'd catch somebody at the subway and you grab their bumper, get down and squat down and hopefully they didn't see you. <laughs> you'd run out behind the car. But we used to, uh, but I used to love walking my dog, my older brother and I, smoking a joint at like midnight. Yeah, I was going to say that's such an underappreciated thing. Honestly, it might have been me that said it. I don't know if it's somebody else, or if it wasn't me that it's me now. Uh, I don't really like to. I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't like to smoke weed and then just chill out for you know a couple hours before bed. Obviously, I mean, what am I a psychopath? Everybody likes that, but I like really a lot to uh, smoke weed and then go do fun stuff because it just makes the, that fun stuff better. Like you said, walking a dog. Stone. I feel like John Stewart in the, in the fucking uh, uh, fuck with Dave Chappelle. What is it? Half baked. He's like, have you ever tried walking the dog on weed? But I'm like, it's literally. I mean, it's just fucking <laughs> literally true. Like, have you had you know? eggs Benedict on weed? And it's just, I, I feel like that fucking character because basically everything, to my knowledge, is better on weed. And you know, if it's the right weed, obviously, like if it's some super stonerific, soporific, sleepy, you know, whatever knockout strain, it's not necessarily better because if you're trying to play tennis but you're falling asleep. Probably not better. But if you're smoking some racy shit, it's going to be awesome. I was in Michigan and I was smoking, uh, I think I was smoking uh, Delman's uh, Blueberry Muffin in the evening when we were at the eight ball uh, a, a pub. It was like an underground pub in uh, Captain 420 knows what I was talking about in uh, uh, Ann Arbor. They have a great pub scene there. Anyway, uh, they had dartboards there. And for the first second time in like 20 years or whatever, it's kind of funny. Every time I go to Detroit or Ann Arbor now, it turns out I basically play darts. And so like 20 years ago, I played darts with somebody. Uh, now in Ann Arbor, like a couple weekends ago, I played darts again. So I don't know, hopefully it'll be less than 20 years from now that I play darts again. But we were stoned. What's up, Tom? I mean, we were stoned as shit. We were going outside because it's super legal in Ann Arbor. It's been legal there for the longest time. Uh, we were going outside to uh, have a puff pretty regularly, then going back downstairs and playing our freaking darts. It was epic. We weren't very good, mind you, but it was super fun. 
It was super, super fun just to be like stoned and be like, yeah. you know, like I get, I get uh, not, uh, I don't get like, I get really like tuned in basically. So for example, video games are epically fun when you're stoned. Cause I'm not, I'm like, I shall yeah, kill you. So you, you know, like jail. I'm exceptionally good. Like, oh my god, a few years. I haven't actually gamed for a few years, but man, I was really fucking. I was really. I was mostly into like flying and tank games and stuff, but I would just ob- obliterate the entire team because somehow the strategy would just lay itself out for me. It's like, okay, first you kill that one, and then you kill that one, and then you kill that one, and then you go around the corner, and you kill that one. Uh, in, not on weed. Maybe I wouldn't have thought of those things, but smoking a freaking joint beforehand, I'm just like, it just lays itself out there. It was, fun. dude. We smoking a joint is value added no matter what you do. That's it. That's it. it. Well, it helps added. you get into your flow state easier. Um, there is truly a flow state with doing anything like gaming, bicycles, skateboarding, mountain biking. You're in the it's like when you're in the zone, football. Like that's kind of why they don't that's why it's a uh enhancing uh drug for athletes because it will help them get into their zone better um i can't think of the word i'm looking for but you guys know what i mean no, i know like, what you mean man yeah that flow state is uh it's something else where all the decision making becomes easy it's almost like everything is muscle memory you know your, yeah your your mind is not consciously thinking about it you become super creative if it's a creative flow state for example yeah uh uh um, some people never get to experience that. It's kind of interesting, you know, but then, uh, how do I say it? When you do, I think weed, uh, helps a lot of people achieve that. And, uh, for example, they, uh, uh, play video games better. You'll hear that all the time or they exercise better. You hear that like, uh, going to the gym, they say, Oh, I, I smoke it. Oh, uh, now that I think about it, um, uh, why can't I think of his name right now? He's going to come on here. So, Guerrero, Chris Guerrero. He comes on here and he says he, he eats some edibles basically uh, before he goes uh, swimming. And then when he's swimming, he basically pops into that freaking flow state where it's just boom, 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 boom. But that's probably the wrong word because it's, you know, the opposite of boom when you're swimming. But you know what I mean. Like you know what I'm trying to say. What's up, Sam? I guess if you're a terrible swimming, well, I suppose, yeah, he's a pretty large man, but if you're a huge, like, wallaby. (laughs) So I decided I'm going to do, I've been looking through my seeds, like, what I want to pop. If you know, I'm going to do Charybdis, I'm going to pop. You gave me, I think, six of them. I'm going to do three of them. And Tommy, you gave me Ambrosia to Mendo Breath. Um, I'm gonna do a couple of those. So we're gonna do probably like six and six, four and four, something like that. See how many females. I'm hoping. I'm actually hoping to cut down some males. So, well, maybe not. I'm not hoping. I rather not have any males. But like, I'm planning. Yeah, that always happen. You do. Yeah. I already killed six myself. So yeah. And if you're in a circle with Tommy, watch out for joints with seeds in them. <laughs> <laughs> Every Tommy tries to ball busted. Tommy Trichobes fucking <laughs> shots fired. Shots fired. We're kidding. Hey, What's going on? How's that truck holding up with that gas price, boy? <laughs> you got that Woo! tank you're driving. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah Captain Four Twenties. Like he he bought the biggest car you could buy. With money, and now the gas is going to be how much? Yeah, it's already at five dollars. Jesus, most places it's four here. 
We're usually pretty good on prices, but in Humboldt right now, it was over five bucks when we were down there. I shudder to think what it is now. It's probably seven dollars in Humboldt, hundred percent. Once we hit over four, over four ten or something, we hit a record here in Mass. Jesus. We've never been over that. Wow. Regular now is four sixteen, four twenty someplace. Huh. I put Super in for the last time in my car. It was. At the same time, I don't want to pay more for gas, but I'll pay more for gas if it means that Russia doesn't get any money. I'm actually, fuck that that's shit. That's what I said. I'm working on a project. I want to build uh, something that runs on E85 alcohol based. Oh, who was it? Uh, I haven't watched the video yet, but uh, I saw it on my feed today. Uh, engineering explained or somebody, he actually had a video about why E85 or ethanol or whatever was a, was a bust. I haven't watched it. I don't know, but anyone who subscribes to that, yeah. The, no, I think just in general is like an economic policy because the U.S. has uh, uh, pushed uh, ethanol. I haven't fucking watched the video yet. I'm just. Oh uh, well, yeah. Let me know because it's interesting. Because I honestly wonder. Like I think about this all the time. Like, I know it's not great for your engine and stuff, so that's kind of annoying, right? No, yeah, there's not there's not really any lubricants in it. Mm. Um. So I was I, I've been thinking about this, but the the back burn is probably cleaner on like. Some alcohol based or ethanol based than like a fossil fuel based. So you're muted, bud. Dang it, I just unmuted and muted. Uh, I've heard mixed thoughts about that. Yeah, like, like you say, basically when you burn alcohol, you pretty much get water. But I have heard that for some reason, because of something, something, ethanol ends up not being that clean. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I'm, I'll I'm, look I'm, into I'm, it because I've always been about that, like a a yapper. I mean, build up a little bit of a detergent in there. That's why most gas, you know, um, you know, all the gas has a, a certain amount of a uh, detergent in it to make sure that it cleans, cleans does that builder to get there, you know, every time it sparks. Mm. That's what I, uh, I heard. I mean, I'm not, you know, synthesizer of gasoline. Yeah. And you know what, too, that actually this is even simpler than what I just tried to babble like a freaking moron shredder is actually saying this. E85 just gets less mileage. So you end up burning more gas than you would have, even with the percentage basically cut out without ethanol. So even disproportionately, even if you took the ethanol back out, somehow the ethanol messed up the the, the oh, yeah. efficiency of the engine much... so much that you burn more, even including the ethanol. So actually, maybe that's well, what I'm talking about. In high performance uh, scenarios, we'll say like a I mean, lot yeah, of if you had like a Formula One engine or something, but you know, who not knows? even um, a lot of uh, consumer cars run off E eighty five in California. A lot of uh, the guys that race on the show, I'll show you uh, Compton Speedway. We've actually looked okay. at it. Uh, all those guys race on E eighty five. They have test kits to test the gas, like it's a test tube and shit. So they test to make sure it's actually truly E eighty five percentage and everything. Um, yeah, you will get less gas mileage, but there's more of a bang in the engine. Huh. So in turn, you get more horsepower when you're, you actually, the funny thing is you'll get more horsepower using leaded fuels in some cars. Uh, yeah. And you can still buy leaded fuel. People thought people think that it's a, a ban, but it's not actually, uh, Oh. Most uh, aviation yeah, fuel, I think, is still leaded, isn't it? It's and called then, like uh, C eighty or something like that. You can buy it by like the five gallon jug, huh. leaded fuel. That's so interesting. I just read the other day that fifty percent of adults are contaminated with lead. 
basically, like 50% to this day. It's still way better than it used to be, but apparently 50% of us are contaminated with freaking lead and other heavy metals, basically as a result of shit like, you know, leaded gasoline, leaded jet fuel, you name it. Lead in the pipes in Michigan. How many people told us about the lead in the pipes when we were there? Fucking hell. C12. To this day, nobody wants to drink tap water there. It's freaking nuts. I mean, I don't blame them. Yeah, but even in good tap water, there's a percentage of lead in it. They allow lead in it's crazy. Here, I'll show you. So, this is considered a race gas for some cars. Uh, I love it. Sometimes it's considered a race gas. Has race gas. In Cambridge, they did a study along Mass Ave and uh, along Prospect Street that goes up to uh, Memorial Drive and the Child River. Very heavy traffic traffic areas. And um, the uh, triple deck, some of the triple deck is uh, a butt right up to the the roads and they did soil tests because kids were coming up with lead poisoning and it was coming from the soil that they were touching outside their front yard. So it's everywhere. It just seems like there's a way to escape it. Yeah. I remember people with lead paints and that was a big deal when I was a kid growing up, lead paints and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I probably got hit. To this day, to this day, people, uh, little kids, uh, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Charlie. No, oh, uh if you could move that mic closer again because it is it's quieter again uh what was i going to say um uh lead chips uh to this day it's a, a problem that kids uh, uh it's less of a problem now because there are less uh, uh lead paint houses so to speak but there's still tons uh you know the city of portland has a bunch of older houses this is kind of a thing now that uh, uh um uh, when you want to get your house repainted or something, basically they'll ask you, when was your house built? Like when was your house built? And then basically there's like a whole conversation. Oh, it was built in 1986. Oh, okay. Whatever, you know, continue, blah, blah, blah. No. The other question is like, oh, you know, it was built in 1932 or something. And then we're like, oh, well, tell us more. Has it been repainted? Blah, 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 blah. Because the the original, probably five coats or even more than that of paint, were all lead on the inside and the outside. And then that means that any uh, stripping that you're going to do, any residing that you're going to do on and on, has to do new uh, lead paint rules, basically, that are uh, uh, passed by the EPA. You have to strip the house differently, and it adds yeah. tremendously to the expense. It's really and expensive. And that's because it's actually a really big deal. It was poisoning kids. Like, kids were getting flat out, like, just dumb level uh uh developmental disabled disabilities you know like they were they were fucked up for the rest of their lives basically couldn't count and stuff uh i don't actually remember which symptom that is from lead but anyway regardless bad shit from from lead ch paint chips it sounds so ridiculous and innocuous but it was a real problem when i was a kid um also thing. like oh good i was gonna say another crazy thing is they used to use lead paint on uh um dinky cars so imagine that, like I was yeah, like, a little diecast ones, right? Probably like, right, sucking on the dinky car, not knowing. Meanwhile, eating lead paint. Yeah, uh, I think he like uh, you're, you're one of those diecast, like a Hot Wheels, right? Almost. Okay. Um, it's funny, like you listen to some builders nowadays from like that are like in the older generations and they're like, dude, the houses nowadays are built out of not even like plywood. It's particle board most of the time, like in two by fours, like a fire. It's a, they put like a sheet. They have to 
they have to put that plastic sheeting on the outside of these houses for that shit not to rot. Like when you see these new houses being built, that's why they put that plastic sheeting on it, like before they put the siding up and shit on the inside and out. Well, that's actually like a, va- a vapor barrier. But I know what you're it's talking about. The like T111. Th- there was this siding called T111. I guess they still make it, but it was basically, is that what yeah. it was? It's basically like a, a pure obliteration of your house. I've heard nothing but horror stories. Uh, half your house oh. will basically rot or mold or whatever, basically under the siding. And it was just because it was like defectively built uh, siding from the what early is, 80s, I want to say. Go ahead. What is the mold resistant stuff you mean, the uh, uh, board you can buy? I'm sorry, say it again. I don't understand anything. Isn't, isn't there like, uh, they have uh, like it's mold, mildew resistant? It's it'll be good. Yeah. They have a cement backer board. Uh, what's how much or what's it? What's the cement one called? Oh, hardy plank. Yeah, hardy board, backer board. Um, okay. <coughs> I think I'm going to put that up in the room I build and then put uh, panda film over it. Uh, oh, hardy's for outside. Oh, you're talking about. I want to do something mold resistant and stuff, like in like make a little room. Oh, a lot of stuff these days is mold resistant, though. Yeah, I mean, technically, you could use drywall still. They they make a a mildew resistant uh, drywall, which will be more expensive. It'll be green in color as opposed to like a gray, and uh, you can actually um, there's all kinds of uh, primer and paint combination you can put on. I've seen all that. Yeah. But listen, here, here's here's an idea. Uh, they they okay, so they sell multiple kinds of uh, like plastic. Uh, sh- it's almost like shower lining. Uh, the thick uh, metal stuff. Uh, yeah, well, they have one that's textured, which is the only reason I don't like it for grow rooms. So it's got like a slight texture, uh, almost like a slip proof or a, a textured thing. It's only like an eighth of an inch, and it's for doing like. I mean, it has all kinds of purposes, but it actually is made of like a plastic thing. So it'd be lightweight to hang. It's still four by eight sheets. So it, it, it would fit any normal uh, framing, you know, on your 16s and everything. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that stuff works really good. And you could you could technically, you know, if you, if you at least use like a silicone caulk around uh, the bottom of the room, you know, that gap and some treated lumber on the bottom, like built the, built the room out properly. You could like technically spray, you know, spray it out with a hose if you want it, or at least splash water all up on the walls and whatnot. Um, I I know it's probably, it's like out of the question, but uh, I actually built a room out of, um, uh, it's called, what the hell is the name of the product? It's the same, it's the same uh, product that they make like semi-trailers out of. So it's uh, like a, a very thin layer of sheet metal, uh, some like a gloss white. You can just wipe it down. Uh, I got all the material for free from a friend that had worked at the factory. So <clears throat> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the name. Oh damn! I don't know. It'll <laughs> but that stuff's awesome. But you got to build. You got to either build your wall to the dimensions or build a sub wall underneath to. To fasten it to because they come in like, I believe it's three by five foot pieces instead of four by eight, so it's not as it's not as uh, conductive to 
uh, building like old old building. You know what I mean? You might have to frame out your walls according to it. But yeah, yeah. and then there's uh, you can also get so they have this one. It's like OSB uh, or not OSB, but it's like it is more like a cardboard like paneling, but it's still like uh, gloss like white on the one side right and it'll be brown on the other if you use that stuff and that's that's only like eighth of an inch thick or maybe even sixteenth uh, of an inch thick if you use that stuff and did the seams very nice like uh with some kind of silicone caulk or something you could easily wipe that stuff down and that that would be even cheaper than uh like that shower backing board that I that I was talking about that's just that's just a couple of options from you know a lifetime of doing this. Um, another option, Smash, is uh, if you use that foam board. You know what I mean? They have the foam board with the... Uh, uh, it's like reflective reflective type material, but, you know, it's foam board, so you can puncture a hole in it fairly easy. Like, I got to like, right back there in the back. Right, right. <laughs> you like to it's fall down. Foam board. Something, you know what I mean? Three quarter inch, yeah, that's not nailed up or screwed in or anything. Just, right, yeah, right. My guy's with. So I mean, there's just. I, I do understand what you're what you're talking about when it, when it comes to uh, having it waterproof. You know what I mean? But there there's options where it's not technically well, you know, like the most waterproof thing. But for what you're doing, uh, and it's not like it's exterior. You know what I mean? You, you keep your 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 grow clean and everything so it's not like it's going to be uh, some huge you know some huge amount of water in there all the time just some thoughts damn who's that that's your car that's one of my cars that was my forester someone was talking about it and i, I was like i love my forester man who got the back with it the back got fucked up too. Damn. Airbags. Good on, sandwich B. Cheers. Cheers. How you guys doing? Yeah, just hopping on, seeing how you guys are doing. Usually can't catch the show live, but you know, figured I'd hop on. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, about to be popping some new seeds here coming up. I got the uh, oh, the, right on. the red lead pucks. Yeah, so I'm excited about those. Nice. That sounds good. Yeah. Just just uh, took down a plant. It was actually my girlfriend's first plant that she was growing. Took down that the other night. So we got the apartment nice and cold. <laughs> Yeah. The, the joys of like, gotta struggle for good old. Right. right. Sacrifice anything for the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta make that weekend up. Yeah. I got some stuff I gotta dry. I mean, not dry, trim soon. Yeah, I'm smoking on that cherry pie. You guys ever grown cherry pie? The straight. straight I've heard, pie? I've always heard cherry pie to be a CBD strain. I don't know why. No, it's cherry wine, I think. No, cherry pie is too oh, Yeah, you're thinking of something else. Cherry uh, wine. Cherry, cherry oh, wine. Called, yeah. uh, 
cherry, cherry bomb wine or brandy wine or whatever. I can't think of it. Right but no, cherry pie is actually a, a pretty foundational strain. It's in a bunch of other stuff. Right. I want some of that cherry wine. That I've always said cherry pie. I've always mixed them up. Uh, but yeah, I've always been looking for some hemp stuff. But how's what's it taste like, Tommy? It's ga- It's like real gassy, basically. It's like, Hell yeah. It's not cherry. Yeah, um, that's like that's like my gorilla right here. It's kind of yeah. funky. Yeah, cherry pie. I think uh, I want to say it's cl- like a clone only. Uh, something out of like the cookies guys or something like that. I don't know. I it's one of the, you know what I'm when I can you get the cut, I know it's verified. I get it, and I run it at least once. <laughs> you got the cheetah piss? Nah, I don't got that. I got I got Gary Payton, the real Gary Payton. I got London pound cake. Uh, that's one of them cookie ones, I think. This is a Cherry GG4 pie. cookie train wreck. <laughs> yeah, Cherry is what uh, made the Bicket, right? The Bicket OG? Yeah, Bicket OG is uh, Cherry Pie and GMO. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I just um, put some uh, some Bickets in the flower room. Oh, there you go, D. How do you... Have you flowered out any of the straight like London? I, I've actually smoked London pound cake and I've enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I just I got some that are like uh, I started on the first of the month, so they're only like five okay. days in. Yeah. Uh, I got the apple pie. fritter finally, um, finally put into bigger pots. They're looking good. They're praying healthy towards the HLG. I got the HLG sitting at eighty percent right now, as high as it can go. Yeah. Yeah, the uh this round on that cherry pie, I think it's I think it's kind of sensitive to light. It seemed like uh I kind of blasted them a little hard when I put them in the in the final room and they never really <coughs> they never they never got to like perfect looking health, but yeah. this, the the herb is like really chirpy, even though it's you know, kind of dried a little quicker than I like and everything. And uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Gracie who was on here. I got I'm about to I'm about to bang down some of these sleepy time tinctures right now. I got hers off. I got these off her when uh, I was at the conference. Yeah, how, how you liking those? Now you got a couple of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like them. Uh, they're all the ones I have are like sedative, so. I mean, it's kind of, you know what I'm saying? I take them at night and just go to bed. <laughs> uh, I was taking a, uh, what the hell is it? Melatonin. Ashwagandha, Ashwagandha uh, from a friend, uh, Jet House Gardens, Chandler, here in Michigan. And then uh, it's supposed to be like, uh, like you know, whatever, it's like relaxing or whatever. Um but I think I like I was taking that in the morning with my vitamins and shit, and I was like, I'm like, I think I think this should have put me to sleep. You know what I mean? I had to cut that one out. I was like getting all sleepy like early in the morning. Damn. Yeah, I'm about I'm to bang roll up there. some of this uh, gorilla cookie. Right, this one really is like it reminds me of like uh, I don't know, like a, your breath after smoking and drinking coffee all day at a like festival. Or something like a grandpa's breath, or something. It's just funky, right? I can't really narrow what the what the funk is because it's not like a garlic or anything. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, oh, cool. when are you popping those next seeds? You said you're popping those in. Am- right yeah, oh, they're, right already now? In the, they're already in the paper towel. Oh, nice. All right. Sorry, I don't have extra soil laying around right now. I get that those G13s I just dug up at my house. I'm gonna I'm gonna do those in the next couple of days. Charybdis, the G13 yeah. cross that Tommy did. Yeah. I'm doing Charybdis yeah. and I'm doing the ambrosias. I don't know what Charybdis is. You talk, uh excuse me, what's Charybdis? Uh Queen Anne's Revenge to the same Ruby Jack Dad. So uh I actually quite liked it. Uh, I've uh, pulled out a couple of Charybdises myself and uh can't remember who else has grown it. I quite like I it. Uh, the I'm Queen Anne's Revenge. Uh, did you like it, Tommy? Uh, I got a yeah. really, really nice frosty uh, and fruity uh, cut. I wish I had actually cloned it, and of course I didn't clone yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I did. I did those like in like the mid season. I liked that. So like, mm. um, I had like t- uh, two females that I ended up with. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was. Uh, it was spicy. It was one of those ones that. Uh, just like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? People are like, what's it called? I'm like, Cryptus. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, look, dude. Like, I'm trying to give you the real name here. Like, let me look it up. <laughs> but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, get, I get that with, you know, basically everything that we, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I grow that uh, Chelsea from Nick Risden. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's like Chelsea. Like, yeah. You know, I, I forgot about the fact that sometimes you'll have customers that can't pronounce the name of the weed. So, yeah, point taken. Good point. Oh, can we do um a smash deal uh, with the five packs? Smash has been talking about it. Yeah, I got to put it together. I have literally not had any time smash, but it's a good idea. Uh, smash wants to do a smash three pack. Uh, did you call it like the smashed pack? That'd be a weird name for it because I got the Winnesingen Swindle Bundle. All right, no, okay. What? How could it be like pirate pirate themed? Maybe I don't know. Pirate? Well, it doesn't have to be pirate themed. Actually, it doesn't smash. have to be anything themed. It could be anything. It could be like the smash, the smash. I, I was going to call it like the, what is the pick and smash. The pick and smash. Hulk smash. No, that's already taken. The pick you, and smash. you pick, you pick and smash three different. Five packs together. Not a bad idea. We could do a poll. How about we do, yeah, we uh, a, do a poll again? Your mama likes polls. Uh, best name for a three, five pack, oh, five pack bundle. The the pick and smash. The Smash and grab. I don't know. What's two other options? What you want to go pirate? So the uh, Avesti smash ladies. and booty. <laughs> smash and booty. Our booty smash. Booty is treasure, not our. <laughs> well, kind of makes hot. it sound bad. Uh, <laughs> our. All right. Option yeah, four is uh, lost, lost in the, I mean, or you can call one of them lost in the sea of smash. That would be our pirate themed one. All right. There's the options. Ladies and gentlemen, here are your four options. If you have better options, let us know. Submit them. 
There you go. At, exactly. You can go to Fumi's website and honestly, uh, oh wait, I was gonna say this too. You should um maybe put a little comment section. Can is that possible on your website? A little comment section or something so you get reviews. That is possible. I think I I think I can do that. I'll have to because I would like this. to. I would write something about Morgana and stuff. I, I know she would. Yeah, yeah. Come. Uh, I think I can do that. Oh, sorry. I'll try to look. I like. That. I kind of like the smash and grab. I kind of. That's grab. cool. Yeah, it fits. Oh, potent. That's what your mama said. Uh, well, oh. let's see what the uh, let's see what the audience has uh, to tell us, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, uh, hop on, folks. Uh, this is you know past the what's up, Houghton. This is past the guest portion of the show, so you guys are welcome to hop on and BS with us. Uh, oh. Link is right there in the chat. If you guys don't know what oh. the chat is, uh, sucks to be you. But uh, no, honestly, you can scroll down. If you guys didn't know, some people don't even know that there's a YouTube chat, but there is. There's totally a YouTube chat. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, somebody just tried to start a breakout room, apparently. No, I closed uh, it. Oh, right. I have one open. You know, talking about framing out walls. I was just finishing up framing out your mom's walls. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Is that what you were? Is that who's banging downstairs? And upstairs, too. And in the laundry room. Where else? the garage uh ladies and gentlemen though you are welcome to to hop on here and uh chit chat with us and uh, bs with us uh potent we were just talking with uh gracie from uh third coast herbal collective we met her at the uh regen conference super cool uh, uh chick i forgot what her boyfriend's instagram was and now i also still forgot what it was it was uh, greens something like the butterfly Damn it. And the irony is that I actually follow him. Where is it? Uh, okay, now. What is everyone smoking on? Oh, I'm really between like, joints. I need to fix that situation. Ice cream cake. Nice, man. What about you, Sam? Good. And Soviet Russia sanctions, Russia sanctions itself. Yeah, he's throwing a big old Putin. Or, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Tantrum. That's actually pretty funny, though. He's throwing yeah. a Putin. That was like Freudian. Yeah, He's throwing a Putin. You, you can't Thank you. You don't sanction us. We sanction you. Right. After raw ingredients, what do they have to export other than crime? And like cam girls. Like seriously, oh, okay. what else is there? Mammoth tusks. Mammoth tusks? Well, again, but that's a, that's a natural that's a natural commodity, I would say. Uh, there's no such thing as an artisanal mammoth tusk. Um, <laughs> vodka. Well, now you're playing with fire. But I would argue that the best vodka isn't even Russian. I don't even think that's controversial at this point. I don't drink vodka. It makes me violent. Yeah, that's. A th I don't understand the obsession with vodka. There's a lot of people who are super nuts about vodka, and I've known people who, and I'm probably disrespecting someone in the chat. I don't mean to, but I I know people or I've met people who spend really good money on vodka, and then they'll like sip it, and I think to myself like, why would you do that to yourself? So I, mean, I guess everyone enjoys something, but right, Charlie's I Farm. It. I love it. You love yeah. vodka? Oh yeah. Have you? 
Would you, dry, you sip vodka? A, do you sit there and you sip my, it? I don't sip anything. Sure. <laughs> I've drinking. said this before. I like vodka. I, I mean, when you it. say a martini, all right, point taken. Martinis yeah. are pretty charming. Yeah. With martini or vodka Collins or, uh, you know, I don't uh, know. If it's it's gonna be good vodka though, and, and I'm, I'm a great I'm a great goose guy. I'm not a kettle guy. A little too a little too hot. You like the goose? Yeah, I, I uh, Smirnoff definitely is. I used to drink that as a teenager, you know, in my early twenties. That went out the window. I mean, Smirnoff oh, just, came up just to make sure that everybody knows it's made in Indiana and not made big in Russia because right. of the name initially made. So. Back when I was hanging out at colleges, Charlie, we used to take like Poland Springs or Mr. Ruble or whatever. And we used to pour it through a Brita filter because what does a Brita filter do? It takes out impurities. Yep. Yeah, no, that's the, the ghetto college way. If, you got, if you're like on a budget and you need a drink, you take um, like uh, Seagram's or some other like fucking bottom shelf booze or that shit fucking Russian one. I can't or whatever. Check one it is. I think it's Czech, actually, that you see a lot of them. Because, like, a V. Someone probably knows the name of it. But take that and run it through a carbon filter, like a Brita filter, like you're saying. Yep. But especially if you can get one that's, like, a bigger carbon filter, it really does take the the, the harshness off the back end. And you can actually If you do have to resort to Smirnoff, Smirnoff Silver is not too bad. Yes. Okay. If you ever try this, filter it twice, and I, you won't regret it. So filtered. Your pleasure. I had a friend of mine whose father was in the Korean War, man. They used to take rubbing alcohol on the ships in the Navy, and they used to literally take gallons of rubbing alcohol, take loaves of white bread, filter it through there, and then drink it. And uh, well, three days after retiring back in the 80s, no kidding, he, he because of his drinking, I mean, he was a mad alcoholic anyway, but they attributed more from, from back there. He lost his mind. He literally. Well, yeah, that's really, bad for you. really bad. Yeah, ethanol alcohol is horrible. But um, like we like you're saying, people get like alcoholism gets to a point that it can get so bad. I've I've seen rehabs have to take out their hand sanitizer because people are trying to drink it to get drunk. Uh, it's one of the few uh, detoxes that can kill you, right? Yeah, kill you if you don't drink. And it will kill you if you keep drinking. You need benzos. Yeah, you take benzos the molecular structure. Yeah, it takes the. It actually changes the molecular structure of your blood cell. So it like deforms the nucleus somehow, so it can fit that alcohol molecule in there. Or what's uh, the? um, What does the body break it down to? I forget. Is it um, uh, whatever it is? But yeah, it actually changes. That's why you can have mad hallucinations. One of the main. What is the? I don't know the medical term, but we call the wet brain from an alcoholic that's been drinking too much for too long. Like they actually lose their consciousness almost and like barely can like do anything when they're coming off. Like, I don't know. Um, Charlie, wh- wh- have you ever, what is it called when like we could, I know it's like the nickname's wet brain. When they, uh, it's like they say the, the brain soaked yeah. in alcohol. Yeah, I had a I had a cellmate once. This was in the old Child Street back in the eighties, mid eighties, and he literally thought half of the Child Street jail was going into the Child's River right there at the uh, at the inlet, and he started attacking me in my sleep. Like I was, I'd never seen anything like it. And they had to put him in a straitjacket. 
Now, this is a long time ago, so they, they, I'm sure they, they do different treatments and, and different types of uh, restraint now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Thank God it's been a while. But anyway, yeah, <clears throat> he was coming off alcohol. He was fine the first day and a half. Like, he was normal, talking to me. And then all of a sudden, one night, yeah, he thought I that. I can't say that. He thought that all the, you know, this is an old grand, you know, it was built by the Redcoats, the, the house that they get. Wernicke Korsakoff psychosis. Yeah, oh, yeah, thought, that's yeah. the medical term. They, they, yeah, I've never seen anybody freak out like this. I literally was thinking that all the granite blocks were falling into the child's room, which was like uh, 200 yards away. <laughs> he thought all, all the boats were sinking out there. And, oh my God, I'm going to get that. Yikes. Yeah, I haven't thought of that. Yeah, yeah I just felt bad, you know. Well, well I had it my day, sucks. But I could always walk away. So, the dangers, the two, all right. The two worst things to detox off of there are benzos and alcohol. Plain and simply, because you could die if you're at a level where you're truly addicted, your body's can like needs it to survive. Alcohol and benzos. When you come off of it, your your risk of having a seizure goes up dramatically. So that's why, like. Because when you have the seizures, like obviously things can go wrong. So that's why when you're coming off of alcohol or benzos, they have to taper you off. Like I know alcoholics take like benzos and Librium and some other stuff to help them come off of alcohol. Um, and then even benzos, they they can't just rip. I mean, it's you can just rip someone off benzos, but it could potentially be bad if they yeah, had the habit. Yeah, they had the habit for a long time or they had their prescriptions for three, four years, you know. You see that it, special on Netflix about it? And they were interviewing yes. all these like... Wait, wait, which one? There's been a couple. I don't know. I just, I remember seeing one. This was two, maybe three years ago. And um, it was uh, these uh, the housewives were saying how, you know, some of the doctors took them off cold turkey and they were just absolutely bonkers. And then uh, they they were saying how your brain is just never the same again once you've had a, a heavy addiction to benzos, um, any diazepam. Um, All addictions but, also yeah. like fuck the chemical makeup your brain, of your brain. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Not not even just like benzos. All alcohol. Like if you're truly addicted to something, it it, it lessens the front cortex of your brain so your decision making isn't there anymore your impulse like like that's why like a lot of addicts act like children and shit because their brain is literally like i, I can send you uh a ted also, talk an addict stops maturing and their and their, their their social development stops uh and, right around the age which is very young most of the time that they become addicted they just don't grow up anymore so well, when they finally yeah. do get clean if they were addicted, if they started getting addicted at 16, they are at that maturity level, most of them. You know, well, I'm, I'm it's because that. it's because when you're an addict, your life, like it's it's weird. Because like as soon as you truly start becoming an addict, like addicted to something, your life changes. You're not like a normal person in society anymore. Like you literally live for that drug. You wake up. You need it. You got to go out and get some money to get it, and that and that lifestyle. It's a totally like different world, even to like just being a normal human being, going up, waking up, having a good day, 
going to see family. Um, yeah, that's not like a typical addict's day. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's why for a long time I didn't care about politics. I like that's why when I see people fighting about politics, I'm like, have you guys ever suffered? Like been on the bottom of the bottom? Like you don't worry about politics there. Oh, kitty. <laughs> That's why I can't. I was talking to somebody about, uh, I don't remember what the context was, but uh, Portland has a, a, a pretty severe homeless issue uh, at the moment. We've always been, uh, a, a pr- there's always been a, a pretty big homeless uh, problem in Portland. Uh, in the 90s, it was traditionally a, a kids homeless issue, basically. There was uh, literally like all the kids oh, from around like the country street, came to like Portland. teenagers yeah, and yeah, stuff. 100% to kind of join the scene, the grunge scene, whatever else, yeah. and be close to the bands and whatever else anyway uh but it's tradition it's uh, transition i think some of those kids honestly have aged up uh, but other reasons too uh, now there's mostly honestly uh, adult homeless and there's tent cities and everywhere and um i don't know we were just talking about like the 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 I don't know. Maybe this is not even super useful conversation. Honestly, we're talking about the kind of mentality. Yeah, fucking change the subject. Change the subject. Well, no, I mean it is like it is a problem. Homelessness all over. Like, I'm on the East Coast, and we still have a problem here. Like, we have people dying every year, every winter. There's people being found because of them having to do what they got to do. Mm. It so sucks. The fucking housing prices have been allowed to get completely oh, out of it's control. Fucking, it's beyond. It's beyond stupid. It's just. It's absolutely beyond stupid. Most people's houses are up right now from what they bought it. Yeah, and one of the biggest things they need to do is ban the the thing. Uh, they basically bundle a couple thousand properties together and then run them as like a like an asset for rentals yep. Yep. and for shit like that. That needs to be outlawed completely because that's one of the oh, biggest. Shit. Walking up the market right now. There's oh, no reason for Airbnbs and stuff, they rent out like a whole apartment complex, and they rent out each room or each apartment for an Airbnb listing. Sorry, is that what you were talking about, Steve? No, no, no. There's these big conglomerates. They're basically doing them as like stock investment. Oh, okay. Like it's I'm I'm explaining it poorly, but I think you get the idea is that they're putting these together as like portfolios and then offering them up as like you know assets that you can yeah. invest in and that needs to be out completely because that's that's drive especially in the bigger cities that's a huge driver and yeah they just cities. hold property but but you know what you where the fuck do these people think this rent's going to get paid from like the economy has gone to shit well you know what most I mean? of the time for places i believe what is the united kingdom where like they have a lot of uh england uh london we need, just, we need to just pull our money together and build a commune somewhere that's what we need to do what were you saying smash i'm believing i believe i watched something about like people actually like living homeless and i believe it was london and uh, million dollar flats and shit because they're exactly what steve was talking about millionaires just holding properties yeah, yeah they what the thing was there, yeah it was just they, it was a political it wasn't just them doing it well they also probably needed a place to stay but it was a political statement at the same time they're like they shouldn't be able to do hold these properties up when there's thousands of people that need housing or millions or whatever i don't know the number that i'm just you get what, I'm like saying. what steve was talking about though 
is these people are going into neighborhoods and they're buying up a whole bunch of houses and the people that are already there are getting flooded with a whole bunch of renters. And that can cause a big fluctuation in that whole area. Not just renters, uh, Captain 420, uh, in New York, LA, Vancouver, BC, uh, Chicago, a bunch of units will sit empty. Uh, and foreign investors will basically buy up multiple units in a building and just hold them because that asset is far more stable than their gangster oriented assets where they come from in some central Asian Republic where their family stole the money from or whatever the case may be. Uh, even if it's a Chinese uh, investor, it's still more stable as an apartment in New York city than it is as a, some kind of investment in, in uh, China. So they'll basically buy up those blocks and then just keep them va- uh, vacant. Uh, Vancouver BC is famous for being, it's been famous now for being completely and totally unaffordable for anybody that lives in Canada because there are these empty, empty fucking houses and units that are just owned by offshore investors. And this sounds, uh, this sounds jingoistic or something, but at the same time, it's not, it's it's, it's, this, this real globalistic issue where you literally have money fleeing to the kind of cheapest place it can go. And it basically makes housing unaffordable because literally investors are buying up empty units. It's, 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 you know, if I ever ever had the money, I seen this guy, he was like, all right, so there's a lot of homeless here. He was like, I need, I, I feel obligated to do something about it. Um, he built a semi truck that has like isolated capsules for people um, to have a bed and to be safe at night so they can stay warm. They don't have to worry about their stuff getting stolen. Like it was really interesting. Um, and that would be cool if you can implement that even like, that's another thing. If you give someone a, a stable place to sleep, um, and they're not worrying about a lot of these, a lot of people want to try to get a job. I mean, there are some homeless that are mentally ill and stuff and they, they don't, they're there because of other reasons, but a lot of people are just really down on their luck too. Well, I know like I've, 80% of the homeless population, at least before COVID and before it crazy was had some type of mental illness or, or, or addiction. So that tends to be the vast majority of people that are doing up homeless or people that just have a hard time keeping a job because of their other fact, you know, other mental illnesses or physical illnesses that they have going on. I mean, you see it all the time. Thank you, Ron Reagan. Uh, 50% of the homeless are actually uh, gainfully employed. It's a, a yeah, kind of a mis- misconception, especially in Portland. There's actually a lot of homeless that flat out have normal jobs. Uh, oh. And you'll see them. There's a, I don't mean to say which street, but there's, there's a street kind of a little bit out of the, the uh, uh, out of the way and there's just a, just an absolute shit ton of campers and whatever else set up there and if you drive by there in the morning and i've done this accidentally a couple of times well not accidentally i was going somewhere but i basically drove by you'll see people literally putting on their tie and shit and then they're going and they're they're technically homeless you know but they, they live in this yeah. just blasted out camper i mean you know it, it's what I've they seen can it. have you know but um you know. A documentary i think it was sam mind you that the Bay, average maybe? house price in the city of fucking portland now is like a half a million dollars or something yeah. it's fucking asinine it's i mean it's just beyond craziness like but even the question. outskirts of portland now are hundreds of thousands it's like california prices now how you know, it used to be like oh everyone goes to oregon because it's cheap they can't go to oregon because it's cheap anymore 
Let's go somewhere else. How far out does it get? <laughs> is there anywhere that oh is so God, cheap? There's really basically nothing anymore. You essentially run out of place before it gets cheap. It gets Literally. cheap here in California if you're in the boonies. Yeah, you literally have to be. I mean, like even seriously, even out of like Estacada, you're still going to pay like because that's the thing. You're not going to find all that many houses out in Estacada, but if you do yeah. find houses out in Estacada, yeah, you'll save a little bit, but you're only going to save fifty you, or seventy five thousand. You might be able to get land. It's fucking nuts. And the, but you can buy land still. There's still land. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But uh, even the land is expensive. You know, even look at uh, six figures for the oh, land. Yeah. Now. Because it used to be, oh, yeah. I bought that land on my lucky. house for fifteen thousand dollars, and yeah, you, know, you might get lucky. It was in to 1920. Find that was like nineteen ninety six. They bought, you know, bought the fucking acre for fifteen thousand dollars, like in the middle of the city of Portland. You hear all kinds of fucking ridiculous stuff. I know a guy <laughs> yeah. bought a, a gigantic craftsman house on two full city <laughs> lots in like an old part of Portland. It paid like two hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean the fucking the empty lot now is probably half a million dollars. This that's is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. Um, around here, like you go to the Back Bay, if you're looking at million dollar houses, yeah. uh, fucking stuff like Bay, that. Yeah, but we also back in the sixties, slum, the, the along the water in the front where Rose Wharf is, and and uh, all along the the, the harbor where where. Uh, 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 it's everything. Yeah, but back in the 60s, it was garbage. I had a friend of mine, uh, who I love, he's passed away now. But isn't that like the definition of what gentrified means? They yeah, took something that was shitty and now it's million dollar yeah. properties. But he could buy he could buy 100, 100 unit property back then for, for uh, like, you know, 12, 13, 14 thousand dollars. And then all he cared about was was making them into apartments. Even Calm Ave back then, my, my, my older brother's uh, ex. Don't go to Mass Ave. She went, she was literally right behind where the Ritz is now, right across the public garden, right at Arlington and, and Calm Ave. <clears throat> Back then, it was, you know, you literally got, it was a brownstone. So you, you got all three or four floors, and it was only $250 a month or $175 a month, I think. And then she lived there. It's so years. pretty, though. There's like three or, like now, three now or four stories. Couldn't come close yeah. to touching it. My father Those... was in real estate, but John Hancock, almost Let's see if years, I can find out. Man, he used to tell me how he they, they had it planned out. Most politicians, that's their main investment. Their main investment is in real estate, property of some sort. Look at some of the real estate laws. They are absolutely made to benefit the owner no matter what. Whether it's a loss and a write-off or uh, just, a, uh, you know, um, how it's going to, you know, appreciate over the years is, is just amazing. I mean, we have a, a finite amount of property. And uh, in a finite that's habitable, even though we are obviously inhabiting places we should, no human should ever be most likely. And uh, but uh, yeah, he was, you know, he, he kind of explained it when I was a kid, man. He was like, you know, so one day it's just not going to be able to be touchable. And he goes, and it might be in your lifetime, but he goes, I, it's probably going to be the lifetime now. It's going to be your kid. So that always stuck in my head. I mean, he bought every orange grove that John Hancock owned in 19. They bought up in California and Florida. I mean, they, they ran the orange industry. I mean, that's why it's a John Hancock orange company. But uh, yeah, but some of the things they used to do with some of their commercial properties, just sit on sit on for 10 years. And, you know, they, know, they, know, they know the projections. They know where the population is going to go. Jobs going to be, et cetera, et cetera. I'm trying to find like a picture of like 
one of those brownstones. They're so pretty. They are beautiful. Like if I ever was rich or like back in the day, if I I would I would have bought one of them. You know, if I was that wealthy. Oh, here we go. This is one of them. Well, that's that's what it looks like. Yeah, that looks like Beacon Street. Yeah, that's Marlboro Street. Yeah, it's in between Beacon. It actually runs parallel to Beacon and Cobb. It runs. It's all, uh, most of it's one way. No this Saint Street of Boston. Uh, Bol, Boltupa? I don't know what that is. Saint. Oh, uh, Batolf. 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 P-O-T-O-L-F-P-H, rather. Right? B-O-T-O-L-P-H. That's Batolf Street. That's behind the symphony. That's actually by Berkeley. That's uh, some of Berkeley off-campus housing now. This is two mil right here. Get them out. Or three mil. Right. Oh, virtual tour. That's what I want. Yeah. That's the Cambridge side of it. No, that's the uh, that's looking at Cambridge, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. That's looking at Cambridge from the Boston side. 3D tour. Explore. I saw some relatives that live down there. I mean, you get the Four Seasons, the Four Seasons condos now. You get the Ritz that open up yeah, on, the it, right? on Tremont Street. I mean, it's, you know, it's literally $5 million, five, between 5 and $10 million to buy any any of the condos or, or or townhouses or penthouses that are along the Boston Common or the, or the Garden because you got you know Beacon Hills right there to the right and uh, if you look at out Tremont Street and it's you know that's Joy Street it's it's just all the old colonial it's the original the only original hill left for the Beacon Hills there was three original Beacon Hills the Irish yeah. one one shanty towns and that's where they blew them all out literally overnight and they took that hill and filled in the trash. The, the huge garbage dump that was the back bay. And then, of course, they built the, the Hancock, the Prudential, and all those high rises right on top of it. I love Boston. So Let me see if yeah. I can go to Google Earth and just instead of looking at listings. I did, I did a lot of interior landscaping for some of the, like the Baltimore Hotel. I did it for the, for the, the Ritz when, they, when it, um, they were first opening the condos. We, we did the indoors in, inside of the condos. Um, and every floor going up too. Um, I used to bring fresh cut flowers uh, every three days, and sometimes every four. I think it was that thing. But um, you get the Four Seasons; it's right there. I mean, you get Arlington, Newbury Street. You know, it's basically the Saks Fifth Avenue or uh, Hollywood Boulevard of of. Uh, well, what's that? Uh, is that not Hollywood Boulevard? What's that street in Cali in LA that's has Saks Fifth and and um, you know Louis Vuitton? Melrose, baby. Or, is that uh, what it is? Yeah. Newbury Street in Boston is that, is, is the equivalent of that. And That's everything what is, yeah, Arlington Street, Palm Ave, Beacon, and you have the Childs. You have the New back Street alley in the Childs. Yeah. I used to live down there. It was a lot of fun. I used to live there's, there's actually on the Boston uh, Common itself at one point in my life. <laughs> what is, oh, I'm shit, what's Newbury Comics. There's actually a Newberry Comics on this road. Yeah, that's actually, if I'm not mistaken, that's, no, the original is in uh, Harvard Square in Cambridge, if I'm not mistaken, the original Newberry Comics. But they actually have one right there behind, right by Government Center now, right where uh, Winter Street, uh, Washington Street, that comes down from, uh, it's State Street, Washington Street ends, you know, from downtown crossing. You get the vet, the, the vet homeless center right there, or the vet center. Then you got Government Center. But if you go straight across where Washington Street ends to, to uh, even better, I think it's one beacon. They have a new, huge newbie comics that's that's right there on the on the 
left now. It's like a little tiny strip mall they turned it into. Because, you know, obviously they had Joe Pachi. Uh, Joe Pachi used to be there, one of the best sandwich shops in Boston. I think they all closed now, but Pachi's was awesome. Uh, Where's Barkley? Berkeley? Berkeley. Berkeley's on the Berkeley. Cor- corner of Mass Ave and Boylston Street, which is at the end of at the end of Newbury Street, the very end. <clears throat> Newbury Street, if you cross over Mass Ave, goes it's the on ramp to the Mass Pike going west, and then um, you take a left at the end of Newbury Street onto Mass Ave, and that's yeah. where you, that's where the old Tower Records used to be, and then it was Tower went to uh, uh, what was the one that took over Tower? I can't remember. And then it became a Best Buy. I don't know what it is now, though. It's right it's here, right? Construction again. Yeah, George Washington right statue. There. No, that's the that's the public gardens. Oh. He's on a horse. One where he's on a horse. Commonwealth School. I don't know. I was going to try showing you guys this cool shop. It's like uh, you walk in. Oh, they don't let you record. Like it's that secretive. That's why there's not a lot of videos of it. But it's like a a really cool. Uh, shoe store clothing store where you walk in it looks like a, a old style spanish bodega, uh, bodega you walk up to a soda machine and the soda machine slides open and there's a a passage to like a back room to where like all the shoes and shit are it's at the end of it's right next to i'll bring you there it's right next to berkeley yeah i'm trying to think where it is it's literally right. called the bodega yeah right just uh Look up um, corner of Mass Avenue. Um, Does it have its own YouTube channel? Bank no. of America, right across the street. Heinz Auditorium is right behind it. There are people there right in there. the shoes. The actually the uh, famous fire uh, station. What is it? Uh, in the old um, Division Sixteen it used to be a police station. They turned it into a restaurant right there across the street from the, the main main uh, I got the address. Beat their system. Google Little Stevie's pizza's first. right there. Little Stevie's pretty good. Is there anybody on the panel that's really into shoes? I am. I like good Bostonian wingtips. But it's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? I said, I wear them every day, bro. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, live without them. I don't talk about like on Ross and Jeff's level. No, not crazy, but I do buy some collectible ones. Do you see how weird this store looks? Look at it. The store just looks weird. And like you walk in there, there's a soda machine in the back. There's a couple of them. One, they two work and one doesn't. You'll see the one that has like a, a hardwood floor in front of it. You walk into it and then it slides, the whole machine slides open and you walk in back. That's sick. But um yeah, this is right next to Berkeley too. Yeah, that's the uh, CVS across the street with me. That's, that's where you uh, guys have Christ, a Berkeley. Christ Church. That's Christ Church too, right around the right down that street. What do you mean Boston, Boston right has down. every college? Yeah. The huge Christian <laughs> uh Christian science cathedral is right there with the uh, reflecting pool, that huge hundred yard reflecting pool. Oh right here. Is is Boston a college town? No, not really. No, yeah, not at I all. Mean, not barely. Not at How all. many colleges are in Boston? I think. They said it the other night. Just in the city limits, there's over 300 friggin' higher learning institutions. 
That's just that's within the city limits. Yep, that's not including the state. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, isn't that before. nice? I've Where sat many this? times there. Yeah, many times smoking a joint right there. Many, I'm many times in the, middle, in, the middle, in the middle of the night. I'll show you guys where I hang out when I go to Boston. Uh, we got to back up a little bit. Back back in the day when they still had pay phones that you could call back, they actually had one in a private booth in the main lobby of the, of the cathedral right there. And How deep is that water right there? I can sell my shit. That's only, it's only like three feet. It's uh, like, you know, feet. yeah, two and a half, maybe three. Yeah. And it actually is a fountain. They, they put fountains going down the middle, they come on sometimes, if I'm not mistaken. Trying to find the over here. So people throw points in all the time. You know, that's, that's, I bet you we could see the seals. Their waters. The homeless go in there, in the middle of the night. You the think the guy out. walked up to the seals? Yeah. It's been a tonight. I forgot you were up there. Huh? I was watching it. Because you the... So, if you go to Boston and you walk up to, I gotta find that was just the uh, walk up to that house. guy right there. That's the original customs house from the, um, you know, because all that used to be water right there. That was the Boston Harbor, what you're showing. That's the aquarium. You know, yeah. all the way, that was all water going all the way up to the customs house. Can't go forward. Nothing, nothing but ports, uh, I mean, docks, or jetties, I should say, for all the, you know, sailing ships coming over from across the, the pond. And you had to hit the customs house, and it's the original customs house, you know, 350 years ago, I believe it is. I was Boston trying to see the seals. It's made of New Hampshire granite, combination of Vermont and New Hampshire granite. See if we can get in lock. Well, the quarries, the, the granite quarries in Quincy. Whoa. Did you pay? My daughter loves the seals, the outdoor exhibit. Seals. Trying to find them, but I don't. I can't. She always feels bad for the seals, man. She just can't believe they're going to be in that closed area, and I just think it's torture. Where do I do? I see right penguins, and I say same thing. Yeah, it's right there. On the it won't right. let me look at it, though. Yeah, I bet it won't. I start thinking of happy feet. Interesting, uh, right? <laughs> happy feet. <Chris. laughs> it's like one of the things that there, and they won't let me one go there. Biggest, right one of the biggest, biggest. Um, Interactions actually is the penguins in it. I can go inside. I'm just waiting for the penguins to start dancing. It's boring. You go in there for you go in there for literally it's like takes you 20, 25 minutes maximum to walk to walk it, and that's if you take your time. And then that's it. And it's they, they want literally an arm and a leg to keep these these seals in captivity and it just burns by and penguins. And yeah, it just it just infuriates. Yeah, Sorry. you walk in, it's a penguin thing. Yeah. Dude, this is go, perfect for garophobics. You do the whale but watch. But if you go there. here, I'm trying to, I don't know. They won't let me get here. That's one big aquarium you walk around. It's really cool. I bet you could do like, this with Oculus. At, at like a kid. Oh, yeah, you probably could nowadays. You could probably go to the Boston Aquarium. You could probably go to the art museum and stuff. Can you imagine the fish poop in there? Right. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm going Which to go. one would you want? I'm getting tired. It's time. Oh, have a good night, man. Cheers, everyone, everyone have a good Tommy. Have a good one, Everyone have a good night. Good. Good. Yeah. All right, Tommy. I'll see you guys soon. Peace and love, everybody. Always yeah. next year, Tommy. Peace.
Ginger Bug is calling you Tommy Two Shoes. <laughs> what the heck? Under one of these, if you ever remember, the departed. Uh, what's his name? I can't I can remember. Name right oh, Jack Nicholson, and uh, that's the walk. Yeah, that's Mary Walk. Right that's, that's an awesome yeah. restaurant right to the left of the Charter House. Very, very good. This is where right I there. usually come and smoke when I like go into <clears> Boston. There's a 24-hour bakery, and like this is right next to the Hell ocean. Yeah. You can sit there and smoke. Oh, I love it. At night, it's beautiful, especially in the summer when the boats, there's like actual billionaires, and billionaires with fucking their yachts sitting in Boston Harbor. Yeah, right on the other side around. of that gazebo. That's, that's where you can see some yachts in the summer. Right there, yeah, there's, right, some, right, there's right. millions over there. Hold on. I might yeah, but back. it's a small inlet, though. It's only like, you know, 50 feet or maybe 100. What kind of baked goods? Oh, uh, I get cannolis, man. I'm Italian. Oh, dude. Oh, they have a night shot. That's awesome. Is it? Yes. Is it it an Italian place? Yeah. Bova's. Oh, it is? Hell yeah. This is where I love smoking. If you ever come to Boston, honestly, man, it's just relaxing. It's one of the best places to sit. But I will, that comes with a caveat. There has been some sketchy shit around there. Yeah. That's where the junkies hang out in the morning. Oh shit, there's that. a bakery right there. You can get high and there's a bakery. Imagine how people are high over there. Holy shit. I know, what the fuck? <laughs> 24-hour bakery? And you can get cannolis anytime you want? Right? What would hey, be better than that? Sounds like, like an heaven. ice cream shop or what? I mean, personally, I don't know. I think I would be more interested in like a like a 24-hour like dinner kebab place. But if I had to, I mean, like if it was 24-hour like Ben and Jerry's ice cream or something, you know, or like even waffle cones and gelato. Well, what would be oh, can offset? I mean, what if they sold I, sandwiches there too? I wish I could go in. Uh, no. no as soon as you said that, I, I was like, oh, I'm less interested in that. I mean, I, I love sandwiches, but I'm like, four o'clock in the morning sandwich. I'm not as excited about it. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not talking about we're getting drunk. I mean, are we talking about we're getting drunk? Then that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know why we were thinking that way, but like, so now I am. I'm all about it. Well, now. I used to. I, was I like, used to yeah, drink. I want something that's 24 hours a day, and, and and I'm assuming that I'm either drunk or super high or both. Oh yeah, 
I used to go here and we, it was like the late night thing. Go get a rice ball and some cannolis and go to Boston Harbor. Um, it's right on the corner. It's just this little like spot right on the corner right here. And this is like the back section of the North end. The roads are literally one car. car oh, dude, rows. smashed. Can you imagine? I saw this not too long ago on, uh, I think the ch- that channel munchies maybe. And now we're done. Uh, this guy Bunchy from, uh, uh, Rome, he created the rice balls, but they're filled with spaghetti. It's a oh. rice ball, but it's made of spaghetti. Yes, they put that's fucking um, big brain genius shit right there. Like the little kinda, Adam Cheto or whatever, I can't remember. They're like a little fried rice ball with like tomato sauce and shit and whatever. Yeah, it's so super good. good. You munch on them, it's, it's like a tiny little snack. It's so fucking good. This little thing is basically like a deep fried ball of spaghetti with pasta sauce. Is it? I've That's never big had brain one. shit right there, man. Seriously, I've never had one of those. It sounds I know. Really now you want one? No. As soon as I right said now. that, you're like, I need that in my mouth. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I'm gonna try to find the menu. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Can you dip it That's in how you know it's good because you're just. I'm like, sorry. I would kill people for that. Yeah. I'm sorry for making everybody hungry, but this is our hometown stuff. Cupcakes uh, are a lesser form of dessert. I'm just. Gonna can say we look it. at bread? Should we look at cakes, cookies, pastries, Taco. or prepared foods? Cookies are an advanced form of dessert. Yeah, we'll look at the rice balls since you were talking about them. Yeah, let's see what a rice ball is. Oh, it's not that I don't like cupcakes. Cupcakes are fine. I'm not a psychopath, but they're not as good as like a really good cookie or a cake. They're, like, like, they're, a, they're like an in-between dessert, and I'm just like, be the whole thing. How about a really good brownie with a chocolate good Brownies, on I'll top. fight you. Brownies are fucking amazing. Look, their menu, like, they're so shitty brownie. Oh, my God. There's nothing worse. Like, exactly. The the, the really shitty doughy ones that stick to your fucking mouth or or they're too dry or whatever. It has to be a perfect undersweet. Or, honestly, I would say oversweet is also probably (laughs) brownies. Like, like oversweet fudge is kind of gross, too. Like, I agree. You almost like, I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of sugar, but anyway, but even still. So that's sure on the, the fudge and the brownies. Let's see if I can find the blondies. If we're basically giving everyone, uh, 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 so here's the cannolis. Now. What are you guys' thoughts about blondies? It's basically a brownie but with chocolate chip cookie dough. Yeah, uh, I filling. could do that. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, calzones. And Where's blondies them? arguably are the superior uh, ice cream substrate. No, no, I know, I know that's a controversial statement that I just made. And I know it. I know it. I mean, almost everything goes with vanilla ice cream. I mean, celery goes with vanilla ice cream. What about strawberries and blondies? Look at all the breads. Strawberries and blondies. I'm, I'm, I dig what you're putting down there, uh, Chris Guerrero. But uh, blondies are less overpoweringly sweet than brownies are. So brownies and ice cream is a traditional favorite, right? But have you yeah. ever just had brownies and ice cream? You're just like, oh, my God, that's too much, too muchness. And you're just like, oh, fuck, I'm good. Like you, you lose the chance to enjoy that amazing deliciousness. But if you were to replace the brownie with blondie, it's yeah. less cloyingly sweet. There's a little bit of a texture change because that lighter cakiness from that cookie dough, dude. That's trust me. One of these days, right, if you have a chance, blondies and ice cream instead of brownies and ice cream. Try it. How You'll about thank blondies? Me. You'll thank me. Whipped cream, it. fresh cherry. Okay, whipped cream. You you no throw that in the garbage. Then Try. Real whipped cream. I'm not talking about... Try a pistachio. 
I'll give I'm you a little bit of that. permission for the real whipped cream, but I still think uh, what about vanilla cool ice cream whip? clowns on that every single day. What about cool whip? <laughs> that cool whip. Yeah. If you pronounce it that way, it's almost it's cool almost whip. worth it. But uh, clotted <laughs> cream is, is okay. I kind of like clotted cream, and I'm I'm yeah. okay with a real whipped cream. But even still, I'm just like, dude, why? You you had space here. You had real estate here for vanilla ice cream, or even no. We're just saying strawberry we ice cream, bring it or down. it's Oregon it here's some marionberry ice cream or something. You had real but estate on this dessert to if put it's real a ice cream, a whole scoop of it, and instead of that, you picked like a fucking heathen. No, you a picked hot cream. blondie. You put whipped cream, like real whipped cream. Uh, you keep losing me. You keep, you keep starting the sentence well, rat, and then you keep turning like into a an strawberry, person. fresh strawberry syrup type. Of, You're back to sounding normal chunks. again, but in the middle there, you sounded like a crazy person with the whipped cream shit. But but I'm saying like that really thick, really. Maybe it's not whipped cream that I'm thinking of. Maybe it's a marzipan. Mar, 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 These aren't Detroit. Are you yet. thinking of like a nougat or something? No, no. I Marcus, think it's time to roll a joint. A mascarpone, a mascarpone cheese, a mascarpone. Yeah. Oh. I just like like it's a little bit thicker, a little bit. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe like a creme fraiche or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. I mean, I'm thinking something more. No, I have to be honest. I still think no, but maybe that's the snob in me. Because, like, my grandma was super fond of, like, Napoleons, and they're basically cream-filled. But I feel like uh -oh. even a Napoleon would be better if you honestly put the... My favorite part of the Napoleon was honestly the wafer layers with the, like, the sh sugar glacé, whatever the fuck. And I would literally take that off and throw the whipped cream in the trash. And so I was just like, the best part of it is not even the cream part. D is with me on that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you could replace that with a superior dessert, which would be, like, ice cream, for example. I'm a truly playing. Mind you, it does not have to be vanilla. It could here. be something else, but no, no. I'm truly playing devil's advocate here because I would totally go with the French vanilla ice cream or like a, a vanilla bean ice cream on top with the strawberry, with this fresh strawberry syrup or that like a gas, raspberry. Yes. This is a dessert I can yeah. endorse. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm totally with you on that. And but I was just trying to trying to bring it down a little bit. You know mm. what I mean? In the caloric intake. Because you were saying that was too rich. Ice cream is, but ice cream is just frozen cream, though. So, like, if you're talking about whipped cream, I don't think it's that much lower in caloric anything. Yeah, with nitrous, with nitrous though. That's the only good whipped cream. I mean, I guess maybe, but is that, it, but I think whipped cream has a fuckload of calories though, because it's all like, well, I guess ice cream is all fucking ice cream fat too, but or not so ice cream fat. Whatever. I only have one paper are. left, so you know what that means. You have to roll a big joint. That's a that's a bad situation to be in. One, I've been there before. I have I've been there one paper left. No more joints. You know, my grandpa, uh, he got used to rolling. Well, in his case, cigarettes, but he got used to rolling cigarettes with newspapers. Uh, uh, and then the rest of his life, he could not get like he could not basically roll with uh, rolling papers. My my grandma would buy him like rolling papers. She's like, we're in America now. You can buy rolling papers. I don't know why my grandma sounded Italian. She wasn't Italian. But uh, <laughs> maybe she was speaking Italian that one day. Uh, and he would try the rolling papers, but he was he'd just go back right back to the newspaper. The, oh. the texture and the flavor was uh, uh, wrong. He just got used to it. How funny, right? Oh, that's crazy. It's kind of oh. gross. Yeah, yeah. No, his, his fingers would get black and shit. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie, we'll say in Prohibition days, 
Bible There's AA books and Bibles have blank pages out. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. That's why you'd see all the torn out pages in the, the hotel library or the Bibles. <laughs> Thou shalt say 15 Mary Janes and call me in the morning. Still <laughs> with uh, Genesis one twenty nine. That's it. I think the last joint is the Apocalypse uh, chapter. Heathens, <laughs> I tell you. I think this is my final joint of the nights. Well, it has to be because I have no more papers. <laughs> I had someone ask you a question: uh, if uh, alcohol is safe or topical. Yeah, I said, yeah. Oh, they must have not saw it. Um, yeah, so if you're using, they're using ISO. So ISO, I mean, you can put ISO, in, that's what it's made for, uh, cuts and stuff, but you can't digest it. You don't want to digest ISO. That's ethanol alcohol. Um, but using it for your hands and stuff should be fine. That's usually what hand sanitizer is made out of. Yeah, but wouldn't that dry your hands? Uh, no, 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 uh, no. It's not the same alcohol at all. You, you don't on, use you the, the hand sanitizer alcohol. No, no. What do you, what do you mean? I, isopropyl alcohol? Yeah, that's. that's uh, isopropyl alcohol is not made to be ingested. Sorry, uh, don't do that, please. He said. That's what he said, Evo. Uh, but if you put it on on your on your your skin, isopropyl alcohol. Uh, it's not good if you got an open wound, but uh, otherwise, don't, yeah. I mean, it's really, it's not good. You, you can use uh, uh, a face because I think it's the polarity that is not the best. When you As got, uh, I think Steve can can see, but when you got a bit of wa water in it, it it get a better extraction than. Uh, I think uh, isopropyl, they also just uh, derive it from uh, 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 petroleum ethanol chemicals, alcohol, right? isn't it? Pardon? Ethanol alcohol, that's what's in this one. Mm. Like, uh, it says, I don't know, well, ethyl alcohol. I know, I'm confused. Ethyl, ethyl alcohol, I think, is the... the, the uh, ethyl alcohol is stone alcohol, right? I think actually ethyl alcohol is the same. Okay, fuck. This is not. I don't really know. It's in Thailand, and that's the only alcohol that I can really get unless I go to the drugstore and get like the 96.5%. But after Smash showing all that food and everything, guys, I got to take off and grab me something to eat. It was wonderful hanging with y'all. Have a wonderful night. Have and, a good night, man. Uh, we'll see you down the road. Peace I've seen man. I've seen food grade alcohol too. Uh I should hope so. I mean, we drink it with beer or on, no, uh, like on Saturdays I, like, and Wednesdays. Tomorrow's weed and whiskey Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Edible yeah. alcohol galore. Good segue. Right. To, to use they were riding segues at that grocery. But, Did I tell you about that? At that Grow Green Michigan, the fucking store is so big, and plus they own like a, a bunch of like outbuildings and stuff. Like the building that the conference was at was like a whole extra building that they bought in the last couple of years. So the owner and a bunch of the employees they just ride everywhere on segways. Speaking of segways, nice. that's a nice segue right there, ladies and gentlemen. Isopropyl alcohol, according to Wikipedia, also called isopropanol 
or 2-propanol is a colorless, flammable chemical compound with a strong odor. As an isopropyl group linked to a hydroxyl group, it's the simplest example of a secondary alcohol where the alcohol carbon atom is attached to two other carbon atoms. It's a structural isomer of 1-propanol and ethyl methyl ether. It's used in the the manufacture of a wide variety of industrial and household chemicals, and it's a common ingredient in chemicals such as antiseptics, disinfectants, and detergents. That didn't tell us all that we know, really, or want to know. What do they say here? I got Uh, something. Go for it. Uh, This is what I was looking up the other day. So that's well, there, there was the chemical so reaction to that alcohol when it heat up. Uh, from there, you just scroll down a bit. But, oh, yeah. uh, oh. Mesopropanol, yeah. Bacteria, blah, blah, blah. So, uses disinfectant. Bacillus, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I don't like reading it. Uh, Beneficial applications, fast drying time, no odors, your residue, general cleaning air. I mean, I don't, I, I'm so. It's more cleaner than anything. When you get a cut, your parents would put either hydrogen peroxide in it or alcohol. Alcohol will dry out your skin. Um, Yeah. For for an open cut, maybe not, but for other stuff, it can be good. If it's not like an open wound, it can be good, right? Well, this this person here says it's for the person, the other person has face cancer and it's for an open wound, I believe. That will burn like space cancer. That sounds bad. What do you grow like? Face. Alien and shit. Face. Oh, okay. That's worse. That's not as funny as the first one. Okay. Yeah, that would burn like a motherfucker. Don't do that. Yeah, that's that's a weird cancer to have, face cancer. If you got uh, that uh, aerosol that is well made and evaporated enough, I don't know. But the, on the Wikipedia page that you've showed, they say what happened when it heat up. What what kind of bad shit it can come out with? And I would look at it if I want to evaporate and use that kind of thing for that. Because otherwise, I would just go with, uh, like, in the place I was working, we had, uh, I think, 85% alcohol, a big barrel of it. It's pretty cheap when you got the the permit for it, but it's regulated. So it's not everyone that can get it, but you can get the 94% alcohol at your uh, LCBO, I'm pretty sure. And it can work super well. It's full grade, it's safe to use, and when you evaporate, they won't get any residue because it's only alcohol in it. Yeah, I don't know. If you're going to, you're not going to want to use that for open wounds anyway. So let's get off the subject of alcohol. I think if they, were, if they have open wounds, Steve, I, I feel like. Why does everybody get so many open wounds? Are we in like a well, no, barbed wire have, convention or what is it? Face cancer. <laughs> face cancer gets open. And they're trying to make them right. I see. Right. So, so, well, so for that, yeah, you wouldn't want like an alcohol topical for no. that. You'd want like an oil topical or something or a cream yes. or something, right? So, yes. yeah, I'd want to be like uh, coconut I oil or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Back in November, right here on my nose. Thank God it wasn't a melanoma, but it was, the, you know, the beginning of uh, the, uh, the other one. And uh, 
But it was an open wound. Basically, what they do is they you know they cut your skin out, they sew it back together. And thank God I go to a good hospital and surgery did a good job. I got another thing getting coming off on my shoulder uh, April fourth. But um, it was an open wound, and they just they leave it open, just bandaged you the first you know five to seven days. You can shower, you can get it wet, but you don't take that initial bandage off for at least I think it was three to five days. So, and then after that, they just said use soap and water as usual. You know, the, the stitches were self, you know, self, well, self destructive, you know, dissolving their own. And um, so I didn't have to go back, thank God. And he did a really good job, but you can still see it. I mean, this is really kind of fresh. It's not a concept all the time. I don't know if you catch the camera. See that red mark right there? And it was the tiniest little thing, but they had to take out, obviously, to be safe, a good, like, half inch diameter around. Around it. Make sure they get I had it. the same go, same yeah, thing. You. Make sure they get it all after, after they take the initial cutting. They make sure they get it all, and then you're good to go. Basically, and thank God I was good to go because it runs in my Fuck cancer. Yeah. I, I, I've used some some kind of cream that was made by a woman or whatever. I don't remember all that was in it, but she there was a kind of cream that I I had and same thing. I if, was a cut from the the eye to the bottom of my nose through my lips and all like all the face off so yeah i've used some kind of things like that but it was a cream i would i've never had suggested to put uh, those those aerosol uh because he came out after with it but uh I, yeah i would think too far cream Whoa. like there's so many things that can help to rehydrate your skin and feed it instead and Help it, yeah. Uh, otherwise, right, so, it's soap. <laughs> so, and like, unless they really reduced everything, all the alcohol out of it, RSO is pretty much made with like. You're right. Like, you wanna, you're gonna want a cream like coconut based or or vitamin E based or or something that you can infuse with uh, THC, and I would put CBD in it also. I'd do a, I'd try to do a one-to-one. -one. And if you don't know, and a lot of people are only grow THC strains. Um, you can honestly get like just hemp flour uh, and it's legal to ship, you know, and turn that into a topical and then mix your THC with the CBD topical together. That's it. Sorry. I'm just sure talking to me. No, I have I have a buddy of mine. I haven't talked to him in over year, but his wife does uh, she's almost like Grace. I don't I know I don't know how far she's involved, like, you know, but that was her whole life homeschooling. Um you know, kind of the same background a little bit. But anyway, they make this boo-boo cream that they make that she makes from their product, C B D strain. I don't have no idea which one it is. And um he they gave us a couple. And I gave one of my, my mother-in-law who had both her knees replaced. She has a hard Good time. Job. 10 feet. And uh, she used this stuff. Now I use it on my arthritis on my hands, you know. I don't know if you guys catch that on the screen, but I have pretty bad arthritis stuff on my hands. And um, I rubbed it on and wasn't even thinking about it. And, you know, half hour later, my joints were like looped. I actually have my ring finger that can snap and get stuck. It's so swollen. But, um, you know, it's the only one of those CBD creams I've ever used that it actually, and my mother-in-law used it. She goes, 20 minutes later, she goes, I forgot to even put it on. I walked over to the sink as I'm washing dishes, they're cooking dinner, whatever the hell she was doing. 
She said, um, I, I forgot about my knee. I forgot I put that stuff. I didn't even feel it for the first time in, since she had it replaced. So, you know, get the right That's one. That's awesome. I, yeah, I was literally amazed. My wife, I put on her lower back, and, um, you know, she swears. I mean, and I've, I've tried a few, quite a handful. Never had one work, really. You know, I mean, if it did, it wasn't noticeable to me. And, and sometimes it's like anything when it comes to cannabis. Some things work for some people. Some things don't work for other people. You know what I mean? So, but on uh, this one, I'll tell you, man, it was okay. just amazing. Wish I had more of it. <laughs> I gotta call him. <laughs> All this shit right here. Little D, little auto flower in, in, in veg tent. Nice. Apple fritter that looks like shit, but starting to look way oh. better since I. <laughs> Transplanted them. Um, oh, nice. oh, I got a question. So, I used the five gallon fabric, but I I kept like this much of the bottom, and I wrapped up the rest. Did you but train those, or did they just grow naturally? You train those, didn't you? A little bit. Uh, I know. I've cut. I've cut these back four times. Oh yeah, nice tops, man. Yeah, nice they're stressed there. as fuck. Um, I'm gonna let them get growing again. Um, that's what I was I saying. I didn't want to give you a cut that wasn't healthy, so that's why I, oh, I appreciate that. I give me a couple of days, and they should be like, as you can tell, the tops are already back on track. Yeah, they're yeah. starting to get the Thanks color bro. back. I get just fed yeah. them lacto today, so I nice. did a lacto bacillus uh, soil treatment with them. I like that in my yogurt. Yeah. I'm gonna do. So we're gonna do Charybdis, little little Charybdis in the corner right there. We're gonna do Tommy's in the corner right there, and then right in the front right here, we're gonna do some auto flowers. Just for now. <laughs> Got the light yeah, all nice. the way up though. These things Free. like it was funny. A couple of lights got burnt to a, um, a couple of leaves got burnt to a crisp because they were they ended up touching the HLG hundred. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, we're just for Fumi here. There you go, Fumi. There you go. Waste Wednesday featuring Fumi with other flavors. Well, not necessarily wasted, but oftentimes it's we a, are at the end. It's only in a, <laughs> just a little one-gallon fabric pot. I'll get a decent little harvest off this. It just started to flower a couple of weeks, like a week, two weeks ago, maybe. Oh. Nice. But that's why I think it's cool because you can you say that's like awesome. I can I can do this. This is flowering while those are vegging. Um that's why I enjoy auto flowers because like you guys seen I just I just took down oh yeah look I just took down 12 plants and told you it was real messy in here, but I cleaned mm. it. Yeah. Um, no. I didn't wipe the light down. I'll I'll wipe it down at some point, but Jeez. yeah, actually. I kept this up. fan too. Over clean. Yeah. Smash, if you could get a truck of flour instead of an auto flour, would you take it? What? No. You Say don't you want time? to grow a truck of flour? We always talk about auto flour. Not, why not a fucking truck of flour? Go big. Oh. <laughs> take a flour. Well, oh. Auto flowers, I mean. 
I think they have their place, and like, yeah, for I sure. could give my I could give my mom uh, auto flower seed, and she can grow it in the living room. What yeah. under whatever light she has, like, what she'll Many use times, sunlight. She'll put it in your mama. <laughs> she'll put I, it in a window. You know what I mean? And like, I, like I said, I'm not flowering true. yet, and I and I don't have any space. So I mean, that's kind of why I bring it up. It that they're good to fill little spots here and there. Oh yeah, uh, have more success in door with auto flowers, especially sure. if you work with decent auto flowers. I've ran mm. out of one tent. I harvested auto flowers, flipped photos, planted more auto flowers, harvested the photos, harvested, just kept that little process going. And I was harvesting all the time out of 110 almost. Mm. Auto flowers are pretty cool, man. Those auto, uh, some of the ones I have right now are pretty cool. I love how they flip. I'm going to have some early buds before my regular buds, my regular garden's ready. So dope. Yeah, I don't mind them. Like, they're they're fun. They're fun, honestly. And I honestly, the smoke isn't bad. Uh, Charlie, did I give you any of the auto flowers I've had? I don't know. No, I don't think I had auto flowers then. Uh, have you tried to make some ash with uh, some auto flower lately? Yeah, I've done hash. Okay, which one of you like it the most? Uh -huh. I like the purple one. Uh, it was purple lemonade. Okay. It was fun. Um, it dumped pretty good. Nice hash. It was like Fumi says, I love like weird things like purple trichomes and shit. Um, that's kind of why I do the autoflowers too. Like it's easy to pick an autoflower that does like flowers purple, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still got this dry and this is one of the kryptonites. Nice. I'm letting it dry a little bit longer than I normally would because these buds are a little bit bigger than I normally keep them. So Hey, I got to go. Hate to get high and leave, but I got to get to sleep. Later, Chris. How's it going, dude? Good That's night. fine. Later, Chris. Take it easy. Yes. Bye-bye. Hop on, folks. Uh... We still I think perhaps these are ready to go to the show or, or uh, we can always call it a shorter show too. That happens sometimes. Uh, but if you guys hey. would like to hop on and uh, BS with us, the, the show is basically spontaneously kind of about whatever we bring up. So um, come on up and uh, talk about it. Otherwise, uh, man, we all have gardening work to do. So Yeah. I think the, uh, the stuff I put in a paper bag is good to go back. Like I just actually looked at it and stuff. All right, we were just talking about that on uh, Saturday. Yeah, so I have it right here. I'm going to put it back into a jar today. Yeah. Same thing with a couple this days. One, definitely dry enough to start trimming. How did it come out, do you think? I mean, you haven't put it back, back in the jar yet, so that'll probably change. It but has so like far, a peppery, soury smell. It's interesting. Interesting. Different than the rest of the, the weed? Yeah, a lot of the, well, the Gorilla Cookies, which is, hold on, let me, I only have one light down here right now. Actually, I could plug this one in.
right. So this is one of the Gorilla Cookie Wrecks. This is the one I was just smoking. It smells like a funky, like, I don't know, like saute maybe. This one is the one that kind of gives you like a my, me a grandpa breath smell. That's a get off my lawn jar. <laughs> get off my goddamn lawn. <laughs> Hold on. Let's uh, put you guys right here real quick. Turn, your, turn this around. Good looking jaws, man. You look like happy jaws. So this, I had the problem of like nugs this big. I thought were dry and I was like, all right, let's put them into jars. And it wasn't ready. It hydrated like right back up. Thank God I come down and I check my like jars and stuff. Cause it, it was like, Oh crap. And I put initially, I thought I had a good idea, but everyone's like, put it in a bag. It'd be easier. And you're right. It worked pretty well. The smell <laughs> still there that it had when I harvested it. I know one thing that I tried. You prepped a couple times a day anyway. Definitely catch that, man. You stay right on top of it. You're not going to let your jazz lay for 24 hours. Can I ask no. you a question, Smash? Yeah, go ahead. Do you do you uh, open your jars like twice a day and let the air out? So, depending on like the situation, sometimes I'll let it hang for an extra couple weeks, so I won't burp the jars. I'll just seal them. I'll just like they'll be ready to be sealed. Um, if it's something that ends up being a little too dry or a little too wet, I'll burp the jars for three days, and then I'll probably and then it seems to work pretty good. When I burp, I don't like shake it; I just roll. So like I just kind of roll the jars a little bit. Just yeah, but they need fresh oxygen in order to create a certain chemical reaction. They need fresh oxygen. In order for that chlorophyll Even to after really get, yeah, it needs red break Absolutely. One thing I like to do, I don't know if others do that too, but if you got a long branch and you got a fat ass chunk at the at the top, I tend to remove the butter bud when they seem to be to break off of the the stem. I will remove them and put them in a big container, maybe a few hours and. When I go, like maybe all the day or whatever the night, and I go back at, at the bottom of the container, if if it's good, like in a in a in a bowl, I will say in a metal bowl, I leave it in there. If the bottom is just okay for me, the top seem a bit uh, dry, I put it in the jar, and I will watch it the day after. Like I, I'm not that worried, but I know the biggest one may need three four days more at least more. Like sometimes it's I've even left a week more for the bigger top, but I, I, it was dry enough. But the the paper bag seemed to be uh, just in between situation. I like paper uh, the when I got seeded plant, I cut them in a in a paper bag like that, putting it on the side. It doesn't take too much spice. Paper bag. I'll just leave it down here in case I gotta use it again. But yeah, I got a, that's a jar. It's the 64 ounce, so I don't know. It's nice. real fluffy weed. Yeah, paper bags can actually help with the uh, evenness of the moisture. You know, it actually absorbs moisture at the same time and can release 
that was is, almost like a screening. So paper bags have always been my go This is the weed that I would roll like, I don't know, like if I go somewhere, I'll bring this and we'll roll fat ass blunts and joints of it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, how much you think you got by Tori on average? This Two hours. one, this one right here is the one I would give a little bit out. Like here, have a little bit, Charlie. Try this. Like I would keep a lot of this for my head. Yeah. But no, I give it. I like normally if like they're close friends, I give them a little bit of everything I have. I don't just give them like. But if it's someone that's like random at a show, and I'm like, here, have some weed. Let's smoke, let's smoke a blunt or whatever. I'll give him a, something. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I remember you were the candy man on the Freedom Rally, bro. He <laughs> would just roll this joint. Yeah, here's his bud, roll the joint. Yeah, you, you had at least 10 people, 15 people that I saw. And then I, you know, I went and got the drink, so I wasn't even with this for an hour. I can't imagine what you gave away then. <laughs> I can actually... See if I can show you. Hold on, let's see how dirty this camera is. I'm how good it's gonna focus. It have the iPhone. Oh, Christoph! Hello, Christoph. What's in your face? Bonjour. Bonjour. Bonjour, Christoph. Bonjour, le Français. Oh, my phone's dying. I'll jump back on upstairs. What's the stupidest accent you could pronounce that in? Um, <laughs> Swedish chef. Yeah, that's a good one. Swedish chef from the. Uh, I don't know. I have to think about that. That's a good one. Uh, Fumido, like have you tried the Inuktitut uh, lesson that I've put out uh, in Discord uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago? Oh, French lessons? No, I have not. No, no, Inuktitut. It's an Inuit language. They oh, got some not. really strange way to spell stuff. Um, you got like, a, I am an American. It's one word, super long word that you've never figured out how to pronounce it if it wasn't from the lady that said it before. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting. When you're drunk, you try to pronounce a, a strange language, and you you realize how drunk you are. <laughs> Even uh, sober, I've tried it, and it's not better. <laughs> I find it's challenging enough to pronounce my own language when I'm drunk. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I remember Fumi doing the different language versions of different weed. Were we tired doing that for a minute? Uh, <laughs> we were, yeah, uh, and then we got high. I think. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, thank you everybody for listening in from where is it? Sweden and Finland and Argentina, wherever else. Speaking right of countries, I'll throw it out there. What about that WNBA basketball player? What's your name? That made it hemmed up in Russia, huh? Oh man, for allegedly mm-hmm. having hash oil or whatever. Like probably CBD oil or something. Right. Not even real CBD in it. Probably got it from somebody in Russia because they have yeah. hash there. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Trumped up. Really trumped up. Oh. Now she's a pawn. Now she's nothing oh, yeah. but a pawn. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. So yeah, young. And they go there to offset their salary so they can make money and just get better at what they do. 
Right, because here the really WNBA watched. makes almost nothing. Yeah. yeah, and it's only a four month season mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of it in the state. So yeah, we're, wasn't it like uh, uh, some of them are house painters in the summer and mm-hmm. shit? That's yeah. fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Professional it's a great job if you're super tall. House painting. You get them eight foot ceiling. Right, I guess at least that. Such <laughs> 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 <The> assholes. <laughs> That's it. Stack yeah. them too, too tall, you don't need uh, uh, scaffolding. That does suck <laughs> like them, and then a lot of Olympians too, like have to work regular jobs and shit. Right. It's like you should be able to focus on that. And you know, I don't know if we should have a you know, how you handle that necessarily, but you know, we certainly have to figure out something. Can Olympians make money now? You know, before they go pro or whatever the case, can't they? They can't used they to be all. Money? They used to be all amateurs, but I remember, I, honest to God, the best. Sporting spectacle I ever saw was a couple of years ago when they allowed the NHL players to play hockey. Mm. That was that was like watching like an all star video game. That was such yeah. a some of the so, best. Well, speaking sport. of that, do you guys remember yeah. the Dream Team? Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw the Dream yeah. Team oh, in yeah. Barcelona, and that was just nutty. Wow. Uh, Jordan and Drexler, yeah. Magic Johnson, wow. Larry Bird, uh, who else? <laughs> Fucking uh, oh, Shaq. On uh, Shaq was like the Shaq was the. He was the bench warmer, honestly, on that whole fucking team, right? It was uh, Shaq and uh, uh, Louis Christian Laderson or whatever the fuck his name was the from Timberwolves. <laughs> they were the two college kids, and everybody else was just the dream team. Uh, Kevin Malone and uh, 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 Larry Stockton. Dude, that team was freaking incredible. And they just walked all over everybody except for the Yugoslavs. That was like the one team that, that provided any resistance at all. The Spanish, I remember, they they played a good game. But right. then one of the problems was every single game that they played, everyone was just like so freaking awestruck. You know, they're like, oh my God, it's Michael Jordan coming right at me. <laughs> it's like the Howling Globetrot is in the freaking capital or whatever it is, right. Washington, whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, exactly. It'll be, uh, the only women's sport that Americans watch, aside from figure skating, is soccer. You know, I think everybody was behind Mia Hamm and all that when they crushed the shit out of literally everyone. <laughs> and, you know, the U.S. always, the women's soccer team always is the best or you know, top three. And that was, that's kind of a, that's always a bittersweet, sad story to me. I'm always kind of uh, wondering why people don't pay attention to the kind of nuance. Well, fuck, nobody ever really pays attention to the nuances and stuff, right? Or that, what did I call it at the beginning of the show? The intersectionality. I remember growing up and hearing people complain about Title IX, and they're like, "Women fucking stupid fucking women's sports. Who gives a shit about girls softball and blah blah?" Well, it turns out girls actually give a shit about girls softball and soccer and you name it. And basically, what was happening before things like Title IX uh, popped up? Title IX. Uh, mandated i guess what was it a federal law i think that mandated yeah. equal uh equal was it nixon how ironic yeah. uh, ex, uh, uh equal uh distribution of funds to both men and women's uh, uh athletic programs so instead of dumping everything into men's uh, football basketball baseball they actually had to create 
softball teams. They actually had to create yeah, so yeah, women's yeah, soccer yeah, teams, yeah, right. on and on and on, and actually had to have coaches, had to actually have facilities, and on and on and on. And there's still been this enormous push-pull because, of course, the football team thinks they're the top dog. And famously, in every single state, the highest-paid state employee is always the football coach, on and on and on and on. It's, it's pretty fucking ridiculous. But even with that all said, still, that's allowed women's... Uh, athletics to basically uh, thrive and that's basically pushed all the way down into high school sports too because i think high school sports uh, were mandated the same so just like with uh, college athletics high school athletics were the same too so instead of just high school football basketball baseball for the boys being super popular it was also girls uh, uh track and uh fucking tennis always, and, uh, i mean run. i don't think there wasn't i was on uh, a d1 school so that's like a district one um, best like sports, and I don't think the only sport a male couldn't do, I think, was field hockey. And technically, I think there's some rule that like you could actually play field hockey, I think, but there's no male teams to be played for field hockey a, a lot of the time. That was the only sport that we didn't have that was male, female, like. Lacrosse, I think, was the only one. No, I, now you think about it, we did have a male lacrosse team in high school. I don't think, yeah, we did. we did too. I ran track for a little bit after it helped me train for baseball. But that's an incredibly different thing. In uh, most countries, they don't really have the, the concept of uh, high school sports that we do. There's a they're very different kind of thing. So, the soccer clubs, the soccer leagues are very much what they like what they describe themselves are it's like a soccer club and it's a whole feeder club and so there's like a professional uh, club at the very top but it's basically a whole pyramid of other uh, amateur clubs and so you'll, you'll get your uh, uh, kids basically the boys will play soccer in these like youth groups basically uh, against each other in the kind of you know uh, mashups or meetups or whatever and then that goes all the way up to like the the i mean it's not the same club you can't like earn your place up onto the professional club or whatever, but it's just a completely different paradigm than what we have. And long story short, a lot of times the girls just get let left outside basically in the cold. And so it's, it's kind of no wonder that the U S actually has these amazing women's soccer teams because we actually funded them. You know, even though we don't really have the, now we do, of course we have a soccer culture, but well, traditionally we a lot have of a countries soccer culture. have Go ahead. an Olympic team though. You also have crazy funding for cheerleading squads and stuff, which, while very athletic, I don't really know if that qualifies as a sport. Well, hold on. Crazy dangerous. I've dated cheerleaders and stuff. If you've no ever gone to a cheerleader like show, it's just like uh, uh, Charlie's Kids Irish Step Dancing. It's literally a competition. Oh, no, no. I'm well, I'm well aware of the competitions and all that stuff. I just think that... Uh, oh, and it's on ESPN, like, three or four or whatever. It's not a contact sport. How about that? Impact no, All-American. It's fun. I, I don't know. I kind of think the whole... Oh, I, I appreciate the athleticism, but I think it's a bit excessive, and at this point, doesn't really fit, like current culture too well. yeah i get i, I know what you go I mean, it's fun to watch and everything yeah but i mean i've heard it's just it's horrifically uh dangerous a lot of the cheerle hard work. Uh, cheerleaders get like life ending uh, oh it's super hard work but they get life ending uh not life ending but life altering uh, uh injuries i mean they just fuck up their legs and knees and stuff it's really brutal um, gymnastics 
Basically, same thing. Yeah, gymnastics, yeah, but I mean, gymnastics—they at least like have soft mats and stuff. I've heard that the cheerleaders actually purposefully don't have any like pads or soft like landing. They usually do it on mats. That's a lot. Yeah, the parallel bars or the unparalleled bars are that high up either. I mean, some of these pyramids they do, you know, what ten girls. Right, right, right. What about those gymnastics? What's that? It's hardcore gymnastics. You can hardcore fuck gymnastics. Up. <laughs> Have you seen the roller skater full contact? I don't know if the, oh, we call the it roller derby. right now. Yeah, yeah roller derby. Man. Roller derby is great. Yeah, and when I saw win? those girls, I was like, holy shit. I wasn't yeah, the word. Yeah, they're in the men's league here too. That's cool. That, yeah. You ever go to like, so Philadelphia has a really badass women's hockey team. Uh, uh, Do you go to the women's hockey, the professional women's hockey league? Dude, a lot of those games are more brutal than the men's game. Like, they get fucking pissed. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. My daughter's just starting to get into the Bruins. And There's no, the hockey leagues are fucking She's balling, not tough dude. enough. I think she's tough enough. But she's already 10. She get kids on skates at the age of three if you want to really like skates and walk. Like so, I don't know if she'd be viable for her to play hockey. Plus, like I said, she's not tough enough, really. She's too spoiled. <laughs> I said, you're going to get hit. It's like Marshawn. She's a Marshawn freak now. So she has on her iPhone all over the place. Marshawn. Very much. Little, little ball of hate, they call. <laughs> they yeah, I your hockey leagues for both the men and women, both in the, in the U.S. are great. I mean, shit, for like 50 bucks, you're going to have like, you know, seats up against the glass and you know, usually yeah. a beer with that too. You know, it's it's way way cheaper than a lot of the other games, and they're the basically the dudes that are fighting and the women that are fighting to get onto that main team. So it really, you know, oftentimes is more fun to watch than watching the professionals because they're trying a little bit harder to make the team. Yeah, especially the my father actually. Crazy. Yeah, my father actually likes the amateurs in the in the college more than he likes the pros because of that. Right. He knows yeah. they, you know, pretty much trying to out because they want to, you know. A lot of them think they're gonna make the pro uh, wanna be. Used game. to love going to Phantoms, Phantoms games in Philly for yeah, that reason. Yeah. You know, see a lot of the, the stars, you know, they're 18, sure. 19, right before they're ready to go yeah. and hit the NHL. So you kind of see these stars before they really made it. Yeah. It's really fun. Told you my friend, uh, my my best friend growing up, David Jensen, David A. Jensen, who was on the 84 Olympic team, but he was um, at the time he was the first 17 year old on an NHL contract and he signed with Whaley, who used to be a minor league team. And uh, to the Bruins, but uh, you know when they went pro back, in, you know, it was you know, uh, late seventies, I think it was. And uh, yeah, yeah, I went down and signed with them. Yeah, I used to live and breathe hockey. Even in my high school that uh, I went to was you know back then known for its hockey, Catholic Memorial. Five kids every year would go to BU and out of the BU, you know, uh, Parker was the coach at BU, and they had a stellar program at BU. Um, out of those five kids, three would go pro after graduating. On average, for like 15 years, when we had uh, Mr. Hanson, Bill Hanson used to be the coach at Catholic Memorial, who's an incredible coach. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, that's what they were known for. Now they're known for football. Like, they don't even make the Super 8, whatever that is. They didn't even have the Super 8 when I was a kid, you know? So all these tournaments that they had. My, my youngest brother, he was 13. <clears throat> Kevin, he was the first 13-year-old to make Team USA hockey. He was the first 13-year-old to go over to Germany and play in the Pan Am game. And then he knew he wasn't going to go anywhere after the college. So he just took the, the best education he could with whatever boat they were willing to give him. And he went to Iona, you know, 
at the time, uh, third top business school in America. You know, and they gave him uh, half. You know, so you know, smart move on his part. Yeah, you, you you sound like a huge hockey fan too, Steve. You know, especially from Philly. My God. You know, you get the Penguins, and then you get uh, which one? The game where Eric Lindros, Leclaire, John Leclaire, threw the glass at the ref and flipped the guy over, and the guy cut the referee's neck, sitting his neck with a yeah. skate, and the, yeah. the Ranger and the guy. A cut had to be taken away in the ambulance because he hit that guy so far. Wow. <laughs> I was at that game. Wow. Oh, my it's God. Game where the Flyers Rangers emptied both benches before the game started. It was the wasn't last that, time. Wasn't that the one where the, the, wasn't that the, one where the team surgeon or whatever actually had served in Vietnam and that was the only reason why the guy didn't bleed to death? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I know. Are you talking about the one where there was... Oh, we might be talking about different things. There was the one where there was an NHL guy. He got just a free kick where the the guy's skate, skate somehow got under his mask. Was it the goalie? I want to say it was the goalie. And basically, like, all of a sudden, the camera pans when they're like, oh, my fucking God, what's yeah, happening? The guy's literally yeah. bleeding to death. Just, yeah, like, that's when he fell on the ice. Yeah, yeah, he fell on the ice. And the, and the camera cuts of the way, and they're like, oh, my fucking God. Everyone's <laughs> freaking out. And turns out the... A team surgeon or somebody basically was right off. I don't even know if it was actually their their freaking medic. It was somebody right off a screen uh, happened to have been a surgeon in Vietnam or at least a medic in Vietnam and literally dealt with like bleeding to death guys on a daily basis uh, and basically patched him up. Uh, he had 30 seconds to do it before the guy basically bled to death and evidently the guy survived. Uh, apparently went back to freaking play like a week later, I want to say. I don't remember the whole details. If anybody remembers the whole details. Uh, oh, I for, do. For sure. I don't remember the team or anything. I do remember it, though. Hmm. I grew up with it was the goalie. Orange, man. Huh. Stanley Cup teams going through the early 70s. And then Terry O'Reilly. Terry O'Reilly. What is this? <laughs> Terry O'Reilly, he was known as Scarface. He had so many scars on his face, obviously. And he was too wide. This sounds like it's awfully copyrighted. Oh, yeah. You can't do this, Jacques. It's never been done before. Uh, it's made by the Canadian government, so I don't think they will oh. copyright it. Well, yeah, it probably is, actually. Maybe, but uh, it's, a, it's a Heritage Canada. Oh, shit. One of my favorite like gun channels made a parody of Mr. Rogers and, and like because if there's anything that screams Mr. Rogers it's guns oh that's funny as hell though um, a demolition ranch so they actually mm. took the video down oh Complete. I love that guy <laughs> so funny he like he like did his own parody of it there was different music playing he sang the song um, there was copy uh, copy uh, copyright free music in the background and everything and uh whoever owns the company of uh whatever their his kids or maybe Mr. Rogers' kids or whatever, whoever owns this company gave him a copy straight. And he's like, How did they I'm copy straight? I didn't even use their music. Like I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know actually. <laughs> Concept of Mr. Rogers, I don't know. 
He appealed to me. Maybe it was the sweater. Maybe the sweater's patented. Hmm. Putting it on with music playing back. There you go. There you go. Exactly. That process is patented. Cannot be used except for Mr. Rogers' family and by authorized users only. You have to request 10 cents. Family and friends disqualified. Uh, we <laughs> use that to to make some choreography and doing some wannabe rap over dance mix uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. And we're registered ourselves and being super proud of it. I don't know if you guys did it, but we're super proud to do it. We're feeling like a, playing the superstar. You know? <laughs> he's, he's right. So far, um, smash and grab one. Took yeah. it away. It did. The smash and grab. Smash and pick deal would have been another suggestion. Maybe I would say, uh, yeah, it's a, I don't know. I was thinking about it. Even if I were to cut it in half, it would still be leading. Yeah, like, right. Literally, even if I were to cut the numbers in half, it would still be ahead. Yeah, it was what, uh, like a 75%, something like that? It kind of looks like a middle finger. It kind of looks like they're flipping everybody off, man. <laughs> they're voting for that purpose. Uh, you know. That's it. That's it. Wait, I'm confused. What? What? You're smoking cannabis here. and you're confused, Smash? Pick and Smash is at 17%. That's, let's call it the knuckle. Smash and Grab is at 58%. Let's call it that the middle finger. Booty smashing oh, R is at 17%. Oh. Let's call that the third finger. And Lost in the Sea of Smash is uh, 8%. It. Call it that pinky. I'm not trying to actually flip it really off. Yeah, the, I realize that that probably looks like it. but The proportion are ideal. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of missing a thumb, but then so is your mama. Damn <laughs> it, I dropped oil. So accident. Probably one of those craftsmen. I was so confused. I was like, they're flipping me off. Yeah. Don't worry, Smash. I'm in the same boat. I was in the same boat as you were. Oh, you see? Now you, now you know. The I know you learn. At all. Um, Mr. Rogers was a fan of learning. You guys mind if I give a quick shout out to somebody? In the Please do. Cam, the Canna Man. I discovered him, I think, through a comment on another channel that I watch every once in a while. And, uh, He's a New England guy, no chill. He's got some gifts and cocoa running from Maine, I guess. And uh, he's got a nice little garden going. So I told him, uh, check out the show tonight. And if you did, I'd give him a shout out. He's like, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. He didn't even know about it. Just want to give him a shout out. He's here. I want to welcome him. I can't see chat. If you happen to see him in chat. Right on, man. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Yeah, man. Welcome to Hop On BS with us, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say, uh, I don't know, we might call it the next uh, 20, so we've got uh, a little yeah, bit left I'm going to get go. early, guys, because i got to get on my, my daughter has actually, she's going to work uh, school late tomorrow, because she's going to go uh, do a benefit Irish step dance in the morning, so there's some people that can't get out of, uh, I believe it's a, uh, we have some elderly geriatric, so I want to wish everybody a great night, always, uh, hopefully see everybody tomorrow night, right? Tuesday. Yeah, man. Uh, Weed and Whiskey Wednesday. See you then, man. Right on. All right, guys. Be good. See you, man. That was, buddy. Hey, Charlie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to attempt... <coughs> Excuse me.
course, I have to cough every time I talk. We're going to attempt. Oh, Bobby's asking, when do I have fems? I don't have fems yet. Uh, he's asking seeds. I don't have fems yet. Uh, uh, saw the seeds, misread it. No fems yet. Working on it. But like everything with Fumador, apparently it takes twice as long as I think it will. And then I tell people, oh, it's going to be. And then Morgana I fems would be fire. We're working on it. Working on it. Just got to find the right uh, donors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, oh. But working on it. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I got the question since you're breathing and stuff. For, Go ahead. Um, do you think that longer flowering can bring something that the shortest flowering strain cannot? And I'm, ta I'm not talking about the phenotype in the strain, but if you have to change between, let's say, 50 days uh, flowering and maybe a 10 week or 12 week, Is there something that you think that 10 or 12 week will bring that the shortest one cannot? I think traditionally the uh, the uh, profiles are very different. And so traditionally you do get, uh, ironically, somehow it seems counterintuitive to me. But again, I didn't realize until a little while ago how I'm not really focused, I think, on the plant medicine side of things like Gracie is. But I'm focused on that kind of uh culinary aspect of things so for me somehow it's counterintuitive that the longer flowering thing is the more racy and the more uplifting thing for me it just it always tracks that it would be somehow be the opposite but of course it's not that way the shorter flowering the stuff the, the stuff that's uh, traditionally afghan or even honestly the autoflower stuff from siberia is more traditionally i think Oh, you know what? I might be misspeaking on the autoflower stuff. Disregard that. But for sure, the Afghan stuff is traditionally more the sedative stuff. And that stuff flowers pretty quickly, honestly. Um, how do I say this? But you so can have traditionally, like 10, 12 I guess I'll finish my thought. Pardon? You can have a 10, 12 week with an Afghan. But sure, you have the sure. shortest one too. Sure. Uh, and then you probably also have short flowering uh, uh, ties and stuff too. There's phenotypic variation in, in any yeah. uh, uh, group of seeds. I saw that with Morgana. There's one phenotype. It doesn't come up that rarely, that often, uh, maybe less than 5% of the time. But she finishes in 45 days, like 45 days. And there are a couple of phenotypes in Morgana that people said like they could take it into week 10 and it still wasn't completely purple and whatever else. That one probably is like a, a 10 and a half, 11 weeks train, honestly, or, or cut, honestly. But then there's the 45 day one. Uh, uh, that's interesting variety. Anyway, I'm babbling a little bit. I'm far afield. I was going to say traditionally there was that difference, but I think that the, just because that difference was there doesn't mean that that difference will always be there. And I don't think that there is something intrinsically better or worse about a longer or shorter flowering uh plant phenotype so for example uh based on breeding or depending on maybe we find some new strains you know those strain hunter guys are always out looking for different stuff well for sure there's stuff that hasn't been discovered by any number of people maybe in someone's shoebox or uh you know people talk about all the time oh my grandmother's collected afghan seed for sure somebody there has some seeds that no one has seen before that come, came from a village that no longer exists in Afghanistan or something else. And those seeds will end up being completely counter type. And it'll basically, it won't track with anything. Like, you know, Kud is always on here and he's saying, oh, cupcake, you know, try that eight week, blah, blah, blah. Because for him, the longer flowering stuff is traditionally always the fire, fire, fire. All his strains that he's ever known, the long flowering stuff, when you let it flower long, it, it was something special. He said he let 
he'll go to like 18 weeks or something like that one time. Right. See, I, that, that, is, that is surprising it that it didn't kind of crash out. He said that it didn't crash out, but I mean, you know, based on the genetics, maybe that's the, the, the case. Um, my experience with T.O. hasn't been, I haven't had a chance to grow it all that much, but my experience with T.O. hasn't been that uh, that it, it, it was like this super long flowering plant, but I don't know. I'll, I'll try to grow it again uh, here in the near future. But what was I going to say? Um, uh, I hope I'm being clear. I don't think I was being clear, so I'll just finish yeah. wrap it up. Maybe I'm just repeating myself at this point. I probably am repeating myself. But I think that there isn't anything intrinsically good or bad about a long or short flowering time. And I think that uh, honestly, our kind of weed culture sometimes presumes that there is something. So for example, coot will sort of presume that there's something intrinsically good about a long flowering phenotype. I think once we find some genetics that are probably around, or maybe they can be hybridized or whatever else, we'll find some short flowering stuff that everybody would approve of, in, including coot. You know, because I mean, coot, how do I say this? If you gave him a joint and he smoked it and he liked it, he would probably be the first person to say, all right, you know, I was wrong and you were right and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's certain sesquiterpenes that you're simply not going to get out of a really fast strain that, that do take a certain amount of, because what happens is you have to have the monoterpenes start to break down and then those broken pieces recombine, you know, are recombined kind of like Lego blocks. Um, Over a series a of uh, multiple weeks, in other words. So you have to have those break down so many times in order to have the ingredients to create that sesquiterpene. Um, so that's why you have, that's why like aged hash is such a different one. In fact, let me pull it up because Frenchie was working on that. Remember with the... Ashishin um, Tharp? Yeah. Ashishin, yeah. What was it called? Hashishin. Hashishin. Well, uh, no, no, it's no, basically no. A, a synthesized terpene that is essentially created by the interplay of the hash maker uh, creating under slight warmth the hash. Mm. In a sort of into it like an amalgamated, I'm still describing it badly. Um, Here it is. Like that it's temple by uh, tech that he was doing with heating a it's bit. It's the temple balls that, are, that, that have the hashish in the most, yeah. A hundred percent. And basically the act of, uh, the act of kneading it, basically the act of kind of kneading it under slight warmth, uh, generated the hashishin apparently. So this is, this is the different, um, uh, flower, loose resin and pressed hash. Uh, and then you can see here the flowers harvested on, um, October 26th of 2020. And then they ran all the way through, April 23rd of 2021. <clears throat> and you can kind of see the difference in the different compounds as it aged um, and how the you know acids are breaking down more into the, the others. And then on the terpene side, you can see there's some huge differences uh, over time with some of the sesquiterpenes in particular, which I always thought was really cool about the study. And there's other people doing a lot of this similar work, but um, I really kind of shows you why, uh, you know, six months in on aging really is kind of the sweet spot. But I mean, just look at, uh, we're also talking about aging. How do I say this? I don't want to misspeak. Cause I guess I was just about to throw like three you things, see things like farnesine is go, you know, drops pretty quickly over time, but then you have other compounds, 
Uh, I'm trying to find one that goes up. I'm sure there's one on here. I'm going to find it. But so let's not talk about two things, though, because that's, I mean, those are two very different uh, subjects, two very interesting subjects, but they are different subjects. The concept well, no, no, of aging the hash after harvest, right, but then but also the, the generation of terpenes and, and, and sesame so terpenes. So that's and, still, it's still relevant outlet. because that happens inside the growing trichrome as well. You're having these, these initial compounds break down and convert into the other ones. That's the same way that it happens. And so that happens people. over weeks or over days or over months, or what's the story? So it, t- it can happen. It depends on the culture. Awesome. It can happen in a matter of a couple of days to a couple of weeks, depending on what it is. And I think that that's, that's why you have a difference in, in flavor from the older couple ones to the newer ones. Also, over a couple of weeks, I buy that uh, completely. But then, for example, when people do say, and how do I say this? I, and I, I don't say this with completely no experience, but then again, I'm not going to complain some, com, com, claim some expertise because I have not been able to do 14 weeks, 15 weeks or whatever. I've only ever really taken stuff to like week 12, but I kind of, I kind of do it all the time. I don't know. I'm always basically, I'm always preaching like, oh, keep to your schedule, keep to your schedule. But then I'm always trying to see like, oh, let's see what this plant does. And so I'm always taking stuff way longer. And sometimes it really is rewarding, but a lot of times it really isn't. And I've learned that basically there's this peak time, uh, both for the, uh, both for the looks of the plant, sort of the Instagram ability, but then also the, the flavor ability, you know, that point where it's just that ripe red tomato and the same thing for the ripe red tomato. There's a point where outdoors, dang it, I should have picked it yesterday. Like if you've ever basically grown tomatoes or really any other vegetable, there is a time where it's like, oh, it's perfect today, but tomorrow already you should have, oh, damn it. If I just picked it yesterday, it's still good. But if, oh, if you had just picked it yesterday with, um, terpenes, like I, what if you keep things cold, Steve? What if like you actually keep everything uh, cold at all times? Well, no, I think if you're, if you really want to properly age your hash, you get a, uh, a jarring system that you can nitrogen flush your your jars and take the oxygen out of it you know run it to a vacuum and then flush it with oh, nitrogen okay. and that would be the proper way and then store that in the fridge and that that should be good for like you know real fucking long time yeah for years um, yeah years Hard, that's years. interesting i should um, try that yeah no like the when we, we do, you do our, it right in a mason jar right we do all of our food packaging on the on the, on the bigger scale once we scale up here um, all of that stuff is nitrogen flush so that it has, you know, minimum two year shelf life, same as any other food product. I think you can have those caps for the messenger that you can do what you say with the nitrogen. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. You basically just run it down to a vacuum and then flush it with nitrogen and cap it at the same time. Yeah. That, they're not that... very expensive either. I mean, they're, you can get ones that you could do even at a home scale. Um, they do them all the time for like beer and wine and all that kind of shit if you're getting really into the specialty home craft stuff i get all this stuff is pretty you know easy to come by i always had to get a, a girlfriend to keep my stuff for a long time like just give it to someone that don't smoke or don't smoke as much on you um at least i was able to age my stuff and that was the funny part that was like okay you only give it to me at that occasion um Damn, I was happy to enjoy it. Because <laughs> otherwise I would have smoked it all by then. <laughs> I got given a, a couple pounds that were buried in my buddy's closet for like six or seven years. And we rosin, we sifted, we um, washed them. and Well, actually we dry sifted them. Um, and we washed a couple pounds just to see what would happen. But, um, uh, and then the uh, we pressed them into rosin and the rosin came out like red. 
from the T uh, from the CBN. And, and then um, it was really glass-like. Like once the rosin had cooled, it was like glass. Like if you tried to chip it off or anything, it was like like worse than shatter. In terms, it was like cold shatter in terms of just splintering into like glass shards. It was a, I've never had a rosin that had that same kind of like room temperature consistency. I've I seen the, that the Afghan guy, uh, Baba 78 or something like that. I uh, don't remember the number after Baba. Uh, he, he showed a, a slab of a really clean ash that had been aged a long time. And it had that glassy, like it was looking like a silex uh, rock at, at the tip was translucent with a, was really nice uh, to, to watch. And I have seen that th those guys, just by having a, uh, that kind of static in a, a metal ball, they, they can come out with something really nice. And I tried that tech, it worked well. If you tap a bit, you, you get only the nice trichome sticking in. Take a long time to do that. I realize I'm muted. Uh, I think that, uh, Potent, I think that that is actually common. Uh, with older rosin uh, uh, basically turning, first of all, red. I think that's actually a good explanation with the CBN. Uh, and then, uh, what was I going to say? I don't remember what else it is. Maybe the lack of kind of volatile terpenes or something, but they basically turns uh, glassy and, and uh, like shattery, basically turns to kind of a rosin shatter, basically. And it's super stable, like crazy stable. Uh, you can basically keep it out like room temperature and just break a hunk off. And then like you, you smell it again. Uh, and I say that for example, cause like I made, this is kind of on the way to that. I call, I call this uh Kief especial. Um, basically it was a bunch of Kief that I had from like four years ago or something. I can't remember. And I squished it on my rosin press and literally out of the rosin press, it came out like pine tar. It was crazy. It was really, really aromatic. Like it was actually really piney and super aromatic. And actually it's really, really nice to dab, uh, super stable. Like it has no smell. It has no smell at all, but as soon as I crack into it, or if I were to heat this up a little bit and just get a little bit out, the dab would be super, super, super piney. And it gives me that crazy eye closing effect. It's super freaking strong. Um, I guess I'm not making a huge point here, but, uh, no, but that's interesting that you say that it's piney and you've keep it for a long time and it still do that and you yeah, don't smell yeah. it from it. Uh, to go back really from uh, yeah. the breeding uh, stuff that uh, you say, I believe that what Steve have said about we may not be able for some aromatic uh, profile to go deeper with it, but with some stuff it may not work to to get a, a shorter flowering strain. But I'm kind of agree on you on the fact that I think we can find shorter things but there's a limit to it there's like the kind of a catch 22 i don't know exactly how many days it is but i've noticed something funny for a long time people cared about it have to get strong buzz short flooring short searcher and that kind of thing and it was like detecting what we we, we had to breed with but now a lot of like a lot of strain was taking less than 65 days and now it's 65, 70 days. Uh, it's normal. It's okay. But you don't see that as much, uh, the shorter flowering. So I'm starting to wonder exactly, is it because we get more educated and we try to enlarge our pilot and just trying to make a in-between for the commercial uh, 
things that if it's 10 weeks, it's pretty much a maximum that can fit in a year. Yeah, it looks so like you get a melted uh, Milky Way. Oh, <laughs> man, that thing like toffee. Holy shit. So he melted a Milky Way and then took a picture. <laughs> looks good, though. Uh, I just want to bite in it. It, it looked like sugary stuff. Yeah, that looks pretty good. That's Brie Gardner from BC. He did something like, uh, I think it was sifting wheat that been frozen and then they dried it in a, in a freeze dryer, something like that. He had a process. Yeah. He got a post with that, that he talked about that process. Um, a bit late i don't exactly remember how we did it i think it's the, that way i was like holy crap i don't know exactly how we do it but that seemed the most interesting technique i've heard lately for me i was always dreaming sometime like uh, when fumidor talk about the the sweet stuff uh, aromatic uh, profile and I'm like, oh man, make me think. Sometime I was, I wanted to bite into my butt because it was smelling so good. So having some good fresh frozen that captured that that flavor, at least it's good. It, yeah, it's an in between. Wait, look at this picture, uh, evil. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> Have you have you tried that one beside the Sensibear? Same I don't know. Bomb. Yeah. Always good. It depends on your fries. If you you got good fries, good cheese, man, it make all the difference, I guess. Pack the food, folks. <laughs> man, people were talking about the cheesesteak the other night, and I was like, man. If you got a cheesesteak and a poutine, you're feeling tough that night. Oh, dude, that's heart attack on a plate right there. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like... Have you heard of a Philly taco? <coughs> it's a slice of cheese pizza uh, with an entire cheesesteak in the middle of it. And you fold it up and you eat the whole Philly taco. Holy fuck. Right? I'm Let's down to it. taste it. It's probably pizza. good, but yeah, then you, someone has to punch you in the face because you just ate probably 10,000 calories. We used to get breakfast cheesesteaks, and it was a cheesesteak, and then they... Uh, Did you get his and hers cheesesteaks as well? With, with eggs and bacon and mushrooms all mixed together, and, and, mm. the, and basically like glued the whole cheesesteak, so it's like a solid like burrito of fucking omelet with like cheesesteak meat and bread on the outside. And dude, that was like you can eat one of those and not be hungry the whole rest of the day. I believe it. So good, oh especially God. if you've been drinking all night. Get one of them bitches, totally fill you up. You can sleep and like. Why, are, why is everyone in Philly so angry all the time? It seems like you guys should be all fat and happy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Seriously, it's a tough city. Everyone's like, bro, I'm from Philly. That's the gesture everyone always has. Like, I'm from Philly. And yeah, I always see you guys, I guess, I don't know, maybe lately I haven't seen you do it as much, but it used to be this kind of thing. Like, everyone I met from Philly was like, yeah, man, yeah, I'm from Philly. 
they're like fists are up i'm like shit it must be rough everywhere you go your dukes are up no i mean they had metal detectors at our high school and all it did was make us really good at getting past them you see but i'm just like (laughs) when there's a cheesesteak stand on every corner i'm just like Dude, everybody should just be like blissfully freaking snoozing out from just having had like cheese. <laughs> no, you know what's you know what's unique to Philly, and uh, you don't see this. And Charlie, uh, same he had to take off, but uh, um, so in Philly, you'll, you'll see dudes like at a corner uh, in like traffic selling pretzels. It's the only place I've ever seen it where they'll have like giant sourdough <laughs> soft pretzels that are balling as fuck. And it'll be like three bucks and a giant grain of salt on them. They'll give you like a little thing of condiment, like a little cup of ketchup or mustard. And they'll be like in traffic and they'll have like water, soda and fucking pretzels, like a cooler. <laughs> oh, no, that's balling. That needs to be a thing everywhere. Shit. <laughs> I was going to say like, yeah, traffic pretzel. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. A lot of them sell weed and shit, too. So, that's awesome. so instead of uh, having a squeegee and washing uh, the, the windshield, you just sell some pretzel in the traffic uh, jam, right? Why not? <laughs> Trade donuts, some pizza. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nachos. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Kenny. No, man, just uh, got off work. Uh, work uh, second shift now, so just doing later hours. Oh, oh you're doing so, a good bug now. So, Philadelphia yeah. people in Philadelphia on average consume 12 times the annual amount of pretzels. It's all at the light. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I'm excited. I bought some of your seeds, Fumer. Of course, I told you. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I saw that. I'm excited to send them to you. Uh, I yeah, hope you. I, I, I know you're gonna enjoy them. Not. I hope you're gonna enjoy them. I know you're gonna enjoy them. Oh, I know. Yeah, for sure. You can. Uh, I see there's a, another person did too, Fumer, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm sorry. Say it again, Didi. You kind of cut out a little bit. I'm sorry. I was just saying. Uh, someone else on Discord was just ordered some seeds off you too. It's pretty cool. You ready? Are you using an Airpigeon to send your receipts? You seem to have a good delivery system. Uh, evil Deadly Fart, I hate to say it. Uh, 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 Loch Ness Monster has eaten your package. So Evil Deadly Fart is still owed a package from Female's oh. giveaway of the... He won, I believe you... Uh, you got eaten by the mail? A little bit. Dragons. Dragons. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, it's still on the way. Don't worry. You're going to get them. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, maybe we need to do some business with uh, what, the, the Sigang or the Eagle uh, uh, postage uh, system. I don't know. A crow. I always think Magical about crows. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Man, when I saw all like the a whole network was... of crows that all they do is just deliver weed. <laughs> I'm not saying that doesn't exist. Maybe it does. You never know. Maybe well, it. I, I saw that some pigeons were uh, having a, a medal uh, from the, I think, 
whatever it was they were in the resistance in france in the world war Two. i was like holy crap even the pigeon got it because i know that some donkey and some horse and whatever there was like a kind of a Reward medal for the animal. In Dude, the a war. bunch of animals uh, won uh, medals of valor and stuff for doing all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, uh, dogs that saved like hundreds of people's lives because they could hear the the artillery shells coming ahead of time. Uh, there was that one sh- uh, a pigeon, the sacred cur. No, uh, you got shot a couple like of times. Still, Dude, seriously, got shot like five times. His leg was hanging off. Uh, it's oh. got shot through both wings. I think his beak was like hanging half off. He still, but he still, still delivered the message and saved like five hundred guys, basically as a result of that. Wow! Uh, have you seen the 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 guys that had the the big bird, a uh, big bear? I mean, sorry, the big bear. He had a bear in the trench with them, and I don't know for you, but oh, yeah. if you can uh, get the shell, uh, like uh, the shell shock. You just imagine if you the, that big beast get the shell shock and start oh, to yeah. panic in the trench beside you. Right. Not a great That's idea. the most scary thing I just think about. Right. <laughs> but I guess at that point you probably have bigger things to worry about. They probably figured. I don't know. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with the I'm... bear. <laughs> Bears got my back. The bear, the bear actually. So it fought with the Russians Watch in that. World War II, and it was a Syrian brown bear. And uh, which I, I think they're extinct now. Yeah, oh, shitty. Um, the uh, but they trained it to like drink beer and smoke cigarettes and shit. And anyways, it, it ended up carrying, always the first thing carried <laughs> uh, artillery shells uh to the fucking loader and shit like that. Like legit was like a trained soldier, and then it caught a spy too. There was a spy that was hiding in a thing. And the bear went in there, and all the soldiers were used to the bear. The spy, a spy, like you know, started screaming because he thought he was about to get eaten by a brown bear, and they caught the spy that way. <laughs> kind of a cool bear. Yeah, Yogi ain't got shit on that bear. And they they weren't they wouldn't let him uh, onto the plane or whatever when they were going to leave the one area, so they like made him officially a private, so that he would have to come with them, which is fucking awesome. He was like officially part of the military, but you know what's really fucking crazy? You want to talk about like weird animal shit? The fucking I got one. the Soviets tried to make a, a ape human super soldier. Well, about like breeding or yeah, Spy man cats. bear pig. Al Gore was right, man bear pig. Yes, you are. $25 million into this project, Spy Cat. Laser Cats? Oh no, Spy Cats. Yeah, Spy so, Cats, Spy Kitties in the Cold War. There's a whole thing on Scientific America about the, the Russian breeding program. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he Stalin tried to breed a whole half human, half ape warrior race. Well, also Stalin was a power crazed fucking lunatic. Yeah, he said many things. Scientific ethics of and Stalin's ape super soldier. But yeah, he, he had a whole breeding program dedicated to trying to cross humans with apes and create a, a like super soldier. You know, the they say. Pilot, really. 
Hitler wanted to have pure Aryans. Stalin wanted to crossbreed with other species. They're kind of very different on that one. Potato, potato. <laughs> they should make movies off of these, uh, like war animals. It's kind of like a Disney movie, but like for adults, but with these types of stories. I like I like your comparison. Kind of like a Disney movie, but for yeah. adults with much more killing. Yep. <laughs> it's Bad funny because Disney, Disney movies still have their like their funny things for adults. They're um, funny, but <laughs> with apes ripping right. their heads off. The pigeon you were talking about, his name was Gustav. Gustav. I'll get Jim stuff. I'm like, whoa, man. I'm not sure. <laughs> you don't want to spy Indians with their fucking warrior elephants uh, and the fucking Indians. I still can't imagine. Can you imagine a war mammoth with like a, a fucking well, like a whole bunch of fucking war elephants? Like, fuck, fuck that. your war I, elephants. I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna scare I, the shit out of your war elephants with our war mammoths. We're already breeding the. Uh, Reincarnating or whatever they do what medically. skin was uh, thicker? Did you I get that Jurassic fur on? No, uh, yeah, I think... You know, Dude, no think, arrows are getting... Well, I guess some arrows. But. Don't elephants are scared by mice? So I can get my army well, of mice say. against it? What if that's just a... What if that's just a stereotype and elephants are not really scared of mice <laughs> after all? I, I, I want to know. <laughs> kind of like how they just always watch. say, like, you're supposed to give cats milk, but no, you're not. Like, most cats are lactose intolerant. They're obligate carnivores. The fuck? I just watched uh, the new su- uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, I can't think of the girl's name. My but... condolences. Oh, yeah, it's oh the new one. Okay. It's still bad, but it, it's funny. I, I liked it a lot. It was a great movie. It's, ho- it's hilariously, like, bad. Because the first one was just bad, right? Like, not even hilariously, uh, just bad. It was like, Good. The first one was just made shitty, kind of. Mm. You, know yeah, you know what I thought was a little bit better than what the critics said was that Birds of Prey? I didn't think that was That funny. was actually really good. I still watch it whenever it's on. But the newest Suicide Squad got, like, badass new villains. It's got this fucking starfish. Like an alien starfish, fucking dope. Yeah, fucking dope. That's what I think of when I think of an alien villain. Though, is a starfish. That's <laughs> from the comics. He sucks people's brains, like, and he like controls them. I said it as a joke, but now I'm actually serious. Mm. Like, actually, it's kind of creepy. Have you guys ever seen starfish? They just they they, had, they don't have a brain, so they just crawl over stuff and then eat it. And like they just they they basically try to eat everything because again they don't have a brain so each individual arm is basically just constantly trying to eat stuff as it goes, and then every once in a while they're like oh no this, that's that's a rock oh no that's a rock oh that's a rock oh that's a rock oh that's a rock oh shit there's some meat there and then they basically just swarm into it and like rip it apart and like ingest their freaking bile or whatever into the thing, it's actually kind of creepy, so now to imagine like an alien it's starfish would be clams like, have doing eyes. the same thing. Clam, yeah, 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 clams and scallops. When you when you see that, you kind of can't unsee it. And they're beautiful eyes too. They're blue. They're like show beautiful you blue eyes, it. and you're like, what? Like the clams and scallops have like a thousand blue, and then they can kind of look at you because they can focus and stuff. Yeah, that's something. The world I think, is creepy. Yeah, I, that's something I think people need to see. That's so mm-hmm. dope, but it it makes you think very much. So, oh, I've said before, I don't I don't eat octopus anymore because they're way too intelligent. 
I mean, an octopus is, is tasty as fuck, by the way. So it's not like, oh, it's, he just doesn't like it. No, it's really delicious, actually. Uh, but uh, uh, they're just, they're too intelligent of a creature to, to eat. Like, I don't eat dog. I, I won't eat a dolphin. I won't eat a whale. I won't eat an octopus, you know. What about I realize that I do eat pig, which is actually, you know, like, what I basically convince myself that it's okay because pigs are kind of douchey. But. Yeah, but pigs are made from bacon, so it's <laughs> okay. Mm. What about squids? I, I eat like squid. squid. Like, Maybe I'm drawing the line too finely, but I do eat squids. I try not to yeah. eat cuttlefish, though. You, like, cuttlefish is available sometimes, and I try not to What's eat cuttlefish because I think cuttlefish are the really cool... Um, they look like a blowfish, but they don't really have spines. I don't think, but they, they can change their, their, uh, colors and stuff. They're, they're incredibly smart. Basically, uh, is the reason why I won't, uh, fuck with them. I've heard of them. I just can't think of them. Cuttlefish don't live very long. So you have to basically get eggs. Same thing with octopi. Um, otherwise they live for like a year. I I had, I had flamboyant cuttlefish for a little while in my seahorse tank and I had, like Were they flamboyant cuttlefish. though? That's a cuttlefish. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're actually delicious as fuck, like to be honest. Again, just like octopus, they're like... really tasty. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're super, super, super sea. smart. <laughs> I want to say they're one of the few animals that have actually passed the uh, mirror tests. But I don't remember right here. They have a sleep-like behavior. What else? They communicate visually with their, their skin coloration. Uh, there's this really cool video on YouTube. Uh, maybe I can find it here in a second if I actually look for it, probably. Uh, probably won't take me any time to find it, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, this one cuttlefish is like imitating... I don't remember a crab or something, basically as bait in an aquarium, basically trying to catch some from some food. And then this other cuttlefish basically is doing the same thing. And they kind of see each other and then they, they kind of freak out. They're like, wait, 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 no, 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 I'm a cuttlefish. Don't eat me. Don't eat me. <laughs> this is the funniest fucking thing. Uh hold on. All right. Let me try to let me try to find it. We were talking yeah, I need about, to see that before we I jump talking off. about scallops. I mean, check these out. Electric flame scallops oh. has pulsating light. And the lips. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but they're super cool. You can get them for your aquarium. They're pretty easy to keep. Really unique. <laughs> oh, it looked like a bad trip. And it's also video funny that, Yeah, it's also funny that like scorpions under black like glow. Like it's one of the casual things. A lot of caterpillars do too. If you're scouting your outdoor plants, you'll use a black light at night. It's easier to find the caterpillars. Yeah, yeah. people say it's easier to do scorpions. That's a billion dollar night. tip right there. Yeah. yeah. Great idea. Dang it, I can't find the video right now. Oh, you can't tell me that. I wanted to see it. Right? Yeah, uh, everyone get ready. A couple uh, minutes. Well, oh, three minutes. I'm ready. Me too. Oh, that's Wes. And cool. Holy oh, shit, look at this one. You gotta see this one though. This is like the most adorable cuttlefish. If there's anything that I can uh yeah, make up for, it'll be this one. The uh 
googly eyed stubby squid. Googly eyed thing. This thing is real. Oh yeah. It's real. It's not fake. It's a real squid. Look at that little thing. And when it moves, it, it's surprising. It's a little purpley googly eyed like thing. It looks like one of the old school um, Godzilla creatures. No, yeah, or it looks like, like something that would be a Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. right? <sighs> Super trippy. It's a great channel, by the way. Evil Nautilus, <laughs> if you guys don't know it. It oh, stick yeah. out There's so much. Stuff. There's another one like that called Ocean Explore Gov, and they do so same kind of shit. What do, I love watching the live feeds. I used to watch the train live feeds, but then I got kicked out of them all. <laughs> Sometimes I watch like in Africa, they have like a watering hole live feed. So just to uh, give you guys an idea, here's a caterpillar. Here's a caterpillar. Here's a caterpillar. Oh. A lot of caterpillars glow pretty hardcore in the black light. So if you're mm. scouting, you know, it's a it's an easy way to do it at night. That's cool. Good tip, Holt. So we're gonna put a a black light in the garden, have some good music, and just watch if there's caterpillar. One minute warning. It's a caterpillar party. Caterpillar. But you can get what you do is if you have kids or or whatever. You give them black lights and you tell them to go find anything that glows and pull them off the plants. Give them 25 cents for each caterpillar they find. There you go. A nickel. You you charge away too much. This is the same flavor. I find, has anyone else, like, I find when I harvest my crop, I find the more greasy ones, the ones I like gravitate towards. Like the like, it's like I don't know how to describe it. Like the trichomes are kind of greasy on it. Not like when I dry it, some of them are kind of dry. Like I don't know how to describe that. This one's like it's dry, but it's oh happy twenty. Happy four twenty, folks. But it's like I guess I feel like one more joint. I said we were going to cut the show, but uh, one more joint, and we'll cut the the freaking show. But uh, we'll make our leisurely good evenings and goodbyes because I got a water and shit too. You ever guys get that? Like one of the, one plant's just a little bit more sticky than everyone else. Oh yeah, that's and that's that's the the ones that you start to keep smashed. That's what we talk about with the whole, uh, you know, the the winning phenotypes and whatever. You always pick the greasiest one. I mean, every grow there's one that does a little bit better, and then you try to track what was it that that uh, uh, changed it. Was it the airflow? Was it the freaking feeding that you changed? You know, you try not to change too many variables. That was a great thing that Gracie said. Uh, even with the herbalism, she was talking about don't. Don't throw too many things at the wall to see what sticks. Try to change one, maybe two things. You know, she was saying up to three. I mean, that's already, you know, a little bit too much, arguably, for like a scientific experiment or whatever. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Well, if it's an experiment, you're going to want kind of. One thing at a time, really. Yeah. Know, control. It's going to be so controlled. Like, and yeah. 
You, you can make uh, you can make suppositions. You can make uh, inferences. You know that's that's what you can do as a grower, as a smarter grower, uh, who kind of experiments on the fly. You can make inferences, but you have to remember those inferences could be wrong, and a lot of times they will be wrong. Actually, like you'll make correlation that is not correct. They say correlation is not causation, right? Like you'll have things that like, man, nine out of ten times this one thing happened and this other thing happened too. Turns out they're unrelated. Every once in a while, that's that's unrelated. Sometimes they're related as fuck, and sometimes they're unrelated. Um, I really found how she said, like, oh, the plants are like our cough or something. It's the symptoms, and that's true. Like, especially when you're doing something where you're feeding your soil, that's going to be what needs the help, not the plant itself. Uh-huh. Ian just Thank hopped in. Uh, I don't know why, but someone was calling Ian a, a troll earlier, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, does, what? When? How? Oh, shit, when? Uh, why?" We used to say in Philly, uh, one, crime at a time. "One crime at a time." Even an idiot can pull them off. As long as they're doing it one at a time, you start stacking them up, man. Shit goes wrong. All right, so, don't stack crimes. One more dab with you guys, and then I'll probably just sign off. I don't know yet. What did I just say? I was going to roll a joint, then I promptly did not roll a joint. And Ladies and gentlemen, we started the show with uh, Third Coast Herbal Collective. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking that way. I hate it when people talk that way. Third Coast Herbal, not Herbal. Jesus Christ, I hate when people say Herbal. Third Coast Herbal Collective. Third time's a charm, ladies and gentlemen. I actually picked up a couple of uh, her products. Uh, I got her Phenom, Garlic, Paprika, and Salt delightful uh sprinkle it on some tomatoes uh, uh cucumbers if you guys uh, she says smoky savory rubber garnish uses desired on top of veggies eggs fish meat and more uh, i agree with her wholeheartedly uh it's got uh organic usa grown paprika pink himalayan salt and michigan homegrown gourmet garlic it's actually really tasty, honestly. I bought this. I really quite enjoyed it. Um, the garlic is otherworldly potent. So this little tiny jar is really, really, really potent. Uh, I quite recommended her. Uh, recommend her products. Super chill chick. Uh, she was at the the Regen conference. She was helping a lot of folks uh, 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 just with a lot of different stuff, honestly. And uh, uh, her partner seemed chill too. And uh, I don't know, cool people. So check them out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Third Coast herbal collective uh after that we basically bullshitted for a while and uh we're all joint and then i don't know maybe we'll slowly make our way uh out the door boys and girls was there yeah. a lesson did we learn anything today did we uh I got some, people i got some hot sauce from her and it was fucking amazing still haven't gone through it all yet uh sorry i was reading something uh else and got distracted what were you saying potent well, I got some of her um, hot sauce. Oh, right on, yeah. I was thinking about getting the, pot, the hot what sauce too, just... but then I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to travel with it. I probably could what have, actually, but I was worried it was going to crack in my bag and just get hot sauce everywhere. What kind of hot sauce, though? It was kind of, um, uh, shit, uh, how do you describe it? Uh, it's the uh, sambal, kind of sambal style. Uh, like, uh, not quite the, not quite pureed like the, the, the sriracha, but more like their sambal kind of a little bit more chopped up a little bit more like, a okay. Um, uh, with a visible, like pepper flakes in it and stuff. Um, was it, it is? What's that, uh, D? Was it medicated? 
no. Oh, RD, you just made me think of something. I'm going to make medicated salsa. Like chips and salsa. Just the tip? Everyone always says that stuff, but I'm just like, motherfucker, I would rather just take a capsule of RSO and then eat normal flavored RSO. It's or just normal for flavored a fun chips and salsa. No, I know. I dig it, but it's just like, how do you make food worse? Make it medical. Like, medic, make it medical. Like that, that's not always true. Cause like, uh, you know, I've, I've had some friends who've made like just killer brownies. I've always talked about my friend Fred who made those thousand milligram, like, I don't think you'd call it a brownie. It's like a brookie. It was like a brownie cookie. They were fucking baller. Uh, but most of the time I would rather just like take an RSO capsule and then just be done with it. And then, uh, uh, have a normal tasting ice cream or brownie or whatever else that's not fucked with. I know that that's an unpopular opinion. I realize it. I feel you, though. I know what you're saying. Might as well just get it over with. Yeah. I'm not the hot sauce. It's pretty fucking awesome. I'm not it's keeping up. It smelled good, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Medicated yeah. stuff doesn't really work. Like, I have to eat a lot of it. To, like, get See, hot. that's the thing, too. You know what I mean? Like, how much medicated sauce can you really eat? And when you medicate it high enough, then it tastes shitty. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? So it's an interesting problem. So when we were dosing all of our stuff for making um, seasonings and all that stuff, most of it was 2.5 or 5 milligrams per like average dose because most people want small amounts because they're going to add like a little bit to this and a little bit to this and a little bit to this and a little bit to this. So that they're going to add up to 50 or 75 milligrams across the meal, but you don't want to put all of it in the first thing they eat, right? You want to put it like spread throughout the different courses if that makes sense i think so i still stand by just take an rso capsule or not an rso capsule i don't really like rso i take uh i haven't for a while but i need to i need to make some more again uh, i used to make rosin capsules basically or even coconut uh infused coconut uh because i made that quite a few times infused coconut oil capsules. i don't mind coconut right mm-hmm. i want to make sugar yeah i moved away from coconut because it tells me i have stomach problems with the coconut uh, sometimes i eat a lot of it so I've heard that. i find the sunflower oil is like Works just as good efficacy wise, but it doesn't have like the side effects. Great, great. Get ready to bend over for sunflower prices because sunflower is uh, one of the number one exports of uh, Ukraine. No, their natural we just need uh, more babushkas to hand out more seeds. Uh, right, dude, that was the most baller shit ever. That babushka walks <laughs> up to the Russian soldier, oh, hands him cool. some sunflower seeds, and says, "Here, take these seeds and put them in your pockets, so when you die on our soil." The sunflowers will grow from your body. <laughs> that shit was yeah. ice cold. Ice <laughs> fucking awesome cold. Can you imagine the shiver that went through that fucking Russian guy's soul? Seriously, can you imagine that? Like, here, take these seeds. They will grow when you die on our soil. <laughs> fucking amazing. Like, there's right. no way that that guy is not still thinking about that. That chick, she lives rent-free and, in his head still to this and day. Her, and the kids that that lady raised are the ones that you're fighting. Ice cold. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Her fucking children and grandchildren are the people that are going to put you in your fucking grave. Jesus. Yeah, man. I mean, they deserve it. Shit. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no I reason. I mean, nothing wrong with I, the Russians. I feel bad. Well, I don't know. 
I feel some bad run for the Russian people kids. because they do always support shitheads. But go ahead. Well, no, a lot of those poor kids are fucking conscripts. Like they yeah. basically like hit a certain age. We're told, you know, now you're in the fucking army because you're poor. And oh yeah, now you're getting thrown in this fucking cannon fodder. Get fucked. And famously, Russia is at best at this point uh, uh, brainwashed to within a fucking. I don't even know how you would describe it. I mean, they've been, it's just full, they call it the fire hose of, of uh, disinformation. Uh, uh, Putin has been stage managing the propaganda for like 20 years now they've had. They control the, all the media. They've shut down all the alternative news stations, all the alternative uh, 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 um, like television stations are, are long gone. So basically it's all essentially state control. Um, there's been this creepy thing where even the Russian like social media influencers have been basically reading the same speech over and over again. And they show this shit on TikTok where it's like all the people's voices over and over again, just saying the same fucking thing. They're just basically like, uh, um, fire hosing it again onto the, it's, it's crazy and it basically works. And so a lot of Russian people are just really, really, um, misinformed about the world they believe a lot of really crazy stuff they believe that nato is basically getting ready to attack them at any given day you know and we hear about that stuff then we're like what what are you, what are you fucking talking about we're not getting ready to go to war what are you fucking talking about and they're like no but 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 they're you're 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 building up your forces on our borders and you're about to because their fucking media has been saying that for 20 years now it's really nutty you know but what are you gonna do Do That's a conversation limited, killer, isn't it? Do they have limited internet uh, over there? They do now. Russia just shut themselves off from the internet. Basically, as yeah. of like probably tonight, as of basically right around now, they pretty much they literally disconnected themselves from the fucking internet, and they're doing yeah, their, so own, like, their own version of the internet with blackjack and hookers. No, no, the the companies <laughs> that host the the hosting server companies that host like Google and Facebook and a lot of these other companies. They're actually directly blocking it because they uh, having to do with some kind of sanction thing. Um, That's it, not it. it. Actually, Russia is deliberately shutting themselves off from the internet. Oh no! I I saw that a couple of them did it before that happened in the last forty eight hours. No, uh, Google was uh, 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 pulling out operations from Russia. That's true, but that's not as if that Russians can't because that's not how the internet works. Really, it's not like they. No, can't access Google or something. It was or, one of the, like the major routing server sets for that for Asia and Russia mm. and shit, disconnecting them on on their own merits. I can't mm. let me find it. But yeah, Russia is now officially going like secret police. You know, there was Elon uh, Musk uh, has Starlink all over, so Ukraine can use it. Yeah, for what it's worth, I made fun of him quite a bit, but you know, I guess even the freaking internet trolls or whatever know what to do. I don't know what you would even call him, but whatever. He deserves props for, for this, honestly. Uh, he apparently sent a couple of truckloads of uh, Starlink servers into Ukraine and apparently directed some satellites right over Ukraine so they actually have internet even if uh, Russia shuts down there, uh, which they did shut down there towers hilariously russia doesn't even have encrypted communications now because their com uh, encrypted communications technology requires 3g 4g towers which they blew up when they entered ukraine big brain shit right there how <laughs> convenient okay. the, the companies that manage some of the internet backbone voluntarily decided to disconnect gotcha. them uh two days ago gotcha yeah 
So that means no more Russian porn, I guess. Oh, no. What are those poor brides going to do? <laughs> the poor cam girls. <laughs> I, I, I was watching a thing, a thing of uh, tracking for a plane yesterday. And some of them you can click and see the picture of the plane. Sometimes it just hidden, so you can guess what you want. But it was it was funny to to identify the plane and see where they're going and what it is. Kind of cool shit that uh, I don't remember the name exactly. I don't want to pronounce it. Flight Tracker Twenty Six or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Flight Tracker say, 24. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I guess I'm lost on that right now. Uh, I was going to say, um, I don't know why I'm so lost, but apparently I'm lost in that. Anyway, Ian is saying that, I guess it's because I'm thinking of something else and I'm high. Uh, he's saying that Elon said that the government was asking him to block Russian news sources. Yeah, there was a whole big freaking scandal about that. I don't know. I kind of see Elon's point. Like, I, I don't agree with the ISP being able to block news sources. And so, like, you know, Comcast for years was kind of caught uh, uh, sort of prioritizing some things behind the scenes or trying to anyway. And people are like, no, what the fuck? You're not allowed to do that kind of stuff. You just you're, you're a dumb pipe. You need to be a dumb pipe. That was always kind of the argument about uh, uh, how do I say it? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Net neutrality, what an antiquated subject that is now. But anyway, uh, uh, the, the net neutrality activists always used to say, hey, the ISPs should be at best a dumb pipe and should never be able to prioritize or deprioritize content. So in that sense, I agree with uh, Elon. That's the downside of basically being, he called himself, as he would because he loves himself so much, a free speech absolutist. Well, I don't know about that. But I, I, I do understand that... Uh, you shouldn't be like deprioritizing content, even if ironically you're allowing like Russian propaganda on the those uh, Starlink servers. But I mean, it's, it's kind of like a false question anyway, because I mean, it's not like the Ukrainians are going to be browsing Russian. Well, the Ukrainians are using Facebook. the Russian media right, right against them. Pardon? What about the Facebook's role in the Rohingya genocide? So Facebook is the, I mean, I've been on paper here or on record here many times. I think Facebook is a fucking cancer. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how a guy like Zuckerberg sleeps at night. It's probably upside down and covered in fucking blood, but you know, like, honestly, the guys he's, he, they actually have a slogan at Facebook company no, over meta, country. You mean metaverse. Or oh you, you fucking mean meta God. Now. Yeah. Like that's just the next step of his sadism. Uh, but no, literally like as a company they, like, behind the scenes, they have this slogan company over country it's just so fucking bizarre i don't know why anyone any country would say that or any company would say well obviously they prioritize themselves above that but yeah they are unironically re responsible for uh, uh 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 having groups organize and then once they knew the groups were actually organizing to commit genocide legit like facebook groups instead of like facebook you know i've said i'm into juggling there's Facebook juggling groups. So instead of like, oh, let's get together and go juggling or like have a, 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 a book meetup or something. Instead of that, it's like legit, like, let's go genocide an entire fucking population. And Facebook didn't shut it down because they just basically don't really care enough about moderation or anything like that. Uh, famously, speaking of moderation, they don't hire uh, moderators, moderators correctly. They famously have a problem with moderators burning out uh, from... Uh, uh, basically seeing uh, uh, 
child porn and murder content and everything else. And Facebook basically contracts out the moderation to these people uh, in the Philippines and whatever else that end up being basically mentally scarred for the rest of their life. It's a Facebook is a terrible fucking company. Like, I mean, it's like fractally awful. The more you dig, the more awful shit you find. I watched the South Park episode last night with like Butters was hired for like Ben Diesel and right? uh, John Cole Van Damme to like do all the good to filter the, like, the, the horrible content. Yeah. yeah, it's basically that kind of thing. No, it sounds stupid. It sounds like a joke or whatever that I'm making. But honestly, imagine it was your job to decide whether flagged content actually is horrific, disgusting child porn. Or is just someone trolling and accidentally reporting? Like famously, my channel has been reported any number of times for, I get lists sometimes, you name it, what my channel has been reported for. Thanks very much. I could say their fucking names out loud, but they can go fuck themselves with hammers. But anyway, uh, they have reported me for a number of just assorted colorful things. Clearly, those reports end up basically going nowhere because the the uh, uh, YouTube moderation team basically looks into it and says, oh, no, that's not happening. That's not happening. That's not happening. But guess what? Somebody that Facebook hires is responsible to actually click yes or no, yes or no, yes or no on those manual reports. And imagine that about half the time or more, it actually is those things. Imagine the fucking soul-crushing sadness that your, your, your psyche would feel, you know, animal uh, abuse all, and all this uh, shit. I was reading a paper. So a bunch of scientists were signing a petition for Facebook to release their data on how the metaverse and Facebook and stuff like that affects younger teen minds and, and uh, younger minds and stuff. And they and won't because like, it's oh, very, very negative. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they can't. Well, any minds, man. I've known adults who went depressed because of oh, shit on Facebook. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, man. It starts a lot of fights too. I feel like, um, I don't know. It gives like it. How do I say this? Sometimes it feels like they show you content that you don't like care for just to piss you off. Like if you're a Democrat, they'll show you like Still some Republican videos or something. You know, no, that's uh, like they, they make more money. That's that's the Facebook algorithm has been shown, proven to basically. This is actually kind of content in general. That's one of the reasons why things like TikTok and so on are just really fundamentally bad for the world. But uh, Facebook famously is okay with this. They 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 are aggressively okay with being a horrible company. Uh, their algorithm prioritizes. Um, um, why can't I think of the word I'm looking for? Whatever, agitation. You basically need to be agitated and essentially you will come, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. So they'll literally show you the most offensive friends that you have on your friends list. And I saw this a few years ago when I started. And believe me, I've, I've tried not to use Facebook uh, uh, mostly. Uh, how do I say this? Um, basically, because I know it's a bad company and I know it's a really bad influence. And I know even Instagram, stuff like that, I try to be very uh, rigorous about only checking it a few times a day and so on and so forth. Because I know like you can fall into this whole trap, uh, uh, even with something like Instagram, where it's just literally like weed pictures and stuff. But uh, a few years ago, I was basically on Facebook mostly for gaming. And even with that gaming stuff, some of my gaming friends, they would show me my most aggressively assholishly idiotic gaming friends, the ones that were oversharing crazy amounts of their relationship drama, uh, the ones that were literally advocating, literally, unironically, but literally advocating for civil war, on and on and on. Those were the ones at the top of my fucking feet. Every single 
single day, no matter what. And even if I would try to unfollow them or say, you know, I don't like this kind of post or whatever, you know, Facebook offers this the same fucking day. The next guy, I remember the guy's goddamn name in Nebraska, he's still probably advocating, you know, civil war, violent, bloody civil war, mind you, this guy is in favor of. And every single day on top of my feet, well, guess what? That riled me up too. And of course, my instinct was to respond right? Uh, they always say, what's the best way to get the right answer on the internet? Post the wrong answer. And everybody and their fucking uncle will come out of the goddamn woodwork and will try to correct you, right? That's engagement, drama, 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 drama. Facebook feeds off that kind of shit. It's, it's really perverse because that is obviously antithetical to civil society. That kind of, that's obviously not healthy, but it's great for ad clicks. You know, it's, 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 it's really yeah. repulsive when you th- think about it and talk about it and you realize that there are tons of businesses based on basically weaponizing you as a product. It's really sick. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, guys, I'm going to actually bounce off on that note. Cheers, dude. I guess we're in the babbling phase of the show. Yeah. I still haven't rolled a joint, so I'm going to roll a joint finally and babble less and let's, uh. YouTube YouTube cares about engagement, so if people hit your like button, subscribe button, and comment, or if they do all three, it really likes it, and then watch how much percentage of the video did they watch. Yeah, Um, uh, Yeah, all those analytics matter. And then keywords as well. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Be careful when you're tagging stuff. Uh, uh, Tags can get you, like, fucking banned and stuff. but I don't know. Yeah, uh, come hang on our Discord, uh, Fumadoro or Fum. What is it? Fumes of Gold or That's City it. of Gold? That's the one. Um, I need to find easier names that people can remember better. <laughs> <laughs> we're always there. We're like, I'm just tired. Um, I stream what Thursdays from our uh, from the channel in the Discord, uh, Smash Dab Bar or the Dab Bar. Um, in general, come hang over there every day. Someone's there to ha- hang out to smoke with. Um, a lot of people are working from home and they're stuck home a lot. So we we figured might as well be on there talking to at least someone other mm-hmm. than working our asses off while mm-hmm. we're working, whatever, from doing whatever. But all right, guys, have a great night. Be safe. Cheers, Smash. Have a good one, buddy. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Captain Calmag, for posting the uh, Discord link right there. Uh, it is the Fumidoro City of Gold, I think is what it's called officially. Uh, you guys are all welcome to join us. We uh, have a good time over there. Uh, Smash is uh, uh, holding court there pretty regularly in his little uh, dabatorium or whatever. He, uh, what do we call it? The Smashed Dab Bar. That's what we call it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, D has his own room, but D hasn't started up a room lately. Uh, well, maybe we should ask D to start up a zombie uh, a room one of these days. But anyway, folks, we have a fun time there. Yeah, we usually just join a room. Fuck, where it's late. It's the end of the show, and we didn't do anything with that goddamn discard photo contest. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. We'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm too fucking That's late. That's right. Smash you is gone did. now. It's going to happen tomorrow. We're a bunch, and none of us have just remembered that. You said it last time. Right? You're good. At least yeah. you're the one that remembers. At least I'm the one. There we go. So we're there to help you remember by yourself of it. You see? Happy to be there for that. Nice.
Proof. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm smoking a little bit of Michiganja. I realize now that this is going to be a mixed joint because some of it is quite purple and some of it is not. So anyway, this is assorted Michiganja. Um, probably something from Tommy in here. And I don't know what the purple thing is, but anyway, something purple. That's exactly right, D. Something purple. <laughs> Cheers, my friends. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You guys uh, had fun. Uh, oh, I forgot to answer Evil Deadly's Farts uh, question. Been busy lately. I don't know if I have time uh, to listen to any. I honestly haven't been listening to many podcasts in general, I have to be frank. Because uh, just not, somehow not, I don't know, not enough time to focus or something? I don't quite know. Anyway, maybe I'll get back to it one of these days. Uh, but good question. Yeah, I, I was asking that too because it, it's a, a subject that you talk about in your own language. Maybe it can be funny to listen to that same kind of thing. But I would more suggest kind of cartoon stuff. To me, it was more an association with what happened and what they're saying. Well, this is, by the way, a very pretty joint. I always like it when you roll up a joint there's just like model pretty you guys can't see this but you can take my word for it you know model green and purple and whatever it's just a nicely aesthetic joint uh evil deadly fart actually there's something to what you were saying uh there's something to both perspectives so to the to the context of or to the to the perspective of listening to simple stuff that you could probably understand like cartoons or whatever else you could probably figure it out because it's not super complex words there's something to that because your brain will kind of analyze the words and be like, oh, okay, I can kind of figure that out. But there's also something to what you said earlier, where if you kind of know the subject, but you don't necessarily know the language, there actually is something to listening to that's been shown, listening to just basically cultural uh, uh, language. Uh, I'm forgetting the exact word for it. But anyway, the language immersion, basically, when you listen to real uh, uh, native speakers talk about stuff in their native language, not like learning speak, not like, the cow is going to the store. The cow is near the store now. The cow is next to the store. Look at the cow. Of mm. course, no native person talks that way, right? But uh, they would talk about like we do, basically. If you were to have a conversation like us and you were to send it to an Italian person, uh, that Italian person would listen. Maybe they know something about weed. Maybe they know something about the conversations. Okay, they probably don't know anything about the shit we talk about because we talk about everything like food and drones and cameras and this so this show is a bad example but if you were to find a show that talked about literally like let's say one thing like weed for example and you sent it to an italian person that doesn't know any english but they know weed they could listen to it and actually over time they would start to pick up quite a bit of the structure and intonation and kind of the the idea of the language it's been shown that that actually is really helpful in language learning so then in the process <clears throat> Obviously, then you actually do have to learn the language. But then in the process, if you're doing like your mango languages or whatever the fuck, uh, then your language learning actually accelerates uh, tremendously, like disproportionately above that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've noticed that for the intonation and so, like sometimes the emotion behind, yeah. it, it, it's fun to pick up. But when you got a really different culture, like maybe some place in Africa or Asian culture, you'll be like, I think they say that thing, but maybe not. They pronounce it differently, and it's kind of confusing, and then you mm. have to adjust a bit to that. But, you, uh, yeah, it's really 
I like that kind of thing. Uh, I, I will watch something soon. It's on my list of things to watch. Uh, how to communicate with uh, a new la- language. You don't know anything about those people. How will you communicate with them? Uh, when you think about it, uh, speaking of that, when you think about it, babies are just like a foreigner. They have no idea uh, the language that you're speaking, and they literally rewire their brain or wire their brain in their case uh, to understand the language that the people around them are speaking. That means also the kind of visual languages, the facial cues, all that stuff, the emotional cues, all of that. The babies literally wire their brains to understand that. So when you learn a new language, you actually essentially rewire portions of your brain. Of course, as an adult, you have a disadvantage. You are rewiring instead of wiring, but you basically rewire your brain a little bit to understand those same kind of speech and facial patterns, visual cues, audible cues, uh, uh, subconscious cues, on and on and on. And that's one of the reasons why listening to Uh, native people talk is beneficial because you're actually getting your brain subconsciously to sort of rewire that cultural, uh, whatever, that fucking cultural, uh, why can't I think of a word that's less fucking douchey than milieu, that cultural, whatever, all the shit, basically, you know, like the the sounds that they're making, the, the, the intonations, the tone of their voice, the the way every culture has different ways of being angry slightly or being happy or expressing things you know they'll emphasize different parts of different words on and on and on and when you start to pick that up basically even without really understanding the context it's shown that that's really helpful i realize we're babbling right now but whatever oh yeah uh, it's interesting when you live that kind of thing you're in the middle of a place you're stranger to that language and you just Right, you're just soaking. For example, people have learned languages faster when they get dumped into that foreign place than when they do when they're in the, uh, uh, their own home. Anyway, go ahead. Go on. Yes, I expect these foreign babies to speak English. Uh, obviously they do. Yeah, they, they obviously do. Welcome to the world. Sad. Exactly. I do think it is weird with the language thing in America, but the language of our economy is English. You go to any other country, they expect you to adopt, or at least for the purposes of, of you know, economic purposes of, of you know purchasing goods and services, they expect you to speak the local language. You know, and I've gone to many different countries and had to learn at least enough to be dangerous with Shona and Patois and some other things. And yeah, you're just what you're saying. It's a lot easier to to pick up when you are immersed in it. But I don't I don't understand why people get so angry about the language thing in the state. Like we're literally the only country that thinks it's offensive to like have an official language. It's really bizarre to me. I don't understand the point. The the uh the US doesn't actually have an official language. I know it's just we're the like de facto language. The only countries that doesn't and that that's my point. Well, because we have literally every single country, we have every country represented. We have literally every country oh, yeah. represented as a as a but, immigrant group, and we, basically, we don't have to have a. I'm I'm completely in favor of it. We don't have to have an official language. It serves no purpose. Like well, all it would serve is to a purpose to isolate, basically. Does. Pardon? But for governance and economic trade, it does. No, we already know. English is already the default lingua franca. The word lingua franca literally means the language of French. But basically, the lingua franca was the most commonly spoken uh, aristocratic right. diplomatic What's language. That? So they basically, it, it became the default language. Well, now English is the default language 
worldwide, everywhere you go, the chances are that someone, how do I say this? Chances are if someone doesn't speak their language or also speaks another language besides their language, they'll be speaking English. Like that's the overwhelming majority of the time people will speak English in Europe, in even in France, they'll pretend at first not to speak English, but almost all of them will speak English. Even in Russia now, uh, they uh, teach English as a second language, on and on and on. Actually, during the Cold War, they taught English as a second language. So, what are your, so, so a lot of other countries have at least a very basic um, understanding of the language as part of their citizenship. What do you think of that? We do too. I mean, you have to speak actually English. Well, you do too here, actually. Okay. I mean, I think you, I think yeah, yeah, you, I, was, I, I think you wrong. can get away with it, like with some certain interpreters and stuff, but generally there's like an English test and stuff. Like uh, my mom took the citizenship test and she had to speak like okay. certain things and understand certain things and you have to understand certain phrases and whatever. I think, a, I think there's a language component to it. Oh, yeah. Just a kitty going nuts. <laughs> These kitties going crazy. Kitties <laughs> go crazy. Apparently. Anyway. What's going on, Bacon? Cheers, buddy. I finally rolled my joint. Now it's time to light the joint. Ladies and gentlemen, we keep promising to leave, but we kept not, not doing it. I just want to say, uh, I appreciate that comment you made. Uh, on Putin, uh, on Putin's show about uh, like all these podcasts that's talking about like you know teaching you how to drive the car basically, not really digging into the, the nuances and right. I basically knowledge. said, imagine if Car and Driver and Motor Week and whatever else you know, what, you know, whatever the fuck other car shows, if they all basically focused on. And today we're talking about reversing. What's your favorite way to reverse? Do you like to reverse this way or do you like to reverse that way? What's the better way to reverse? Opinions differ, you know, or just other random stupid shit. Like today we're going to talk about turning left. And how do I say this? Like, it's always just this beginner shit basically. And I guess there's a place, there's a time, there's a, everybody's a beginner at some point, you know, that I'm not, I'm not disrespecting beginners. Everybody has to learn at some point, but also there's a place for the amateur. There's also a place for the expert. There's a place for the people to move forward. And for some reason, there's this kind of, I don't know what it is, but there's this, this the cannabis is perpetually stuck or the cannabis scene is perpetually stuck in the kind of beginner state where everyone is always catering to the people who are just starting. And I'm just thinking to myself, everybody I know in weed has already been doing it for a very long time now. Like there's still tons of beginners and they are all welcome and, and they're welcome on this fucking show. Like they're welcome on the panel. I always say like, you don't have to be an expert to come on here. Actually, I probably should say it more often, but I'm saying it right now. You don't have to be an expert to come on the panel, have a sincere desire to learn, have a sincere desire to talk. Come on up. That's fine with me. Uh, but how do I say this? We're not going to cater this conversation to beginners because it would bore the ever-loving shit out of us. Honestly, like none of us here are beginners. None of us. Most of the people watching are not beginners. Some of the people watching have been doing it for 30 fucking years. You hear this all the time. Uh, uh, Bud Kilowatt was here just a bit ago. He's friends with uh, uh, Masonic. He's been growing apparently for 20, 30 years now. Who else was in the chat a while ago? Uh, Jeff Papalia. You guys should see the fucking pictures he sends me of his goddamn garden. Uh, he's been growing for a while now. He doesn't want to sit there and listen to now we turn left and now we put it in first gear. And after we put it in first gear, you know what we got to do, ladies and gentlemen, when you speed up a little bit, you got to put it in second gear. Next week, we'll get to third gear. Stay tuned. You know, I mean, this is, it's, 
Obviously, I'm being facetious, right? But that's 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 how I was kind of thinking about a lot of the weed discussions that we have. You know, just fucking beginner shit after beginner shit after beginner shit after beginner shit. Yeah, and I the, think as the, a beginner, go ahead, Bo. I was gonna say. I mean, that being said, my number one video, like, and this is many years since 2016 on my channel, has been how and when to top your seedling. Undoubtable. On, on day to day, it's that number one most viewed video on my channel. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah. at least at the I beginning, mean, I, after they get hooked, no. Yeah, but it's just funny because it was literally a video I did, just one off, like, ah, someone will find this interesting, but probably no one, but, you know, whatever, I'll do it. it ended up being literally... That's the perpetual thing with channel. YouTube. The beginner shit, there's always, like, a 90% drop-off. There's, like, a pyramid-style drop-off in any interest. People dabble their toes into it. Some people get quite into it uh, for, you know, a few weeks, but then they gradually lose interest. Photography is famous for this. Uh, camera companies have exploited photography hobbyists uh, uh, for ages. They'll basically convince them that they need three or four lenses all at once. And the photographer gets super excited and they spend, you know, five grand on a few lenses. And then they realize they're not really that interested in photography and the shit sits, sits on the shelf. And they develop a whole guilt cycle that the photography companies used to actually manipulate and would get the people to buy a whole new camera and a whole new set of lenses. And these people never really liked photography in the first place, but they were guilting themselves into constantly spending more money. It's kind of pathetic, honestly. There's probably other hobbies that do the same thing. But long story short, a lot of groups start things they'll start growing you see this a lot of the time i used to see it a lot of times in shows like the the grow tube round table and stuff there'd be a, a bunch of new growers every week or every couple of weeks and it's oh i just planted a bunch of seeds and you'd see them come back to the show for a few weeks but then after a few weeks when a few problems started to happen they started to drop off and they never came back because they just kind of lost interest okay and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that i mean if they found another interest and that other interest clicked with them that's good. You know, like you shouldn't always throw good money after bad. But at the same time, I'm always thinking to myself, like, there's enough of the beginner content, you know, like Mr. Canucks Grow and so on. He does these amazing fucking like time lapse videos and everything else for beginning. And he gets fucking 8 million views and whatever. Else. Good for him. Right. Good for him. Uh, but then at the same time, there has to be some other content out there for people who have been growing for 20 years or for 10 years or who want to know more advanced techniques or whatever. I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of ranting like open-endedly. I'm not disrespecting uh, new growers, and I don't think Kenny's uh, disrespecting new growers either. Uh, I was a new grower myself. I remember what it was like to learn and wonder and all these different things. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I am tired of so much of the content being kind of on an enforced level at the beginner level. And so that's one of the reasons on this show, I try not to ever, I try to always explain stuff. And when some of us get into super advanced conversation, I try to, oh, by the way, Coot is talking about such and such. I'll try to summarize it. But I try also not to dumb down the conversation and make it super beginner level. You know, like we're here talking about advanced level shit and that's what we're into. And that's why I make apologies for it. Go ahead. I stuck with Coot because, uh, you know, he, he gives you the soil mix and then he also breaks down mm -hmm. which ingredient and why he uses it. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. What it does. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, man, I dig it. Yeah, I, I, I would say that one thing that I find important when you talk about anything and to someone that you don't know if it's on the same level than you. You you can always 
tell him like I got the source of what I'm talking about. Here's the paper. Here's maybe another opinion on that subject. Make your own mind on it. Go go deeper on that. Here's the two articles that I've came out with, but maybe you got something else. Or I I like to dig on those papers because with time I understand way better what I'm reading. Yeah, it's by forcing yourself going search. Oh, what's that word? Why did you put it that way? And one shot I remember reading how they they do they do their paper of their article are all the formulated to so so then I've understand which part was more relevant for what I want to know and sometimes there's just one sentence in a super boring text that is super important but some of those uh, paper it, they they talk about the, those sentences that are important to to put it back in the bottom of the mm. The paper so anyway just read the whole thing because it may not be at the bottom but yeah always interesting to know the source of what people talk because sometimes a new study gonna come out the next year and they will find out a new detail about it or maybe it wasn't the way we were thinking we always change our mind after a few years i mean for breathing at least i've changed my mind many times because I was arguing with someone till I'm like, okay, how can I try that thing? I want to see it too. And I've tried it and I was, oh, okay. So how we do more complex than that now? (laughs) You're right. (laughs) And again, like I said, I'm not trying to to say that noobs are unwelcome or something like that, right? Like they're, they're perfectly welcome here. I think honestly, uh, how do I say this? I've never personally been really drawn to like noob level discussion, you know, like any kind of interest that I've ever been into. I very quickly kind of try to identify who are the people that know what they're, what they're talking about. And I try to gravitate to listening to them. And, you know, I'm not always right about that. Sometimes I pick wrong and I'll follow, uh, you know, I don't know what's a good example. Uh, you know, I'll follow up Peter McKinnon or something for a little while thinking like, oh, okay, that guy knows what he's talking about or something instead of following somebody like Lindsay Adler, who also has a YouTube channel. Well, she's a fucking expert at her craft. Peter McKinnon, I mean, he's an expert at his craft of being a YouTuber, right? But if you were a noob, you might not know the difference. Hey, that's understandable. But after a while, you, you know, you start to figure out, okay, probably that was way too esoteric of an example. Peter Bergman, or nobody knows who the fuck I'm talking about anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, I could just say Mickey Mouse and, and uh, uh, Bugs Bunny. The, the example is more important than the names. Uh, what am I going to say? Uh, um, all I'm trying to say is there's a time and a place. That's really all it is. We don't have to make a big old fucking discussion. I know what Kenny was talking about. I appreciate it, dude. Cheers. Uh, and again, you know, it's just it's just a part of the discussion. I'm not trying to say that noobs are not welcome or fuck them off or anything else. It's just like the advanced level discussion also deserves a place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we don't yeah. have to apologize for it or feel that it's bad or anything else. And I don't know. And I keep also also trying to remember to remind people remember to remind fuck, I can't talk when I'm high. Uh that so much of the discussion is centered around the commercial aspects of cannabis. I remember a few weeks ago, I was arguing with Coot at some point and he was like kind of relish, you know, relishing the demise of the commercial growing. And somehow I was like, I found myself in the weird place of defending like commercial craft cannabis. And I felt, I was like, wait a second. Why, why is this even my position? I, I, I have like no dog in this fucking fight. Why am I defending this? And I basically kind of flipped the script. Somehow Coot like backed me in the corner that I didn't even belong in. Uh, uh, how do I say this? A lot of times the discussion ends up focusing around 
And again, no disrespect to people who do it professionally, like potent professional level cannabis. The professional level cannabis is the stuff we were talking about. A lot of times is designed for the shipping truck or the shipping container as opposed to the customer. Whereas a lot of the stuff, the home grow stuff, the, the, the dedicated hobbyist, the craft grower that's growing for himself, herself, her patients, whatever, you know, their family, they get to pick that ripe red tomato. And those are the people who get to kind of live the passion these days. You know, back in the day, maybe there were other groups of people who got to do that. But these days, I think the people who get to do it are the ones who really aren't doing it for a living. And a lot of times I know this because I have felt pushed out of the whole cannabis discussion. Uh, a lot of times I think they get pushed out of the discussion, you know, like they, they, uh, um, they are going to be the ones that carry the actual cannabis culture forward. I think not the people who run dispensaries or whatever else, you know what I mean? Like the manager at target doesn't, doesn't set the cultural tone for the city of Portland. I mean, that, that's when I say that, that sounds fucking stupid when I say that. Right. But I mean, literally the person who manages the local target which is probably the biggest retail store, the biggest freaking by volume retail store. Nobody gives a shit what they say in terms of clothing culture or anything else. They're not a trendsetter or anything else. So why the, why would the manager of a dispensary matter for fucking shit? No disrespect to that person as a human being, but as like a cultural trendsetter or something, my ass, you know? I don't, I don't even know how to finish the sentence exactly, but I just I feel like the entire discussion oftentimes is, is misplaced and strange. You know? I, I've noticed one thing. Uh, a lot of consumers that may be new consumers are that kind of a cannabis sommelier. That they are really trying to know the strain, the taste, the finest, the maybe the cure. Like, they, they worry about detail that I'm like, whoa, man, okay, I understand you. But I've seen that in another thing I was working on. But in cannabis, I'm happy that it happened because I was waiting for that, that people start to appreciate the fine detail and how it can, how things can make a difference. But to me, it's not always about finding what's the best. It's I've been used to have what I can have more. So I've been like used to that kind of mentality that I try to come out with the best. But if my friend give me some bud that are maybe not the best, the strain is still good. Uh, if not, like handle it properly, but it's still okay. Sometimes I can get a good experience and I'm enjoying the fact that it's from my friend. But uh, I mean, people you know, that buy Gracie don't was talking want... about that earlier today. Uh, Evil Deadly Fart, she was saying closed loop without being closed off. And it was actually a, a deceptively complex thought. Uh, not surprising because uh, Gracie's a, a, a very a smart woman. How do I say this? She was saying some of these folks will be uh, closed off mentally, right? And you're basically describing a, a way that you could be closed off mentally. We, we were talking about this not too long ago, I think, on this show, how some people are judgmental about how you smoke, what rig you smoke from. Oh, you only smoke bongs. I smoke from fucking what I don't even give a shit. It doesn't really matter. I only smoke joints or whatever else as if it's like a good thing fucking cares nobody really matters or it doesn't really matter in the long-term uh, uh, uh scheme of things like uh perhaps i'm already too high and i've taken that too far afield am i way off base now evil deadly fart no no but it just to, to me uh, it, it, it's fun that it all those people get that knowledge and appreciate the fine detail and can be critic about it 
But to me, I've been using a more. It, it, it's my thing. I appreciate all those things too, because I've worked in, in, in a similar area that was tasting and everything. But like, that's what me, I meant to say. If you I can only afford, toity about it, that it is still ultimately weed. That as much yeah. as you. You know, uh, and, you know, I honestly, I nerd out on the freaking weed. I'm not going to make apologies for that. Like, oh, I detect this and I detect that and whatever else. And I really, really enjoy uh, really complex, good cannabis and complex, whatever. But I'm not going to turn down like a joint that you gave me. You know, honestly, like if it has molded or something, yes, I'm going to turn it down. I have to be frank with you. But like if it's not the perfection on earth i'm still gonna fucking smoke it because i just I, I enjoy weed you know what i mean so like if if i meet someone on the street and they say hello or whatever they like, hey if you are what's up buddy i'm not going to be like no i only smoke my weed and with all respect actually nick risden at the regen conference he was literally like that he's like yeah i pretty much only smoke my own weed <laughs> so i laughed wow. i was like man you would be the perfect portland fucking hipster because no i i no I, I only smoke my weed uh Farmex, uh, was, he was, we were cracking up not too long ago because he went to, I won't even say what, but he went to a meetup of some, just the, the people, basically the hash people pretty much in Oregon. And literally everybody was kind of just smoking their own shit. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's just, no, 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 no. And my, these are the people. These are the people you could, I mean, for anyone could smoke their fucking shit. I mean, it'd be like, oh man, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's what, but these guys are just like, no, oh, fuck people, dude. Wow. So you, I, I, I agree with you. Like, if, if that's at least where you were going with that, I'm just yeah. like, no, man. At that point, you need to pull a stick out of your ass and remember that it is still just fucking weed. Same thing with wine. Uh, and by the way, I've had the most delightful wine the other day. I have a friend who knows wine, and so I poured this. Oh my god, it was delicious. Like, um, it honestly reminded me in the best ways of the the scotch that I like to drink, like the scotch and bourbon and stuff, like medicinal and band-aid-y and salt watery and salty and a little bit smoky and whatever else. It was fucking delicious. My friend knew a lot more about wine than I did, so I took their word for it. But sure enough, it was fucking delicious. But at the same time, how do I say it? I know my friend will chow down on freaking two-buck chuck. Well, now it's like three-buck chuck. You know what I mean? Like uh, when you are too snooty to enjoy just some fucking table wine, you've got problems. If you make right. me smoke something of your things and you say, oh, you know what, that batch of not dry it probably, it's not the best representative things from the best for me, uh, but that's what I got, that harvest, whatever, you know, you give me that and you give me the clone of it and you're like, like, try it by yourself. Maybe uh, next year it's going to grow better in your spot. And for my own area, I've seen it. Like, uh, I was growing on the side of a mountain, my friend the other side. Same clone. We had the different result, but we use the same thing. We're like, oh, mine is a bit more sugary. And his was a bit more peppery. I don't know how more said or a bit more. And I was like, oh, it's the same freaking clone. It just does the other side of the mountain and Eva was harvesting five days later i was like okay it cannot be a biggest difference but it may be that but maybe it's the soil on that side and that side of the mountain because the way that we're describing the soil it was different so it may be a small difference for the soil or your drying process or whatever for the the grape it's something you can i, I can take the same grape than you uh, and 
do do the same kind of style of uh, Porto or whatever one you do. And we're gonna with the Porto at least it's interesting because you have to stop the fermentation to to still have some fruit, still have some uh, more uh, yeah a bit more uh, fresh fruit uh, flavor in it. So when you stop the fermentation, if you want to age it or not, when you stop it, what was the the degree of a uh, sugar? I, every every detail is important. Even the the yeast that are around all all the the microbe can make a difference. One place we're using a UV filter with the osmosis uh, for the water from a well, and the other place was using another well. And why they use a well? They're not hooked to the municipal uh, water. It's just they believe that even if they filter it, it can be a, still a difference in their things. A different microbi- microbiology in the area, all that can make a huge difference. So, yeah, to, to, to me, it's always like, okay, maybe that one is not the best, but you can have that same thing in the hand of someone else and came out with the best finest of it. And maybe it's just as good, just a different version. Thus, begin the question. But Kilowatt is saying, and after years of having 40 to 60 lights go on, a couple of years ago, he thought the best way forward was downsize to 20 lights and focus on dank. And still have never taken less than 2,000 bucks for a pound. Nice. Right on, man. Ladies and gentlemen, I think uh, we're finally going to wrap up the show here. We've actually made it to another 420, just about. So by the time we say our goodbyes, I think it's going to be that time. Uh, who wants to be first? Uh, we'd never killed Kenny. You look like you are yes, in an sir. active mood. How about you, my friend? Uh, how can people find you and all that, the, the good stuff? Uh, you just hit me up on Instagram or Phoebe's Discord. No, man. Cheers. Yeah, man. Nice to see you. Peace out, guys. No, man. See you. Evil Deadly Fart, one of the funniest names in the entire scene. How can people find you? Thank you, Mel. Uh, uh, on this card would be the easiest way to find me. Um, I would try to put out more content on Instagram, but uh, yeah, I, I would get back to it. I, I had a, a start of a story with my thing, so I would try to go forward with it. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're chatting about it on Discord, and we're having some good idea on uh, how to start a small trend on Instagram to have some fun. So yeah, maybe uh, may I don't know what I come up, gonna come out with, but it was a good idea to start. <laughs> so yeah, have a good night, guys. Cheers, have a good one. Christophe, uh, à bientôt, mon ami. Nous quittons. Yes, we go. Yes, mon ami. Uh, bah, uh, good night. À bientôt, my friends. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, c'est tout le bonheur, mes frères. Uh, Cheers, de France. Big <laughs> force. Je vous, vous adore. Seven. Donc, vous êtes dans mon cœur. Big force. Uh, uh, D, brains as always, fresh. Mm. Brains. Uh, brains. Oh. Uh, 
You can find me on Instagram at the underscore zombie underscore. And hit me up on there. I'm giving I'm doing a giveaway at ends on St. Patty's Day. That's and cool, also dude. you can find me here tomorrow, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturdays on Jersey. Brains. Brains. Uh, coincidentally, in a complete and total coincidence, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know. You never see the the, the zombies coming when, when you uh, least expect or something like that. Uh-huh. Coupon code BRAINS for 14% off of the website that I'm about mm-hmm. to show you. Mm-hmm. Exactly, with a Z. Uh, exactly right. Uh, the B-R-A-I-N-Z. Uh, Potent Ponics, uh, how can people find you? Wouldn't it be hilarious if this one time they could find you at a completely wrong address? It was like <laughs> at National Geographic or something. The important hilarious. So on uh, on St. Patty's Day, it will be the six year anniversary of my show, uh, cool. and we're gonna have Mr. Green from uh, all those old uh, VHS and DVD videos from back in the day. He's gonna that's be cool. our guest, so that's gonna be super cool. fucking awesome. I think a lot of us have seen him, but then he disappeared for like 10 years. So it'd be interesting to, to have an interview. I don't think he's ever done an interview so far yet. So, uh, and then I also want to get him on Fumi show sometime too. And be a lot of fun. Fun. But he's going to be our guest for our six year anniversary. Uh, and then you guys can also find me at apmjclass.com. Uh, Marty and I have a whole uh, long format class. You can use coupon code Fumi, save 50 bucks off the class. Um, but uh, we have all different types of pest guides and construction guides and um, tours of facilities and all kinds of cool stuff that we don't have on YouTube. Um, and then uh, apmjnutes.com, N-U-T-E-S, um, uh, will get you to here, uh, which is our um, you know uh, website where we have uh, a tons of different aquaponic fish-safe nutrients if you're looking for that kind of stuff. You can get it in bulk. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that leaves me. Uh, I hope you guys will join me now at my website. I put it together. I hope you guys will uh, go and peruse it. If you have not, if you haven't uh, perused it recently, I hope you will uh, peruse it again. Take a look, ladies and gentlemen, at fumadoro.com. You can also type chronictable.com. It'll redirect to fumadoro.com. Pretty sure I have fumadoro.net and uh, fumadoro seedco and Da, 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 a couple other ones, but uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, go take a look at fumadoro.com. Take a look at the package deals right at the top here. Uh, as Smash said, oh, by the way, uh, Smashed and you know, Smash and Grab, I think, is going to be the uh, winning name of that package deal. So I guess there's going to be it'll probably be a, a fourth package deal, it'll probably be here on the left, I guess, tomorrow. But I'm gonna have to put it together. Uh, it takes a second to do it, so sorry, I, I wasn't able to do it. Smash was probably all disappointed. He's like, God oh, damn it, that would have been fun, and he's right, it would have been. Cheers, but everybody. It takes a bit of time. Uh, cheers, folks. Happy 420. Uh, but in the meantime, until we have the smash and grab, ladies and gentlemen, take a look at the West Engine Swindle Bundle. That's uh, three 10-packs right there. So right at the top here, these are all three 10-pack deals, basically. That's the, the deal portion of the, the story. Uh, right here on the left, one pack of Morgana, two packs of something else. Right in the middle, three packs of Morgana. Right on the right here, no packs of Morgana, three packs of something else. DM me what you would like, for example, Lime River Rose or Black Prince Ruby or A Thousand One Nights or whatever else. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you can also take a look at Lime River Rose. This is Kaffir Lime by Ruby Jack F2. Lots and lots and lots of sweet dessert, candy, lime popsicle limes, uh, uh, lots and lots of lime. Tiny little bit of lemon, but uh, lots and lots and lots of lime. If you guys like a, a strain that you actually will get lime out of, you're going to get uh, lime out of Lime River Rose. This is not one of those things where you're, oh, one out of ten. No, pretty much nine out of ten is lime. And the other one is roses. So pretty good combination, honestly, if I do say so myself, my friends. Dread Persephone, ladies and gentlemen. This is a, a really interesting cross. I think uh, Ginger from this one has been coming out. Go figure Ginger Bug brought me some uh, dr Dread Persephone to show off. That was a really delightful treat, honestly. Complete and totally surprised, total surprise. She brought some Dread Persephone she grew and some Silago uh, uh, the Bat. Both were absolutely delightful. And her Dread Persephone, she had two different ones. One was definitely more kind of dank, you know? The coot would laugh and say dankity-dank. But anyway, it was a little bit more kind of funky, you know? Uh, but the other one was uh, profoundly more floral. Actually, both of them were very, very floral. They had very similar structure. Anyway, super, super, super fun strain. I hope you guys will uh, take a look at Dread Persephone. That's the Sugar Tits by uh, Ruby Jack. And the Sugar Tits is, of course, uh, Ghost OG by Space Dude. So it's basically Subcool's take on uh, Ghost OG Cross, which he only did, I think, twice. He did a Hell's, well, he did a couple of Hell's Crosses, uh, and then he did the Ghost, which is arguably the same cut. But anyway, uh, how do I say, uh, Ghost OG, the Space Dude, and I pulled out a couple of interesting phenotypes of that, crossed one of them to create Dread Persephone. Ladies and gentlemen, Morgana is a big favorite. Berries, cherries, spiced wine. Uh, one of my favorite phenotypes is, or uh, yeah, one of my favorite phenotypes has this uh, really delightful gardenia, just this extreme elegance, honestly. Some of the phenotypes are not very elegant. They are very uh, brutal, like some of the sour cherry ones are really up in your nose and your nostrils. Good stuff. Uh, Black Prince Ruby, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a really big favorite of mine. Lots of strawberry, lots of the surprising amount of lavender, believe it or not. Uh, floral and, 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 and delightful and berry, lots of strawberry, a little bit of, of lavender. Thousand One Nights. I'll wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen, with this one. Uh, grapefruit, astringent grapefruit, sour, kind of horseradishy grapefruit, if that sounds intriguing to you. I, I think it should because it's a really, really interesting uh, profile. Hits really, really hard. It's goofy and confusing. I'm really fond of it. Thousand One Nights, my friends. It's a Ruby Jack BX, basically. So uh, if you guys don't remember me talking about Ruby Jack, Ask me next time, and I'll be happy to tell you. In the meantime, I'll tease you. This is Ruby Jack number eight. This is actually the mom twice removed because, again, it's a, a, a B. Well, actually, technically, like three times. It's been crossed in like three times uh, to get uh, twice with the dad and then back again to the mom to create 1001 Nights. Uh, the mom is Ruby Jack number eight. I still have her. I call her Pink Panther, that's the one right there. That's her at week 12. Remember, we were talking about like, uh, oh, aging the plants until they release their such and such and the essence and the chi and the fucking taekwondo and I don't even know what, black belt and something, something, something. Anyway, week 12, uh, not crashing out, but as you can see, the sugar leaves browning up on the edges and just basically getting like ready, just like cut me down, sir. I am fucking ready to go. Anyway, grapefruit, pink lemonade, Basically, pink lemonade, like an In-N-Out burger. Really like the uh, mottled coloring. Look at that, like one nanner at week 12. That's fucking right there. I'll take it. Week 12 nanner, it's not going to do shit to anybody. I'll take it. 
purple magenta trichomes, as you can see, ladies and gentlemen. Look how fun those are. You can see the individual cells developing, the, the, the anthocyanins and stuff. Isn't that fun? I always think that this is a trip. Because from a distance, you don't see it, right? But then you look at it under magnification, you're like, oh my God, it looks like Tetris or something. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, instead of babbling, because I'm uh, apparently high right now, coupon code BRAINS with a Z, B-R-A-I-N-Z for 14% off. And I realize that it's a little bit spicy, but bikinis for Kiev, ladies and gentlemen, for 15% off. Slava Ukraini. How do they say it? Slava Ukraina. Actually, I'm a bad... Uh, I'm not actually from Ukraine. My family was from Ukraine, but uh, I'm not actually from Ukraine, so I don't really speak Ukrainian, but uh, I am on their side. Ladies and gentlemen, as should everybody, come on, be on the right side of history for change, right? I always say, be kind, be decent, be gentle. Be on the right side of history. What the fuck? Be on the right side of history. At least uh, it doesn't cost you much. You know, you're out there getting shot at, you know what I mean? At least uh, at least uh, uh, try to be on the right side of history. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a dipshit at the end of the show. I don't know. It's my show. You guys can... Forgive me this one time. Magma Seeds, what's up, my friend? Nice to see you. Long story short, uh, cool guy right there in the chat, Magma Seeds. Uh, Hillbilly Herb Grower, thank you very much. He's saying amazing tricode shots. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Hope to offer some more in the future, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm taking an extended hiatus or something from the trick shots. Hope to get back into that in the near future here. My friends, uh, instead of rushing through it. Be kind, be decent, be gentle. Do not be dicks. Do not be dicks, my friend. It is very tempting sometimes, oftentimes, very often to be a dick. Do not. Choose the better path. Choose the non-dickish path, we shall call it, this afternoon, this evening, whatever the fuck it is right now. Ladies and gentlemen, just be chill. Don't be a fucking meanie pants. Be kind, rewind, be cool, right? Be calm. That's it, my friend. Magma's got it right there, dude. Peace is better than war. Atomic Spoon has it right there as well. Magma Seeds, Claude, Panda Cat. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, my friend. Long time no see. Pip Jam. Good to see Pip Jam right there. Ian in the house. Captain Calmag. Everybody knows that we need more Calmag. Not really, but uh, that's the joke. Captain Calmag, thank you as always for bringing it. Supreme Grape. Nice to see you, my friend. Everybody in the chat, I'm a bit too tired to shout out everybody's name, but uh, I'll try to get to you next time. Tomorrow, my friends, Weed and Whiskey Wednesday. I hope to see you guys there. Nice to see you, Christoph, Big Force. D, always a pleasure, my friend. Both bodies are already, uh, I just dogs. My friends, adios. Thanks for hanging. Cats and dogs, bats and frogs. Until we meet again. Peace.